Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friends show. I am Todd Dan Druff with Tellus. This is being broadcast live and recorded on April 18th, 2018. The time right now, 8.58 p.m. Pacific time. Before we do anything, before we get started with anything, I have to tell you we have a huge free roll tonight. Absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. And we have... The usual recent suspect to, to thank for this very large free roll, that's Eric Benzamokin. The former sponsor of the show has kind of turned into a sponsor of the free roll. He gives a lot of money, a lot of money to this free roll every week. Uh, I, I'm personally very surprised to see the, the money roll in every week. I, every time I think, okay, he's given so much now, there's no way he can give more. And then, then he gives more. <laughs> so... Um, what was going to be kind of a modest free roll this week uh, turned into a monster free roll, $335.10. And I'll get to why it's such an odd amount in a second. But $335.10 in cash to be given away tonight on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. And that's pretty big because this is not a free roll with 3,000 people. This is something with, with fewer than 100. So you have a very realistic chance to win the money here. And the first prize is especially nice this week. So... $175 for first. 175 Now, unless you're really rich, the time it takes for this free roll to complete, especially if you're listening to the radio anyway, uh, is worth it for $175. Like, this isn't like winning uh, 25 bucks. This is $175. Some real money here for a radio free roll with fewer than 100 people. 175 for first. 80 for second, which is better than our usual first prize. 40 for third, which is Still sometimes more than our first prize. 20 for fourth, 13 for fifth, and this year, we're, this year, this week we're paying sixth place for $7.10. $250 came from Eric Benzamokin, who has also pledged more for next week. We should have a similar free roll next week. 250 came from him. $20 came from Suicide King. $43 came from Matt the Rat. Gamblebot's Chafed Penis gave Twelve dollars and fifty cents, and I am Greek gave ten dollars. I guess I made a mistake here because I, I thought it was ten cents somewhere, and now I feel like a fool. It's actually fifty cents. It's three thirty-five fifty. Not that it's a huge difference. It's forty cents, but uh, that's what it is. Three thirty-five fifty was uh, given this week. So thank you to all of you. And I guess sixth place gets seven fifty now. So congratulations, whoever finishes six, you get an extra forty cents than what I was intending to give away. So thank you very much to Eric, uh, very very nice guy, very big fan of this show. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned this already, but we we were talking one night, and uh, I found out we have a lot in common as far as our background, a lot in common, like like probably more than uh, almost anyone I've ever met. So I won't go into details, but it was it was actually pretty surprising, you know, talking to him about stuff from the past and finding out that uh, a lot of things were very close to identical. Though we we differ on some things, I won't get into that either. But uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have brought it up if I'm not going to get into it. But anyway, um, I've still got to meet him in person. I haven't met him in person. He's not that far from me. He's not like super close, but he's not that far. So one of these days very soon, especially now the taxes are, are over with, which was a big pain in the ass this year for me. But now the taxes are over with, we will get on with meeting each other at some point. Okay, so 
the free roll started a minute ago, but don't worry about it because you have 24 minutes left to get in with a full stack. 25 minutes of late registration. To qualify for the, for the free roll, you must go to pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll and read and understand the, wor- the, 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 the words, the, the rules. Pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll to understand the requirements to win the free money. Plus, Belly Buster needs to have approved your account to play. He's doing this. He's the poker room manager. He's doing this so people don't register duplicate accounts and dump chips to themselves. So he has to approve you. Once you're approved, then you're in, unless he takes it away from you. But uh, uh, if, if you're not approved right now, don't frantically send me a message during radio. I'm not going to do it. You need to take care of this beforehand. You can PM him, but Belly Space Buster on the forum. If you're really having a problem getting approved and you think you should, uh, message me and I'll try to help. Though, again, this is all left up to Belly Buster. This is something I don't uh, take authority over. So uh, he's running it on his computer over there in England, and uh, therefore it's his decision. If he doesn't want you in the free rolls, then you're not going to be in them. <laughs> I can put in a good word for you. I can give suggestions, but I can't force him. So just keep that in mind, too. Don't piss him off. and don't. His main rule for the free roll, by the way, is don't be a dick. And he's not kidding. This isn't like a joke. He's, he's really serious. Like if, if he just thinks that you're abusing the free roll in some way, or making it unpleasant for people in some way. He's, he's just going to not let you in. And uh, it's not a democratic process. He's just going to say, I don't want you here. But I haven't seen him do anything unreasonable. So it's not even like he's he's running this as a power trip. It's uh, um, he, He's doing what he thinks is correct, and uh, usually I agree. And again, if I don't, then I can try to give suggestions on your behalf, and uh, it may help. Okay, so we're going to try a prank call tonight to a Microsoft scammer. I got this popped up on my computer when I was at some shady website. Uh, I won't tell you which one, but <laughs> I was at some shady website this afternoon and I got that pop-up, the fake Microsoft uh, needs to get a virus off your computer pop-up, which is really a, a scammer. So we're going to try to call it. The problem is because this show starts so late, usually they close by then, which is kind of funny because they're usually based out of India where uh, you know, it's not late at night, but Nevertheless, I guess they close when they don't think they get as many calls. But we'll give it a shot. We will give it a shot. I could pre-record these. I just I just hate playing pre-recorded prank calls. I think part of the fun of the show is to have the listener hear it as I'm hearing it. And yes, I know a lot of people are in the archives and hearing it recorded anyway. Because, but it's different, though. You're hearing a, an exact replica of what went down live. I just hate recording something first and then dropping it in and then either telling people it's recorded or uh, or pretending it's not. I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same. It, it's just one of these things that does not feel the same unless I make the call live. But if I can never get them on the phone, maybe I'll do one of these recorded and just own up to it that we recorded it earlier. Um, I, I think about it as a, a radio listener too because I, I will tell you, I love radio shows where the host just makes random phone calls. And I it's usually against the FCC rules to do this. In fact, it's not – okay, let me clarify. It's not against the FCC rules to do it, but it's against the FCC rules to do it without telling the person. But it actually is legal to call someone and say you're on the air. This is uh, over the air. We're not talking about internet radio like this. So I like the unpredictable calls, even on regular radio. It either has to be pre-recorded or they have to get permission first when they're calling someone live on the air. Still, at least they can call them live. And 
when I hear that happen, and if it's not contrived or staged, I'm really into it because I know like the host is hearing it at the same time I am. I know that uh, anything can happen from this point. And to me, that's much more interesting than hearing something that was pre-recorded, where they think, "Oh yeah, this is good for radio," and play it back later. It's just not the same. And as a longtime fan of radio, I try to mold this show according to the way I enjoyed radio as a kid in the '70s and '80s. Anyway, moving along here, the phone number for the show is seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. That's the number. Someone says they're going to call in tonight. Someone told me beforehand that they want to call in and discuss some things with me. And I told them they could, but I told them to try to do it between segments. I'm going to advise you guys of the same thing. If you want to call in, do so, but try not to interrupt an existing segment going on unless you have a comment about that segment, because there's a good chance I won't answer. Or if I do answer and you try to derail it, then uh, (laughs) I'll just hang up on you. Usually I just don't even answer when we're doing a segment, because uh, I don't want to be interrupted. But try to call between segments or when I suggest to make the call. Anyway, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call the Mount Charleston line. Mount Charleston, where a tragedy seems to have occurred this past week, where a well-known longtime Vegas sports handicapper seems to have perished. But nevertheless, we still have our line there, 702 702- 430-1808-702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line located in a cabin on top of Mount Charleston. It's an old 70s rotary phone which forwards to me wherever I go. Don't text that number, though. But you can text the main number, 775-372-8355. You can text that anytime before, after, or during the show, and I'll usually respond to you. But if you don't want me reading your text on the air, then make sure to mention it beforehand. So looking at the text we've received, uh, what time does the show start tonight? Can't wait. Uh, it ended up starting close to nine. <laughs> um, this is uh, a text about the uh, Venetian shooting, which will be our lead story. Why do you keep saying the Venetian employee's shooter was fired? I'm pretty sure he was still employed there. Hmm. Um, he says he was suspended recently, but not fired. That's different than what I heard, but it might be correct. So we'll get to that when we talk about that topic. Uh, from the 716, uh, this is the person who wants to call in, so I'll let him speak for himself when he calls in. Uh, someone from the 805 sent me a screenshot of some interesting stuff going back and forth between Liv Bory and some other people. Another topic we're going to talk about tonight. For the 902. No, never mind. I, I got to go through these beforehand. That's a personal text. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not not even an exciting one. If it, if it was more exciting, I'd read it. It's kind of a boring personal text. Um, and uh, someone bringing my attention to the Doug Polk interviewing Brian Mikeon thing. And yes, we're going to talk about that tonight. It's not not on the official agenda yet, but. Uh, I will talk about the Brian Mikeon interview, maybe even play some clips, and I'll give you my belief regarding uh, Brian Mikeon's crypto wealth. It's an opinion, though. I have no information, but it's an opinion. And also uh, how he came off in that interview. I didn't watch it. I've only watched small clips of it, and I probably won't, but uh, I've seen and I know enough to make some comments on it. 
But I, I won't pretend like I, I watched the whole thing because I didn't. I didn't watch most of it. So, uh, if you want to listen to the show, if you want to listen to the show without having to use a computer or a smartphone, of course, there's a call to listen line. That's 712-775-8162. is the call to listen line. And this is a very simple number. You just call it up and listen to the show. does not require a smartphone or a data plan or the internet or a computer. Just very simply, you call and you listen with any phone in the world that can dial. It absolutely, positively, never, never, never buffers. I promise you, it will never buffer. Because I hate buffering. And I made sure if I'm going to have a line like that, it will never buffer. Or otherwise, my own call to listen line would piss me off. So, 712-775-8162 is the number. When we're not live on the air, just call it and you can hear a random streaming rerun from our library of more than 270 past shows. It'll pick one, just randomly run it in full, and then pick another one randomly, run it in full, until we come back live on the air. If you want to chat during the show, during the live show, that is, uh, go into the chat room. You need a Flash-enabled device. You need a form account in good standing on PokerFraudAlert.com. It's a chat button near the top center of the screen, or top left, actually. And I guess that's about it as far as the uh, preliminary intro. Now, here, now here's the real intro. <laughs> and by the way, we are... Uh, We may or may not have Calwatt tonight. I messaged him before, but he just he didn't answer me. I thought I messaged him before he would have gone to sleep, but I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But maybe he will appear. We have Trey Ruski who has uh, committed, so that's good. And uh, we're going to have a check-in with Ken Scaler very shortly, provided he didn't turn off his phone. So I'm going to get uh, Trey Ruski on here in a second. Then, uh, then we're going to call Ken Scaler before he disappears. Uh, then we'll try the prank call to the Microsoft scammer. Uh, and then we'll go on with the rest of the agenda. Here is the rest of the agenda. I played the first round in the Poker Fraud Alert Spring Heads Up Classic. Thank you, China Maniac, for organizing that. Against Jay Searles, a, a troll on the site who was especially trolling me a lot the day of the match Sunday. And I, I was looking forward to crushing him, and it was looking like I was going to. Uh, the first match, I beat him. Up one nothing. I just had to win another match and be over. Two out of three. Uh, next match, we were kind of trading chips back and forth until he punted off almost all of his stack with ace-eight offsuit pre-flop. I snapped him off with tens. Actually, I didn't snap him off. I, I paused. I did a dramatic pause just to kind of uh, be an asshole to him because he deserved it. Uh, and then, then I called it the tens. <laughs> and then the tens held, so I had, like, 26-something in chips, and he had like three-something in chips, and it was pretty much done. I was going to win and move on to the second round, and uh, unfortunately, things went downhill from there. Uh, first, he got dealt kings against jacks, of all things, super short stacked, so doubled up right there, and um, then I had an opportunity to bust him, and I made a bad fold. My, my worst played hand by far in the whole thing, or I made a very bad fold. I'll talk about that when we do that little topic, and uh, I lost. And then I lost the rubber match, where we just kind of traded chips, and I lost on kind of a semi-cooler. 
where he had me out kicked, where he flopped in top air. So uh, he went on. Congrats to Jay Searles. And uh, he's going to play Devity next, who beat a very tough player in a Roland X420. So talk a bit about that. Uh, the big story this week, a, a Venetian employee who was either fired or suspended showed up at a company picnic and shot two people. One was killed, one in critical condition. Very tragic story, and we'll talk about that. Liv Bory made a very controversial tweet praising Annie Duke, which is now sending some people to try to find an old episode of Donkdown Radio after I was no longer involved, where she was on talking about the Epic Poker League. But a lot of discussion among people in poker about whether Annie Duke deserves any kind of praise for anything. And you know when I'm on the same side as Scott Seaver and Justin Bonomo, our side's got to be right. <laughs> because we're we're pretty much opposite on everything. So when I agree with those guys, you know that the other side's got to be like super wrong. I'm not saying that they're always right. I'm saying that uh, we're, we're so opposite in our opinions that if we can come together on this, then there must be something very obvious. As I mentioned in the intro or the pre-intro, a well-known sports handicapper in Vegas went hiking on Mount Charleston and vanished. Unfortunately, he's probably dead. So we'll talk about that tragic story there out of Mount Charleston, which... Uh, People didn't really know much about Mount Charleston. People are people this week are learning about Mount Charleston around the country. People were not aware it existed. People people come to Vegas every year and they have no clue that Mount Charleston's there. No clue. I tell people about it. They go, "What? What's Mount Charleston?" Like if you listen to this show, you know what Mount Charleston is. But most people visiting Vegas, if you said, "What is Mount Charleston?" they would say they don't know. And that's a shame. It should be known. The bigger shame though when someone dies there. Okay. Uh, famous poker players were victims in the Ali Fazeli ticket scam that we talked about previously on this show, so I'll tell you more about that, which is the details have just come out on that. When you see the WPT on television and you see the people in the audience, I'm sure you assume that it's a mixture of just kind of randoms around the casino who just found it interesting to watch or more likely people who are friendly with those who are at the final table. I bet you never thought that there are paid extras in the audience, but apparently there are, and we're going to talk about that rather uh, obnoxious situation. Speaking of obnoxious, the World Series of Poker and America's Card Room are added again on Twitter. Two years ago, they had a battle, and the slap fight is continuing now in 2018. Another World Series of Poker story, they've uh, modified... The player of the year formula, which was terrible last year, and Negreanu got really pissed about it because he was fairly close to winning it. He would have lost anyway, truthfully. He he didn't deserve player of the year. He was close. He had a great World Series, but he, he, he didn't deserve it overall. But uh, they've modified the formula, but they will also not reveal the formula. Apparently, the, the formula is a tremendous secret. It's, it's proprietary. <laughs> no. WSOP.com. Two stories about them. Uh, first of all, they may share the player pool between New Jersey and Nevada, Delaware as of May 1st, which will improve the site. It won't be as much of a ghost town, hopefully. So we'll see if that happens, but that's been announced. I'll read the announcement to you guys and give you my opinion. They also will not 
allow downloading of hand histories. You cannot say, give me all my hand history. You can't do that. They claim it's illegal. And there's some gripes about that. There are some players insisting it is legal and that they are making it too easy for cheaters to get away with cheating on there. New technology has been developed, or it's being developed. I'm not sure if it's being or has been developed, but it's uh, to read human emotions. Why am I talking about that here? What if that is utilized at the poker table, at a live poker table? Will that put an end to the poker face? Will, will tells become too obvious if technology can read your face and see if you're bluffing? It's not as far-fetched as you might think. Finally, Phil Galfon gave an update regarding the new poker site that he's talked about for years that has not happened. I will tell you what that update is and how I feel about that update. So that is our agenda this evening. You have seven more minutes to get into the free roll. Let's call up Master Scaler. Let's call him up. Let's see if we can reach him. Because he's got some stuff to talk about. There's actually a, a topic about him. So... I feel we need to talk. Come on, can't answer. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Master Scaler, hello, you're on the radio. Oh, God damn it! That's the only way to get you on here. I don't call radio shows unless that's why call we call you guests or something. That's why we call you. That's why I, I wanted to get you on here, and I, I knew if I told you the show's going, you was, you're going to go run and hide. So I had to surprise you. Yeah, I'm going out of town tomorrow. Where? Uh, I'm going to uh, upstate New York to meet your co-host. Really? Why are you kidding? I'm going to Coachella week two. Okay. Yeah, I knew that. So Ken is a, a huge fan of Coachella. And Ken was going to Coachella before Coachella was cool. Ken was, uh, before most of you knew what Coachella was, like everybody knows it now, even across the country people know. Uh, it used to be some- And the world, and the world! Yeah, it, like, it used to be something that was, um, only known, uh, among alternative music fans in Southern California and Arizona, but, uh, and some in Las Vegas too, but kind of like this region, uh, only certain types of music fans knew about it. I, like, I only heard about it through Ken. But but now everyone knows about it. It's a huge thing. Uh, now, Ken, how many years have you gone, including this year? This is my seventeenth year in a row. Yeah. So and, and remember, I go both weekends. So I've been like twenty something times. Right. Right. So so a few years ago, they split it into two weekends where it's it's the same show. Two thousand twelve. Yeah. It, it's wow. That it's longer than I thought it was. But they. They split it into two weekends, but it's the exact same both weekends. But he goes to both because he he goes to different bands that are playing because there's a bunch of different stages where you can't see everything no yeah, matter it's, it's never the same i know i don't repeat bands so yeah. it's completely different for me yeah so he goes to both weekends and can you really live for this this is like a, a very very big uh period for you every year like this is this is the oh, part yeah it keeps me motivated and going yeah this is something that can not just enjoys but he, he really lives for so um now i want to bring everybody's attention to something some people on the forum have seen this already but I want to bring people's attention on the radio who, who may not know about it. Uh, Ken was actually covered in the Orange County Register, which is uh, a, mag- a newspaper in, uh, in Southern California, Orange County. 
Yeah. And uh, see, Ken is... I think it's only been online. I don't think it was in the print edition, but go on. Well, that's kind of sad, but okay. Uh, the, the Orange County Register covered the fact that Ken is always in the front row. So the title of the article is, Meet the Guy You'll See in the Front Row of Coachella 2018. And it is true. Ken has this amazing ability to always be in the front row of every band he sees. And keep in mind, Coachella has, what, like 80,000 people going to it every year? Yeah, 125,000. Oh, 125,000. Okay, it's expanded. So 125,000 go there. Now, yes, there's several bands playing at once, so it's not 125,000 watching one band, but still, you can imagine there's massive numbers of people seeing each band, and Ken always manages to get in the front row. Now, are you in the front row of every single band you see? Yeah, why wouldn't I be? <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, I would think it's hard, but he manages it. He's a, he's in the front row every time. So the, the question I get about Ken all the time, and even I can't answer this, it's proprietary information. Uh, Ken, people ask him, how do you do it? People ask me, how does Ken do it? How is Ken always in the front? So uh, the Orange County Register covered this this year, and it's the article's called Coachella 2018, Meet the Guy You'll See in the Front Row at the Festival. And uh, this is By what the way, the reporter was, what's his, I forgot the reporter's name, he's obnoxiously tall. He's Peter Larson is his name. So or Peter Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N? Yes. Or S-O-N? S-E-N. So this is oh, what... Oh. This, like like Larson's Steakhouse. Yes, like that. So, so here's what he wrote. Here's what Peter Larson, the really tall guy, wrote. By, by the way, I should say something else. The reason Ken's bringing this up is even though Ken is very tall, Ken is, is, is you know, 6'2 to 6'3, somewhere around there, okay? And despite the fact that Ken is probably taller, I mean, I looked this up one time, because we're the same height. Uh, he, he's taller than 95% of, of all males in the United States. So yes, it's a little bit it's a little bit misleading because you know that includes the really old guys when you know the generations that were shorter, but uh, they didn't have nutrition. Yeah, but but still no, but a lot of the people with a bad nutrition are dead by now. Uh, but only five percent are taller than me. What about the people that exactly tie with me? Are they part of the five? They're they're part of the ninety five percent. It's kind of hard to tell you that. Just mean greater than. Wait, like I, actually, I'm, equal, I'm not sure. You know? It's kind of hard to tell from what I looked at. But anyway, uh, but despite that, Ken gets bothered when he meets a guy who's taller than him. Ken gets jealous and wishes that he was you know these taller people's height, even though Ken is is taller than ninety five percent of all men in the U S. I like to, I like to dominate a room. I don't like anybody taller than me. Yeah. Well, you should go to Temple more then. You'll be, you'll be the one of the tallest ones there for sure. You know, you know. Believe it or not, there's a lot of tall Jews now. But no, I don't like see many. No, come on. I, I when see. I go to Jewish events, I'm like a giant there. I I, I can look over like yeah. a crowd of a thousand people, and I just look over everyone's heads. Okay, so well, you know, some of those Jewish day schools have basketball teams or volleyball teams, and some of them are pretty tall, actually. No, there are some tall Jews. That's why some people don't realize it. They're like like you and I, okay? But uh, there's the, most Jews yeah. are not are not like us in height. So okay, so here here's how the, the article yeah. goes. Uh, perhaps the pinnacle for the man known as K-Rock Ken came at the Coachella Music and Arts Festival in 2015 as he stood at the barricade at the front of the outdoor theater. He's always at the very front of the crowd, and he decided he'd say hello to Stuart Murdoch, lead singer of Bell and Sebastian, during a lull between songs. I saw you here in 2002, shouted Kenneth Scaler, a bushy-bearded 48-year-old sales manager from Sherman Oaks. And Murdoch I didn't say my age. And Murdoch replied, "You look like you've been here since 2002." <laughs> so yeah. that, that was a pretty clever response. He said, "You look like you've been standing here since 2002." Oh, okay, okay. So, so uh, by the way, what is this about a sales manager? You're not a sales manager. You're a telemarketer. What is this? No, I said I, I said I, I work in uh, sales, like middle management. You know, well, that's I, I not true either. Sales, you're not so. managing anybody. I don't think. Have you ever managed anybody in your life? 
Myself. Okay. In, in the Starbucks bathroom. I have, to, I, have to know, I have to control my bowel movements. Okay. That's, I don't want to think about that. Okay, let's go on here. So it, we it's found... There's acorn and a sesame seed that comes out intact. Go ah, on. Oh, boy. Okay. We found Scalar in, in Sunday where he's been for most of his 17 years of attending Coachella, leaning into the bar- barricade at the front of the Mojave tent... That's the name of just the one of the concert areas. Uh, as singer-songwriter LP performed an a- early afternoon set. Once she finished and left the oh, stage... By the way, i got to say something about LP. I don't know if the lead singer is a man or a woman. I have I literally, to this day, I don't know if it was a guy or a girl. Well, it just said it's she. It's so ambiguous, I, the gender of the LP singer. But, but it, said, on. it said once she finished, so I, I think we know now. Okay. Once she finished and left the stage, the... Uh, we thought, if not now, when, and walked over to him and asked him how he does it, scoring the best spot in the house, set after set, year after year. I plan to try to get there early, Scaler said, and minimize how often I go to the bathroom. <laughs> That's a delicate thing in the desert heat, he said. Uh, I try to drink enough to stay hydrated, but not so much that I have to go pee every five minutes, he said. So uh, then it goes on to say, he got the nickname K-Rock Can in the 80s when he became a diehard fan of the alternative rock station that played uh, – the, the alternative rock the station played and started showing up at a bunch of concerts all the time. He kind of liked it when the internet came around, and he adopted it for his social media handles. He spent most of the weekend, one, watching the bigger bands on his list at the outdoor theater, such as David Byrne and the Fleet Foxes on Saturday, and weekend two with the smaller acts that typically play the Sonora Tent. That's where he's going to be this week, by the way. Uh, and he wishes Golden Voice, which owns Coachella, uh, would go back to more rock acts, though he understands that hip-hop, EDM, and pop are what's more popular here now. So, Ken, do you ever watch any of the hip-hop, pop, or EDM there? I sometimes have to if I'm waiting for another band at a stage, and it's, it's very hard. Okay, so you, you don't voluntar- voluntarily do it, but if it's necessary, you will. Yeah, if it's okay. necessary, I will. I'm not. A, I'm not a walker. I'm a stander. I pick one stage and just stand. Okay, there. We ra- we wrapped our chat then, but it still might have thrown off an important part of the plan for the day. I was going to run to the bathroom, but I talked to you. He said. So did this really ru- you know, like ruin your bathroom time that you had to talk to this guy? Uh, I waited for the next band to go to the bathroom. Okay. So that's that's the story here. I wish it was longer. Like when Ken told me there's this article, I was hoping I was going to read like a whole long thing about him. But it's better than nothing. It is interesting, and I yeah. sent it to a lot of Maybe people. Maybe could get him on the show. I, I don't think that's necessary. But but by, by, by the way, by the way, another thing about K Rock is not only obsessive old K Rock music and alternative and new wave and Britpop and indie. There's also a very specific former DJ on K-Rock that I'm obsessed with that I've never mentioned on the show, but Todd knows very well who yeah. I'm talking about. Well, he's talking about poor man who did Loveline. So, Jim Trenton. So uh, anyway, Ken, uh, are you going to go to Coachella as long as you're physically able to? As long as I'm alive and can afford it, you know. Well, and are physically able to. Like you could be just so sick you couldn't yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, as long as I can, I'll somehow find a way there somehow – Somehow. Now, here's a question. Since it is trending more and more toward uh, hip-hop and pop and EDM, what if eventually the alternative-type bands you like go away? To, uh, that may they stop you from... They always have some alternative bands. Yeah, what about, what about in 20 years? Older Maybe Boys remembers their heritage. No. Start out as, Look, they started booking, like, punk bands in the early 80s, you know, like... Okay, but in 20 you know, years... So they remember their heritage, you in, know? In 20 years, when even Benjamin is too old to probably want to go there... 
maybe they won't have any alternative music. Maybe that'll be dead by that point. I bet you they will. No, a rock music goes in waves. It'll come back strong as ever. Okay. And if you don't like it, you can sever it. <laughs> okay, Ken. Well, uh, now here, here's a co-host. Like uh, nobody else well, is talking. No, we have one. Uh, here tra- I am. What's yeah, happening, Ken? Trader Ruski's here. Oh, okay. You're just. I hope I hope you're awake. Hey, I'm sorry. Ken, Ken, have you seen that? Uh, there's a documentary on Showtime about uh, new Gary Shamley. No, it's about new wave music. It's called New Wave Dare to Be Different. It's about that. Uh, oh, I mean, oh, you know what? I've never seen that, but I, I really it just really came out. You'll probably see. love it. I'll, I'll look forward, and I also want to see this. Uh, there's a there's a documentary about shoegaze music, which is another weird alternative music called A Beautiful Noise. I'm dying. I've been trying to find that documentary for like five years, but it's either a beautiful noise or a beautiful sound. But okay, yeah, okay. Well, here I have a beautiful question. Uh, Trader Ruski, have you ever been to Coachella? I have not. Okay, I have. I have not I was, either. I was, I was at the US Festival way back when. The Oz Festival. The US. You said the US or the Oz? US. 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 Yes. US. The 1982 one or the 1983 one? 1983. Wow, Ben. <laughs> uh, wow, I. I I can't believe you know because the 1982 one had more new wave than the 1983 one. 1983 one a little more mainstream. Well, can't, I can't. It was the one that Van Halen like Sunday was Rock Day. You know Van Halen, Scorpions, Judas Priest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a heavier uh, day and then like a new wavier day. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Ken, how do you remember this so well? You were only uh, 12 and 13 years old then. I I was always following music. Okay, that's right. I was I think I was like 16 when I went. Yes, it must I, I, I remember 15. it. You know, I yeah. I wanted to go to the new wave day. My parents would have let me go, and I had no way to get there. You know, without you now know, can, a vehicle or something. The, the question on everybody's mind here, at least my mind, is uh, now uh, the first week Ken stayed in, in a motel there. But the question is, the second week without a roommate, that you, uh, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. Let's officially leave it at that. Officially leave it at that. Officially leave it at that. <laughs> okay. That's too bad. I wanted to talk about that. Okay, so nope. Sometimes you leave the best stuff on the table. Um, people, yeah. you know, people Sorry. have asked. We had a discussion last week about the Starbucks situation, about the not not the recent uh, racism allegation, but the your oh, Starbucks. All black people. No, 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 now no, that, 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 was, that was L.A., the bathroom one. But the two guys were They're going to close, they're gonna close Starbucks for one day to give racial sensitivity training to all employees. Yeah, so, so Ken, do you think they're going to come up with a, a new policy about uh, sensitivity toward masturbators who want to use their bathroom without buying anything? I, you know what? I don't recall that incident. You, you talk about flukes like they're typical. Sometimes <laughs> something you think is mainstream, or the nucleus is really cytoplasm outlier. That is extremely... Extremely outlier. Okay, Ken, I as just, well as out there. I, I, I did hear there was a black guy that wanted to jerk off in the bathroom. And they wouldn't let him. I, I yeah, don't want to know about that. Yeah, they they they, they said, look, <laughs> that's disgusting. We only let white that's guys. Like, that's, we, like, that's like seeing a guy pick his nose and then 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 pick salad out of something. It's like I don't want to hear about that. They crap. say, well, listen, we're not going to let black people jerk jerk off in our bathrooms. Only the white people can do it. And that that created a huge controversy. So you want to have like a apartheid bathroom masturbation policy? I think what they need to have they need to have uh, four bathrooms now. Okay, they need men. 
Okay. They need women. They need a, a tranny bathroom, and then they also need a yeah. masturbator's bathroom. The, 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 the here's the way the symbols would be: it's just the, like the male figure, the female figure, <laughs> the one that shows like half and half, where it's like half, like half a yeah. dress, half pants, yeah. which is a really weird figure, and then actually a guy like with his hand uh, kind of by his waist, in a, like an up and down That's motion. Disgusting. Well, what if a, what if a woman wants to masturbate in there? Oh, uh, she can do it. It's, it would be uh, open to women as well. But it's okay. So it is. It is gender. I, I couldn't see open. the protesters if they just had a guy jerking off. Well, maybe they could. They could have yeah, the, a lot of protesters. You got to have to incorporate both genders. There's actually many genders now. If you go on OK Cupid, and uh, you know, yeah, I don't understand that. I see. I, I, many genders. There's multiple genders and multiple orientations. Multiple genders. Multiple the orientations make sense. The genders doesn't. I, I, I just it, it doesn't make sense to you know, me. You're, you're gender queer. And I gender know, but that's fluid that's BS. Like, okay, if you're either male, male, I think you're either male. I think you're either male, female, or if you, you know, if you are a transsexual and you feel you were born into the wrong body and want to transition, then fine. Then you're whatever the new gender is. So if you're male's transmission to female, you want. Could be considered female, fine, or the other way, fine. But, but, really? uh, wow. But you're not no, that conservative. No, but I don't feel there should be fifty genders where you're gender queer, gender nonconforming. That's just nonsense. This is me. on OK Cupid. No, if you go, if you apply for OK Cupid, they list so many genders. I know it's stupid, as well as orientation. It, it's it's stupid. There should be you know de- demisexual, sapiosexual, pansexual. But those are well, that's but pansexual like that, that stuff is actually uh, preferences, and I think a lot of that is BS too, though. I, I can understand some of that more than I can understand the uh, the millions of genders. Like, like well, I, if you think about it logically, bumper, we never get a bumper sticker that says "At least Phil Helmet is straight." <laughs> you know, if you think about it logically, okay. So there's certain people that they're born a certain gender and they just never feel that gender. They just want to, you know, they they really feel like they're the under, other gender and put a lot of effort into transitioning over. Fine, you can understand that. You can you can think about it and say, yeah, okay, first gender. You, you can say this may not be me, but I, I can understand it. I can I can see how this could happen. But I don't understand this like just because, for example, uh, um, you, you have a male who wants to stay male. But but has some feminine interests or feminine mannerisms. Well, okay, you're still male. You're just a more feminine male or or a more masculine female. You can do that without your. Isn't what, there a term for that called metrosexual? No, that's something different. But I'm talking about like the gender queer. Like it just seems like these days, if someone has like the the slightest uh, uh, types of characteristics that the other gender has or interest the other gender has, they suddenly claim, oh, I'm gender queer because you know, I like a few things that girls like, or I, I have a few things about me that are feminine, weird, but I'm male. The weird thing is, is that band LP that the guy interviewed me after I was, I, I really don't know if that okay, was gonna, a man or a woman. I'm going to go take a look at this. I've got, I got to take, take a look at this. So let's see. LP lead singer. I, got, I, I have no familiarity with this band, but I'm going to take a look here. They were at Coachella, you know, LP lead, you know, LP. You know, I don't know if there's a dot. You know, just, you know what's funny? I, I, see, know I see what you're talking about. I see what you're talking about, but to me it actually looks more like a man. Yeah, I thought it was a man. Yeah, to me, the, the person next to me thought it was a woman, and the other person next to me thought it was a man. I kept asking, what, yeah, what is this thing? To, to me, it looks like a, a feminine man. That's what it looks like. Now, I may be wrong, but I'm just saying that's okay. what it, that's the appearance it gives. It's just a, kind of like a skinny feminine okay. man. Okay, I, I wasn't sure if it was a man. In fact, even the voice didn't really differentiate. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. It was maybe, just so crazy. Maybe, maybe the singer of LP can uh, be the new Pat on Saturday Night Live. It's Pat. Yeah. Of course, the, the actual LP. Of course, the actual person who played Pat was. By the way, I don't want to give too much publicity to LP. The, the band wasn't very good. They weren't but, very good. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. So, by the, the way, before them was incredible. Hey, hey Ken, here, here's what somebody asked in the chat. Hong Konger. He's a, a guy who actually is in Hong Kong. Uh, he, he asked, really? yeah, he asked, what's Ken going to do the day that Starbucks is closed? Are you going to go, go to Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf? I have my own apartment, God damn it! I saved it with pasta. <laughs> and drop. By the way, I do think they're just closing in the afternoons that day. I think it was originally reported they're shut. They're the whole closing day, all day. It's going to be partial. So it's going to be a partial but, meltdown. Close closing. Yeah. Racial sensitivity training reopen later. Yeah, they're not giving up that morning coffee revenue. I, I yeah, I, I well, thought that's crazy. It was corporate, I think it's just. And I think it's just the corporate locations, the franchises. I think it's optional. Oh, really? The franchises, they're going to, they're going to, so I can always go to a franchise, but yeah. I don't ever do that in the bathroom. So <laughs> yeah, if you needed to do it, just I hypothetically. Could, I, could call, I, I could call around and go, Are you a corporate store or franchise? Yeah, I need to come down and masturbate. Are you open today? I think all Applebee's are franchises and all in and out burgers are corporate. Okay, so this is, we got information on this lead singer of LP from A Brown 83, who usually has the correct information. In fact, A Brown 83 is one of the few people who predicted on this forum that Donald Trump was going to win. And people laughed at him. People told him he's delusional and they, they uh, and he wasn't like a diehard Trump supporter or anything. He just said from what he can see. He just realistically thought he yes, was going to win. Yes, he realistically thought that Trump was going to be the winner and he got laughed at. Now he's the one laughing. So anyway, okay. A Brown 83 yeah. said it's 100% a girl. She had breast cancer and never had reconstruction. Well, I mean, that, that's, yeah. It, oh, my God. Yeah, he actually says he hates Trump. So he, he definitely wasn't a supporter. He just thought and, Trump and was you thought, And you thought the LP singer was a guy. Well, you know, it's not, it's not just the lack of breasts. I noticed the lack of breasts, but I just, the, the whole, like, the facial structure kind of looks male. What is going on there? Is that an airplane? What is that? What? It's so loud. What was that? No, I was just, I was just walking in a parking lot, and I guess I walked by something. Go on. That's the second time that's happened. Okay. I thought I thought it was going to go, you aliens. And then uh, John Commode claimed, maybe you'll know this, Ken. He says, LP is not the band, but the initials of the female lesbian singer. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. So LP is, is her. It's not a band. Yeah. Okay. See, I, I don't know this stuff. Okay, I, I, I can't believe John Commode I, knows I, this. So the band before Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever from Australia were incredible. That was one of the top five bands of the week but i'm shocked that john commode knows just, this let me tell you, i'm sure i'm shocked he knows this because he's like one of our oldest listeners he's like in his mid to late 60s well he probably had to look up who lp was you know no, he's not exactly you know justin timberlake in terms of popularity maybe, maybe he's maybe he's one of the few old guys into that type of music i don't know okay maybe, maybe we'll create an lp thread on your message board even though everyone's going to reddit now all right let's not go that far all right so okay Ken, thank you for being on tonight. Uh, people always beg me for a Ken Scaler update. That's why I had to throw you on here. Well, I hope I was entertaining and informative and a little bit fun and urbane at the same time. Okay. I wouldn't go that far either, but thank you for appearing on the show. And How late, uh, I, 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 Can I ask you my original question that I called before I knew you were doing your, this damn radio show? Yeah. Do you know what the weather's going to be in India the next four days, or do I just have to go look it up myself? I'll, I'll look I'm it up. About the, I will look it up right now. It won't be good radio, but uh, as a favor I'm to you. Worried about, I'm worried about the wind also, not just heat or cold, but wind. Uh, wind, is hard, wind is harder to tell. I'll see what it says. Uh, that, that, as far as predicting the weather, they've gotten really, really good these days. Like It's very rare that they're wrong, but uh, yeah. especially when it gets fairly this close. Weather.com? No, no, no. This is, I'm looking at the weather underground, but... The wind, sometimes they're wrong on that. So here's what it says. Um, Friday, you're, you're lucky because it's going to be windy tomorrow, but it's going to die down. Yeah. So on uh, Friday, high 91, low 61. 
Saturday, high uh-huh. 95, low 65. Sunday, okay. high 100, low 67. Yeah. Yeah, Ken oh loves God, Ken, Ken loves heat. So and it's so it's going to be very warm this week and and the wind will be moderate. The it's it's a uh, 12 miles per hour Friday, 6 miles per hour Saturday, 10 miles per hour on Sunday is the forecast. Because the, because usually you can check in the campgrounds on Thursday but it's delaying until Friday at 3 a.m. cuz of the winds. So that's why I was worried about the Okay, wind. yeah, yeah, thir- because Thursday is going to have high winds, that's why. Okay, that's why. Hey, okay, and Ken, so I, I think you should. I think you should print out that article, by the way, and charge people fifty bucks and tell them you'll get them up front with you. That's a good idea. Why? Uh, that that you, could you, be a whole business you could create. You know what, Ken? I'm gonna. He's not even kidding because I actually used to charge people in high school. Nothing like fifty bucks. I wish I could have, but but I would be the first one in the pizza lunch line, and uh, yeah, I would actually buy lunch. For like eight different people, so I go, yeah, I'd like eight pizzas, please, and they give me like eight lunches of pizza, and then I'd hand them off to everybody who gave me their money to buy them with, and the they they paid me a nominal amount each time, like they'd give me the money, and then I'd basically keep the change each time. So um, from doing oh, that, wow. I I, bas- I basically got like a free lunch and a little bit more every every day, and, and then I just of wow. keep the money. But like my mom would give me the money for lunch, and I could just pocket it because I was uh, making money. Uh, just be in the front of the line, but why don't you do this for Coachella, where where you like save a space for someone? See, this is that noise again. I what? You, you should keep. I, you should save a space for someone and tell them, hey, you know, come up and meet me in the front here, you know, twenty minutes beforehand, and uh, you know, pay me fifty dollars. You, sh- you should do that. You should you should be the the front front of the line getting service. Uh, you know, it sounds almost like Task Rabbit or or maybe Uber Eats or Grubhub or something, but. Wow, the the gig economy. I have to think about it. Yeah, you should. People like you can bring like two people each. You can't bring like a massive number of people. Like you could, you can have like two people that you consider your buddies in the front. That'd be different buddies each time that pay you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! I could have like road dogs. Think of some people. I think people would pay good money for this because I I think they would. And since you didn't get, since you didn't tell the guy that you were the frequent guest on PokerFriendAlert.com to get us a little publicity. You know, you got to capitalize oh. it on some way. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm sorry I didn't mention Poker Fraud Alert to Mr. Larson, but I was really caught off guard when he interviewed me. I would have not said my age if I was less surprised. Yeah, Ken doesn't like having know? his age known. He, he he wants the young girls there to uh, be more into him. They, he doesn't want to be known as the 48-year-old at Coachella. Yeah. I wish I would have said in my 40s or, or, or well, ageless. I, okay, or let, let, me, but, let me tell you honestly – Truthfully, for the younger girls there, the ones that would be with a forty-year-old pr- would probably also be with a forty-eight-year-old. Uh, so I don't think you're losing yeah. much. I think I think you know they either like the older guys or they don't. Okay, thank you, Ken. Okay, we'll, uh, you're right. You're right. I, I, I hope right. I hope you hook up with some girls this time at Coachella. And, I'm going to uh, try that one girl next to me in the picture to my with the long reddish brown hair is really pretty. You I know, thought the, I, I thought the one two to your left is prettier. I thought that was the best looking one in that article. Oh, the one with the bikini? Yeah, I think yeah. her hair is a little shorter, but, but I have to remember. So, yeah. Okay, well, thank you yeah. for coming on, Ken, and uh, we will talk later. Oh, no problem. Thanks for clarifying the LP uh, gender situation. Okay, no problem. Good night, Ken. All right. All right. Okay, so that was, that was Master Ken Scaler. Long call with him, but you know, th- those are actually popular segments. Sometimes I feel like, oh, we're, we're having Ken on too long. It's not about poker, but then I get all these people praising the Ken Scaler segments and asking why we don't have them more often. So I, I don't get many people saying have less Ken. I've gotten like one or two people who don't like him on here, but most people enjoy the Ken Scaler calls. So, okay. Uh, speaking of calls, we're going to keep delaying the, the poker content. 
because we're going to try what may or may not work, a scam call to the uh, fake Microsoft. So uh, if they're open at late at night, U.S. time, then we'll reach them. Otherwise, we won't. But here's the notice I got today. I'm going to read it to you, then we're going to make the call. Support.windows.com says, Windows warning alert. Malicious pornographic spyware and riskware detected. Oh, my. Oh, my. Can you believe that? Pornographic spyware. Not just spyware, but pornographic spyware. Error number, but then it doesn't give an error number. Kind of a fail. <laughs> Please call us immediately at 877-260-4101. Do not ignore this critical alert. Well, I'm not ignoring it. I'm call. If you close this page, your computer access will be disabled to prevent further damage to our network. Your computer has alerted us that it has been infected with a pornographic spyware and riskware. The following information is being stolen. Financial data, Facebook logins... They can have my Facebook login. I mean, the, the Facebook's stealing all my data anyway. Uh, credit card details, email account login, and photos stored on this computer. Uh-oh. I guess my uh, dick pics are now in their hands, too. You must contact us immediately so that our expert engineers can walk you through the removal process over the phone to protect your identity. Please call us within the next five minutes to prevent your computer from being disabled or from any information loss. Well, I have to say I've dodged a bullet there because we're far more than five minutes later and my computer is, is not disabled. Otherwise, I couldn't do this show. Nevertheless, we're going to call the number 877-260-4101. Probably not reach them, but we're going to try. I, I try every week to get scammed and somehow I, I can't. That's that's how unlucky I am. That I I actually try to get scammed and no one will scam me. You You know that you have an issue when even scammers won't talk to you. We're trying right now, and we'll see what we get. Please answer. Please. It's not even ringing. Come on, at least ring. Jeez, I hate Skype sometimes. It's just sitting there. This is such a freaking fail. Why is this happening? Hello, technical support. Can I help you? Yeah, good try. Right, here we go, finally. It's still just sitting. That's connecting, but just sitting. <sighs> I may need to hang up on this and three-way on my cell phone and just try to three-way it on with my cell phone. Just, yeah, now just cut. Okay, we're we're going to try to call my cell phone. This This is such a fail. I hate when stuff like that happens. Like, at least just say we're closed or whatever. Don't put me through this. Don't put me through this. I, I just want to get scammed. I just want, I want them to offer to clean my computer for $199. Is that too much to ask? Everyone You're else. Trying to give them money. Every other, like, every like 90 year old woman who gets this message, they get successfully ripped off. And for some reason, I, I can't do it. What a joke. Yeah, I'm going to try connecting on through my cell phone. Let's see the number again. 877-260. Oh, <laughs> Everything's going wrong here. I just hung up on myself. Now I've got to call back into 
This is really a joke. So I'm going to try one more time. 877-260-4101. I think this is like a, a persistent joke on me that I, I think I've got something and I can never get through. Okay, we got a ring. Please continue to hold for the next oh, available good. agent. Good. Oh, well, thank you. They're going to come on. A little bit of noxious music, but... Hello? Hello? No, hung up, but I think I think we may reach something. We're going to try it again. Wouldn't it be funny if the Indian scammer is listening to radio? That's why he just keeps hanging up on me. Calling. Please continue to hold for the next available agent. Doo-doo. We appreciate your business. All agents are currently busy assisting other callers. Please Hello. continue to Hello. hold for the next. Thank you for calling. Hello. Hello. What happened here? I, okay, I'm going to get through somehow. I'm going to get through somehow here. <laughs> okay, they're calling me back now. <laughs> Let me just, hold on. We're going to put them on here. Uh, hello, Colonel Nigel Fabisham here. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? See, they keep hanging up on me. They're, they're trying to call me back <laughs> on my cell phone. And and yet, when I answer, they can't hear me. Okay, we're going to try to call them back. I'm not giving up on this. They're they're there. They're going to scam me. I'm I'm going to make sure it happens. This is happening. Thank you for calling support. My name is Ricky. How may I help you? Uh, hello, Colonel Nigel Fabersham here. Uh, I got this uh, dreadful message on my computer. Uh, it, it, it informed me that uh, my computer has been infected with pornographic spyware and riskware. So um, I, I'm rather perplexed by this because I, I don't get uh, pornographic material on my computer. I'm a rather proper gentleman. So uh, I don't know how this could have happened, but I need some assistance in uh, removing it. And uh, I figured who better to help me than Microsoft? Okay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we can help you in this thing. All right. Uh, but for that, sir, we would be needing to connect your computer with a secured server. Okay, so that I can actually go into uh, the things and see why this pop-up has come up on the screen and what is the actual issue. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds uh, rather reasonable. Yep. Uh, for that, uh, we, you have to follow just some simple steps so that we can connect your computer with a secured server. And after that, I can do the diagnosis, okay? All right. Uh, I've got a question here. Um, no offense um, to you, but um, I've noticed your accent is not from uh, the United States of America or, or jolly old England. Uh, I've noticed that um, you sound like you're in a foreign country. Uh, can you tell me what country you're in? So, uh, the call is being routed from United States, but I am an Indian, and that's why there is a change in the accent. Okay, okay, I understand. You know, if, if someone has ever told me anything, it's you should trust people from India with technical matters, because they, they tend to be rather, um, you know, 
knowledgeable with these things. I've noticed, like, when, with, with my Dell computer, when I call, I always get someone an idiot, and he's very helpful. So I say, well, this is, this is, um, most fitting to have someone remove the, uh, the pornographic spyware and, and riskware from my computer. So, all right, let, let's get on with it. Tell you how pip pip. Okay. Okay. I have a look on your keyboard, please. On the left bottom corner, you can see the CTRL key over there. Uh, yes, yes, uh, yes. It's um it, uh, on the street. Yeah, they next to it. Yeah, I was going to say the the CTRL, as you call yep. it. Uh, here in London, they call it the control key. Yeah. All right. So, okay. Uh, just next to the control key, there would be a Windows key having four boxes on it, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I, I recognize that key as well. Yes, we're doing hold- quite quite swimmingly so far. Let's yep. let's go ahead. Okay. Hold on the Windows key and hit letter R as in Richard, and leave them together. Windows and R. Okay. I want you to open the run box. Okay. I, I've just done so. All right. It, um, it's telling me. Um, Type the name of a program folder document or internet resource and Windows will open it for you. So so what should I type now? Yeah, just type just type over the www. Yes. Dot supremofree.com. Do I need to spell it for you? Yes, I'm afraid I don't quite understand what you're saying there. So www dot what? Supremo Free. It's S U P R E M O F R E E dot com. Uh, SupremoFree dot com. I, I can't believe I didn't notice that when you said it. Okay. So SupremoFree dot com. And, uh, okay. So it says Supremo Remote Desktop Control Made Easy and Quick. And it couldn't, can't be better than that. So, uh, all right. So, uh, so what should I do here? Okay. Download or purchase. So, so what should I do uh, here? Click on download, which is an orange color. All right. I just clicked on that. When you click on download, you'll get a file downloading with the name Supremo.exe. You have to just open that file and let me know what comes up, okay? All right. Um, okay, it says, do you, do you wish to run this executable? So I should click, um, yeah. Yes, okay. Okay, I clicked it. It's installing right now. Now, what, what exactly are we doing with this Supremo? Is this kind of like the, the Taco Supreme at, uh, at Jack in the Box? I, I rather enjoy that taco. It's, it's not just a taco, it's a Supreme taco, and it rather fills me up. Now, what, what is the Supremo um, website? I don't quite know what that would be. So it is a software to uh, have which helps in getting the remote session of the computer. This is one of the best software which helps to be quick and getting connected with you. Okay, now now, now you said rem- a remote session. What, what would be a remote session? See, I, I don't know those terms. That's it's. Uh, I didn't uh, take computer science in college. Okay, no worries. I'm gonna have you like. Uh, see, you are uh, sitting far away from you. To get into the computer, we would be needing to connect your computer with a secured server so that I can actually see what is uh, there on the screen and what has actually went wrong. For checking that things, we need to download a software, any software we can download through which we can connect you with a secured server. All right. And this is one of the best software and the quickest one and the easiest one to connect. All right, and so that's now, why now, I have to download this. Okay, and it's downloaded and it's running at the moment. Okay. And it's installing. But uh, a quick question for you. Okay. So I still want to clarify this. So, are you going to be using this this uh, software to take control of my computer and fix the problem? Is that what's uh, going to happen here? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. Okay. So I've got a question here before we uh, proceed with this. I've, I've got a bit of a concern. All right. So, uh, so what happened was, and, and, and yeah, for sure. Yes. Um, so what happened was, um, you know, back in January, um, I, I was out at the pub, and um, there was a gentleman that we, we were just talking about footy and some other, um, you know, so, some of the other uh, sports popular, crickets, footy, whatever. And um, uh, so, so we we uh, we just you know, we had a few drinks, a few laughs, and uh, and he said, oh, you know, we seem to have so much in common. Um, you know, hey Nigel, you know, can I? Why don't you go back to your apartment? We'll, we'll talk more about uh, footy and, uh, and and cricket. So I I went back. We did so, and I drank so much. 
I drank so much that I, I did not realize that I, I had my first homosexual experience, all right? So, uh, unfortunately, I took some pictures of the, of the, of the entire event, and um, I, I was rather ashamed of this later, because I'm, I'm not a homosexual. You know, I, I only like women, all right? So, so th- this one incident, which is the first one of my life, all right? So, I, I took the pictures, and I, I stored them on my computer, never to be seen again, j- just in case, um, you know, I ever needed them for some reason. I, I, I just put them aside, and now I'm, r- I'm rather afraid that if I give someone access to my computer, that you know, what if they get the, these pictures of the things I did? Back in January, and I, I, I'm, I'm no, no, no. See, the first important thing, the first important thing. Let me tell you that yes. I'm not going to enter any of your personal files. You're not going I to enjoy them. To check the system files and things related with the computers. Okay, I'm not going to touch any of your personal files, so no need to worry about that. Okay. Well, did you say you're not going to enjoy them? You can see them and just not rather enjoy them very much. You know, you can. You, you, are you not going to enjoy them and not going to see them? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna straight. I'm straight. I'm not gonna enjoy them as well as I'm not gonna even see them. Okay, All no right. need to worry. I'm not gonna open any of your personal files. Okay, I, I just don't. I just don't want this thing seen because you know this is not me. You know, I just. I, I don't even know why I kept the pictures. I haven't looked at them since since January. You know, I've just. Um, I've just. They've just been there. They've just been there on the computer in a folder that I'm never, I never. I promised myself that I was never to open again. All right. So um. All right. Let's let's, let's proceed. Let's okay. proceed. Okay, okay, no worries, sir. Uh, let uh, just open the file and let me know what has come up in the screen. Okay, is the file downloaded? Yes, yes. I mean, it's run here and it's it's installed here. So what what should I do now? Okay, okay. Uh, just open that file and let me know what comes up. And before that, also just let me know your name, please. Uh, my name is Colonel Nigel Fabersham. Can you please spell that for me? Yes, uh, Colonel is spelled uh, C O L. O N E L and uh, Nigel's N I G E L and uh, Fabersham is F A B E R S H A M. Okay, and your contact number, please. Uh, my, my phone number. Okay, the phone number is uh, is Eric seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight. Okay, uh, and basically, you're calling me from. What was that? I'm sorry, I didn't understand the question. Which location are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. Okay, sir. So, uh, what has appeared on the screen? Let me know. Um. It, well, it's it's um. It says about something about connect to, to remote computer. Something about that. Okay, on the left-hand side, can you see allow the control of your computer? It says your data ID and password? Yes, yes, I see that there, yes. Yeah, tell me the ID numbers, please. Yes, um, the, the ID number is uh, 00000002. Can you please repeat the ID numbers? Yeah, 00000002. Sir, uh, can you please tell me the exact ID number over there? I, I I'm having, I'm having rather. Di- I, no, I, I understand you. I'm, I'm having rather difficult time uh, discerning how many zeros there are. You know, it's just the zero, 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 zero. I'm, I'm having a difficult time figuring out exactly how many zeros I'm reading. And this is, I, I'm sorry about this. I just, um, you know, I, I don't. My vision isn't quite what it used to be. And to me, you know, six zeros, eight zeros, nine zeros, it looks the same to me. But I'll, I'll try one more time. Okay, uh, zero, 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 zero. Zero two. You sure about that? There are eleven zeros. 
Did I just did I just read eleven zero? So this is the problem here. Why does this bloody thing give me so many bloody? Zero? I thought it was going to be some random number like four five six two one three eight four. You know, instead of zero 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 zero, I I don't, I don't know what to do. Okay, let me try one more time. I'm going to put on my reading glasses. All right, my 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 mother got these from me, and she said, "Nigel, you, your vision isn't quite what it used to be. I think you need this to to seek small print." And I said, "Mother, mother, I can see small print just fine." And and I've resisted using them because it makes me feel old. If I, if I put on reading glasses, that makes me an old man, and I'm no longer attractive. You know, then I'm I'm no longer vibrant. I've no I'm no longer someone that the ladies would want, or, or even the gentlemen. Not that I'd want that, but um, anyway, um. Uh, let me let me put on the reading glasses. I'm not going to let my mother know I did this, but um, I'm going to put on reading glasses. Um, all right, here we go. Zero 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 two. I believe I got it correct this time. Okay. And what is the password over there? All right. The password is um eight 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 one. I don't know why so many repeating numbers. It's rather peculiar. I think you need to get uh, the glasses checked out. Ah, bollocks. All right. I... You know the password is of six digits, and you're telling me ten digits. Ah, oh, bollocks. It, uh, hold on a second. You know what? Oh, yes, you're correct. You're correct. Uh, it's, it's, um, uh, I, I, I had a bit of a Jack Daniels before, um, before making this phone call, and I, I've, I'm seeing double to some degree, but I've just, um, it's it's all together now. Okay, it's it's actually this. It's at zero 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 two, and then the password is eight 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 one. There we go. That's that's. Um, I'm pretty sure that's it. You're still telling me wrong. Just check it oh, again. Oh, so, oh, 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 here we go. Oh, here, here, okay. I've got this for sure this time. It says, warning, you're on the phone with an Indian scammer who's who's been trying to rip you off, and you've been wasting lots of his time. What does that mean? Okay. So, that so, means you have just wasted your ten minutes. Um, and mine too. Yes, the ten ten minutes that you cannot uh, get back now. I've, I've uh, and not only that, I've actually had you on an internet radio show. You know that you're on an internet radio show known as Poker Fraudulent Radio, and everyone's having a good laugh at your expense. How do you feel about that? Sir, are you still there? <laughs> he hung up. Okay. <laughs> That wasn't a bad call. That was not a bad call. That was, that was good, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Though I, I, you know, I kind of ruined the, the Colonel Fabersham character a bit by having introducing this gay experience into his history. Now, uh, I don't know if I've ruined it, but I don't know. I just that, that, that wasn't quite him. It, it just felt right at the time, much like his experience in January. It just felt right. But you know, we do have some gay listeners, so I'm, I'm, I'm at least uh, being sensitive to them by introducing you know, homosexuality into one of the characters in the show. Maybe the colonel can get into that other group, into the poker group. That's true, uh, the, uh, the rainbow flops. Okay, so uh, someone texted me from the 773, don't forget the topic times. Yeah, I can't. I actually noted down when the call began, but yeah, uh, I will note this down. And uh, he says Dodgers down to 19th in new power rankings. Which power rankings? ESPN. If whatever the power rankings are, they don't be, deserve to be 19th. I, I don't think the Dodgers are the 19th best team in baseball. I mean, yes, their their record right now is not very good, 
But they they had a, a good night tonight, the one fourth in a row there. Uh, what is annoying is I bet on the Giants, who were ahead two to nothing going to the eighth when I started the show, and and then it's two to two, and they almost lost in the ninth too. Now it's the tenth inning, they got the leadoff man on, they can't score. It's just, this never is easy. Like these close games, even the ones I win, it's never easy. I'm doing well so far in baseball, the batting so far, but uh, it's never been easy. Like like there's always been like drama in these games when I think I've got it and then some crap happens at the end, I gotta sweat it. It's annoying. This one I don't have a good feeling. How about. can you bet the Giants trust? I, I well they're terrible too. That's why that's the bigger problem. I, I, I don't worry about betting the Giants as a Dodgers fan because I know they're terrible. But uh that's also the reason I don't like betting them because they're terrible. it's it's such a they, they their offense is so bad that their pitcher tonight, Chris Stratton, is actually very good and he's underrated. Okay, so so I knew he would do well, but but boy, I know their offense is awful. And, and sure enough, they, you know, they got those two runs off a home run. I said, you know, thank God, but it's going to be a real sweat now because <laughs> that's all they're going to get. It's still that's where we are here, two to two. So anyway, Dodgers are up ten four. Yeah, they're they're not nineteenth in power rank. I don't know which power rankings this guy's reading, but uh, I I actually think the Dodgers will uh, make the playoffs. Uh, they may not catch Arizona. They may or may not. They've already fallen behind somewhat, but. Um, there's a lot of time left in the season. If uh, San Francisco can win this for me, that'll also help the Dodgers. And uh, but their 19th means they're below average, and as far as the power of the team, as the power rankings are, it's not just what their record is at the moment, but uh, where they're kind of projected to be. So that's BS. Okay, moving along here, I'm going to talk about the uh, the Jay Searles match I had. You've already heard a little bit about this, but I'll tell you some more. Uh, so we're having trouble finding a time to do this. The way these heads-up matches have been working is you just uh, pick a time along with your opponent and then just both show up and play. So we were encouraged to get this done by this past Sunday. But uh, me and Jay Searles were having trouble finding a time we could both do it, and finally we settled on uh, Sunday evening. So we got the match going at... Uh, 8 o'clock Pacific time on Sunday. And I'll say, Jay Searles, he's not a fish. He actually, you know, as far as the heads-up, no-limit hold'em, he seems reasonable. And I, I'm not a great heads-up, no-limit hold'em player. I haven't played much of it, so I'm not going to pretend I am. But uh, uh, the, the match was pretty reasonable. And then the first match went to me. I did get a fortunate hand where I flopped a set against his top pair, and then we got it all in. And then I didn't really need it, but I got quads in the turn. So that was that, and I won that match. Second match, he made his biggest mistake, and that was uh, early on in the match. When you know, We didn't start with very big stacks, but it was still early enough on to where there's no point to do this. He, he just decided to shove with ace-eight offsuit pre-flop, and I called with tens, and it ran out, and no one improved. So I won, and he was down to 326 in chips. Uh, he did get fortunate to double up like two hands later with pocket kings against jacks, where obviously we got it all in pre, and I was pretty happy with my jacks until I saw what he turned over. So, yeah, that's standard. That's just bad luck on my part. So he got up to, like, a seven-something. And very shortly after that, I had nine-six offsuit on the button. I raised. He three-bet. I called the raise. And the flop was, like, jack-nine low card. And he checked. And he had, like, five-something behind, like, five-sixty-two behind or something. 
and there were like 300 in the pot. Now, what I should have done was either go all in there or check back and then just call no matter what hits the turn. Maybe not an ace, but probably call anything that hits the turn. So I checked back also, and a blank hit, like a two hit. But it wasn't a complete blank either. It made uh, two hearts, there are two hearts, two diamonds out there now. And he went all in. So the problem was here, I thought, well, you know, if he checks back on the, you know, after going three betting pre-flop and then checks out of position on the flop and then goes all in on the turn, he was probably just hoping I was going to bet the turn and he could check raise me all in. He's probably hoping, you know, afraid. I'm thinking if he's going to, if he's betting out on the flop, if I didn't hit some piece of that I'm folding where he's hoping I can pot commit myself by betting. So that, that was my thought process and I folded with my pair of nines and he showed me pocket fours. So that would have busted him barring a two outer on the river. So that was very annoying that I, and I, right when I hit the fold button, I go, ah, I should have called that. Because it just wasn't enough chips to fold. I mean, uh, 562, my thinking was, okay, if he wins this, uh, he's going to be back slightly ahead of me. So do I really fall, want to fall into this trap? Or not slightly ahead, it would have been almost even to me. Yeah, it would have been like 1400 or 1600. So I thought, I don't want to fall into this trap and basically throw away my, my big lead on him, just screw it, I'm going to fold it. But I shouldn't, it was a mistake. Okay, it was a bad play. And uh, then from there, I just was losing every hand. And uh, then he got dealt kings, and, it, and and I missed a straight draw, and I, he got aces, and uh, I tried to bluff him at the bad time, so he won that one. So then we went into the match three, and we were kind of trading chips back and forth with nobody really uh, taking the real lead on the other. And uh, then the flop came 7-5-3. I had 10-7. By then, the blinds had gone up enough to where you're pretty much top committed, uh, pot committed with top pair. I went on with 10-7. He thought about it. He decided to call and turned over Jack-7. <laughs> so, of all things for him to freaking have, it has to be Jack-7. It can be 9-7. It's got to be Jack-7. So, it ran out. Didn't improve. That was that. He won 2-1. to one. So, to lose 2-1 to one when I was up one game to zero and uh, he had 326 chips or something left and I had 2,600-something, that was pretty bad. Felt like I choked. So, fortunately, I mean, I was annoyed by this because it, it's not, yeah, there's prize money, but I wasn't risking any money. It's a free roll. But it's just the matter of losing to Jay Searles. Like, it's a lose to the troll on the side. Like, I, I just wanted to beat him. That's what was, I, like, I felt like I had, like, really lost money. I felt, like, kind of frustrated about it. And I kept reminding myself, oh, this is for fun. It doesn't matter. But I'll tell you. It hurt. So he listens to radio too, so he's going to hear this. I, I don't want to see too much and, and give him uh, satisfaction. Oh, the Giants got, got two runs. That's nice. Brandon Belt homered. Brandon Belt, by the way, is like one of the most mediocre players there is. Like he's not good. He's not bad. He's just kind of always been like very middling his whole career. So uh, Jay Searles is moving on to play Devity, and it's it's a very fun series. Yeah, I, as soon as this was over, despite my frustration, I said. I want to do this again. Preferably again with Jay Searles as an opponent. And again, not because he was bad, because he wasn't. Just uh, uh, I think it would be fun to play him again. But uh, I, I think this is a very cool thing here on Poker for Adler. I, I love the fact that uh, Brandon and Chinese Maniac put this together. I think it was a great idea. And most of the money that was donated to it came from the users. A little came from the JSIP fund, but most came from the users, including our own Trader Ruski, who gave $50, which I appreciate. 
and uh, including Calwatt, who gave $50, and I appreciate that too. So, uh, and many others gave money to this, so the community really came together and donated to it. And uh, Trader Risky, uh, did you play your match? I did play my match. And what happened? Uh oh, what's going on? Well, I had. Huh? Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Well, it was, I got up early Saturday morning, and I was playing somebody in Europe. He couldn't play on Sunday, and I know China Maniac wanted us to finish our matches by Sunday. So we played Saturday. So Saturday we were going to play, and I put a, uh, you know, told him I was here, I was ready, whatever, all day, didn't hear back. And then I said, oh, I'm going to, it was about 3 o'clock. I said, oh, I'm going to take a nap because I was going to play in the one of the tournaments on Bovada. It starts at like five thirty or six. I usually jump in. Right, right as I was dozing off, I got the notice he wanted to play. I'm like, all right, I'll play. And I was I was doing pretty well. I was up like eighteen to twelve, eighteen hundred to twelve hundred and change. And the next thing I know, I must have dozed off because I had a hundred chips left. <laughs> <laughs> So, so did you did you win any matches? Did you win any games there? Sorry, no, I lost that, and then and then he, I guess he felt bad because obviously I was timing out. He's like, I'm going to shove on the first hand. Um, I got pocket deuces <laughs> called, uh, and I was I was out. What sucks about pocket deuces, even if you know he's shoving on the first hand, like like almost anything's racing with you. Yeah, exactly. You just hope he has ace. You hope he has ace too, but. Yeah, but at that point, I was calling. I was, I was, I was a win. I was going to win anyway because I was able to take my nap. <laughs> That's funny. So you actually slept through it. Okay, so, uh, so you lost, and then uh, Sonatine and Garrett. Garrett is banned from the forum. Believe it or not, Garrett once hosted a show. He once co-hosted a show on here, and he actually did a pretty good job, despite all the the shit Garrett takes on the forum and and some of his unstable behavior. Uh, and very unstable behavior at times, and eventually I had to ban him. I banned him from the forum because he was very unstable, but. Uh, and he's been banned for a long time. But uh, someone had the idea to bring him, bring him back, and then they matched him with Sonatine, who has like had like trolled him the most of anybody in the forum. So uh, Garrett actually won two to nothing. So Sonatine had a similar uh, frustrating loss, like I did with Jacer. Like Sonatine hadn't won any matches like I did, but uh, uh, not matches. He didn't win any games like I did. So my loss is more like surprising because I, I got so close to winning. But still, I know Sonatine really wanted to win also because of who he was playing. Like, I, I think it was the two of us who had kind of the grudge matches, where everybody else was just kind of playing, like, random opponents. They'd, they want to win, but it's not it's not like a huge deal as far as, like, bragging rights over that person. But I, I think the Sonatine and Garrett and me and Jay Searles were the ones people really were looking forward to seeing. And then uh, Jay Searles and uh, the, the two trolls ended up winning. Garrett's not really a troll so much, though. He's just kind of unstable. I, I shouldn't really call him a troll. Garrett's not a troll. He's just kind of unstable. And Jay Searles is not unstable, but he's a troll. So, okay. Uh, moving along here. I want to talk about the Venetian situation. I'm so happy we got through to that scammer. I thought we weren't going to. I was so pessimistic about it. So I want to talk about the Venetian situation. Uh, whenever there's some kind of crime in Vegas having to do with casinos, I always find it relevant to talk about on this show, and I take a personal interest in it because of the 
substantial amount of time I spend in, in Vegas casinos every year. And I know a lot of you do, too. Or if you don't do it in Vegas, you probably spend time in casinos elsewhere in the country. So a lot of people who listen to this show feel some kind of connection to casinos and some kind of interest in these type of stories, especially if you go to Vegas or live in Vegas. So this one didn't take place in a casino, but it's uh, it involves a gripe by a worker who is a, a pit game stealer type of person you'd encounter at any time playing uh, pit games at, at the casino who basically uh, hated his bosses and went after them in, in a very uh, scary and uh, unnerving way. And, uh, of course, whenever we start a Vegas topic, there's like a, a bat signal to the sky where a, a certain person who's sometimes associated with the show these days Gets the bat signal that we're talking about a Vegas story, and he appears on radio, and here he is. Is this the fraud show? It is. Listen, I got to take uh, issue with something. Yeah. Uh, I was told by two different independent people that for two weeks in a row that you've spoken of the the spring classic that I named solely, and you've given sole credit and thanks to China, both instances, without even a mention of my name. I gave you credit. Now, these people that have said it are reliable people. One of them was A. Brown, for instance, although I'm probably not supposed to say that. Now, that's what I've been told. Okay, hold on. Directly it might be true. complimented China. Might be true, and, but but, but uh, tonight I, mm-hmm. gave, I gave you credit. Now, now, you realize I'm the founder, the father, the, the initiator of this. Yes, yes, but tonight now, tonight I gave you credit. Without you complaining no. about it, I gave you credit tonight to show you I wasn't just doing it to, to, because I was scolded for it. No no one said anything to no. me about it. And This I, isn't to take anything away from China, though. You understand he's no, the I commissioner. He's done an amazing job, but uh, okay, this I, is my baby. I, I know, classic. it is. It is, and, and that's true, and I want to give credit here, and I apologize to Brandon if I did not give him credit the other two weeks. It was unintentional, but I will again state that today – Without anyone saying other, without anyone reminding me or telling me about it, I gave credit to both of you today already on this show, and you can go back to right. the archives and hear. So I, I didn't forget you. I mean, I don't, maybe you're a little sour over the Jay Searlist debacle. I don't. I don't no, know. It's, it's the reverse. This week I gave you credit, and then the previous weeks I guess I didn't. So I couldn't be that sour. Yeah. This week I actually yes, gave you credit. Be. Yeah. Okay. All so, right. That's, so, that's so, really all I got now. What, 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 what else is going well, on? Well, I want to talk about the Venetian thing. I thought that's why you were calling in. No, I am not listening. I just I was playing the free roll though. Anytime it gets up and those those are some crazy numbers we're it throwing is. around tonight. No, Eric Benzamokin is a, a very uh, generous Who's individual. That? He's he's the uh, the Eric Benzamokin is the attorney mm-hmm. who found our show through the two plus two poker cast when Adam Schwartz mentioned us, and, and now uh, gives a lot of money to the free roll every week. Like a lot oh, of he's money. the one guy I talked to and the other guy. Yes, was oh yeah, you, that's right. You talked to him. How can you say you don't know remember who he is? with the other thing yes, with the yes. restraining order? That's right. So how can you say you forgot him when yeah. he, he helped I, you for I free? I don't remember. He gave you free legal really advice. See. Yeah, I think I can talk about that now, right? Can I or no? No, the, no. That's that's. Let's put that in the right. past. So anyway, let's talk. What's about, up, Brandon? I, yeah, we have Trader Risky here, and uh, yeah, Trader Risky. Listen, I gotta say, I'm very very sorry. I'm good, buddy. I'm very very sorry about your. L.A. Kings, they got swept. Now, Druff, I know you're not a hockey guy, but, uh, I mean, something very monumental just happened. Not only for the first time in American sports did a uh, expansion team make the playoffs, the first time ever uh, for any team in hockey in, in their first playoff appearance, they ended up sweeping 
the opposition last night. Four games and none. Yeah, well, uh, and I have to give it to them. They look they 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 look great. Well, I was going to say here, I, this doesn't surprise me that much because uh, Vegas Golden Knights have been surprising people all year, and they've just looked very good. And it just you just had the feeling like they're going to do better in the playoffs that people than people were predicting because the whole season's been this way. The whole season they've overachieved. What do you mean people were predicting? They were a huge favorite in the series. No, but they're not to go four zero on this though. Well, I mean, it's hard even for a, a one seed in the NBA to go for it. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying that they've they've done. I'm yeah. not talking about winning the series. I know they were favored, but I'm talking about just with the, the dominance they showed here. Uh, that that's shocked a lot, especially a lot of Kings fans. That uh, th- that this was this doesn't surprise me that much because I, I just thought they were going to do good things, and it's uh, uh, th- this has been a, a team that's been very hard to. Uh, there's been a lot of underestimation of them, and uh, like anything can really happen. So. They opened up at two hundred fifty to one uh, to win the Stanley Cup. Now they're down to four to one. Some people have. Told I thought it was five hundred to one. No. Oh well, on some offshore books it was, but in Vegas it never got higher than two fifty, which is still, you know, it's still a pretty penny for a team. You know, it's never played before. No one knows how good they're going to be. So, but anyhow, you know, it, it really goes to show how popular they've become in Vegas because I saw something yesterday that I've never even seen before. They they were up three games to zero. They were playing in L.A. And they ended up winning 1-0. And some Las Vegas Golden Knight fans were actually disappointed that they won. <laughs> why do you think that would be? They, they wanted to see them at home again. Yes, they wanted them to come back. <laughs> but, but they can see it anyway. Series at home. But they'll see and them again at home anyway, though. They'll come back for the second round. Yeah. Yes, and nonetheless, that's just nuts to even think that way. You always want a team to just finish up when they can finish, whether it's home, away, whatever it may be. But, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is people that had tickets already for tomorrow night, people that already had tickets and planned on going, you know, which will be, of course, refunded now or disappointed. But uh, anyhow, uh, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like when the Raiders get here. I've, I've already reserved two season tickets and if the market is anything like what it's been for, uh, you know, this Golden Knights team, it's going to be incredible. I mean, NH or NFL is so much different than hockey; it's more mainstream, and even more more so than that. I mean, there's only eight games a year, or actually seven, because they're going to be playing one fail game a year in Mexico like, for the next <laughs> ten years, which is so stupid. It is so stupid. It it it, 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 it just it just robs I mean, a home home game from the one of the teams. So it does, it does, but. I mean, listen, think about this. I mean, it's it's Monday night football. It's Thursday night football. It's Sunday night football. There's no other sporting event going on except for, I guess, maybe NBA. I mean, it, it will be the hottest ticket, you know, anywhere. You know, so just think of it, of it from an investment standpoint. I mean, you know, a lot of people I know bought tickets that live on the East Coast for the Golden Knights this year, and they're making an absolute fortune. I mean, they're going to the games when they're here, and they're selling the rest at, at such a markup. It's It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I know somebody personally that's literally got his exact uh, purchase for for the season tickets back already, and I think he's made close to like seven or eight thousand dollars in you know profit. Because wow. the, listen, you know it's crazy. You go to uh, you know I've been to six games this year. Uh, Count went to game game two the other night, and. You know, the sixth of the, the previous five I went to were during the regular season, and you walk in there and it's unbelievable. 
Like, it's not just, you know, the Vegas fans that are there going crazy, but I mean, you'll see like a third of the, no, maybe not a third, like a fifth of the arena, or at least it feels that way, are wearing jerseys and cheering for the opposing team. And they've literally, like, I saw a game against Edmonton. When the game was over, everyone kind of files out and they all head to New York, New York. Which, by the way, that's a whole other story. What a brilliant marketing thing that is. It's the closest casino. It's the closest place to get an Uber, a taxi, anything. And, you know, of course, what are people doing besides that when they're drunk, the game's over? They're going in there and they're gambling. I mean, I could bet anybody. New York, New York's yearly profit will will crush what it was the year before and even the year before that. I mean, it's amazing. So, but anyhow, I went to an Edmonton game. I'm walking out. And, I, I mean, I just see what seems like a couple thousand easily of Edmonton fans. And I'm outside during, like, one of the intermissions, and I'm talking to people. They have, like, this nice, like, I don't know, patio upstairs in the arena. It's a brilliant arena. And I'm meeting people that, like, literally every time have come, you know, from Edmonton, from Calgary, from, you know, wherever, just to get some Vegas time and to see their hockey team play. Like, they're traveling, based, you know, making their vacation based on this. So it's it's very it's very, very unique. Nobody in their right mind thought it would be this successful. But – you know, the problem with this kind of instant success, you know, is in hockey, it's usually short-lived, you know, meaning that, you know, it's very hard. It's not like um, like the Patriots. It's not, there's no real team that's like a dynasty that's been good for like 15 years straight consistently, always making the Stanley Cups. It kind of goes like normal sports and cycles. So when this team kind of reverts back to the mean and, you know, they're average, a little bit above, a little bit below, I mean, are they going to get that kind of fanfare? You know, is every game going to be a sellout? I mean, I don't think so. Well, for I a mean, few years it will it be? be, for a while, at least for a while. But I, I think with this year, first of all, with the, with all these visiting fans, I actually thought this might be a factor where people would would just find it kind of exciting to see their hometown team play in Vegas, so they they kind of build a trip around it. That doesn't surprise me that much, uh, but it actually helps a lot with making a sellout because the the big problem with with Vegas, especially if you're going to mark up the tickets a lot is that, uh, number one, the population isn't that large as far as the metro area. Because the metro area, what is it? It's just, you know, Vegas and Henderson. So um, so the, 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 it's not a very big metro area. And there's not a lot of money. There's there's some people with money, but, but compared to a place like L.A. or New York or Chicago, you don't have a, 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 an exceptionally large number of people with a lot of money where a lot of people can easily put down a lot of money to go see the games and not feel it. So Vegas, it doesn't have... All that many people like that compared to other cities, and and that well, makes it that makes it more difficult for for people to go there and pay high prices. So I, that that's another challenge it's had. But that's when people are coming from out of the area to do it. That's a different story. So that that helps them a lot too, right. for sure. Well, but just also keep in mind that NFL wise, which is what people kind of base markets on more than any other sport, uh, it's still you know there's still four markets in the NFL that are smaller than Vegas. Do you, do you know which the four markets that would be? Uh, you want to have a guess? Buffalo, Green Bay's got to be one. Yeah, Green, of them. Bay, Green Bay is one. Buffalo, Buffalo is two. Very good. Two more. Um, others get harder here. The thing. I, two I, in the south. One in the one in the south, and one kind of in the south. Jacksonville. Jacksonville's three, and then New Orleans is four. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I'm just saying we're not like we're you know that small. New Orleans you know, is surprising. That, that's funny. I would have thought New Orleans is a bigger market than Vegas. I would have thought that. it isn't. The other it three, isn't. the other three, I would not have thought, but the New Orleans is interesting. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, it's 
they, they've definitely had an amazing season, and uh, it, it's funny how, how much money people have paid scalping the tickets. And now, the t- when you went, you had very good seats there, um, or pretty good seats. Like I did. So I had great did, seats. Did you pay a lot of money for them? I paid face value, which was, for that playoff game, it was $275. How do you manage that, to pay face value? I have a friend of a friend, or actually, uh, it doesn't even matter. One of one of my casino hosts, uh, funny enough, at the Venetian, who I'm friendly with, has a customer, a client, a player, whatever you want to say, uh, that has season tickets, that bought those exact tickets that I've seen I guess, six games in this year, lives on the East Coast, comes out here for handful of games and then the rest he sells on uh uh StubHub. Um I have a friendship with him and he's you know agreed to give me whatever you know whatever tickets he doesn't use he's given me first dibs at at only face value whatever he has to pay yeah. which is a great deal. So yeah, the seats I had were they were in uh our shooting I, I don't know I'm I'm still learning hockey terms so they're on our shooting side so I basically get to see the Vegas Knights Two two periods out of the three, like shooting at that goal. So I don't know. Is there? What do you call that, Dave? Trader risky. What do you? What, um, what's the name? I, I don't know if there's a name. For, I mean, I just think it's that side where they shoot. Okay, yeah. So I right. So the side where I get to see the action, the most action, two out of three periods, and it's seven rows from exactly the center of the goal. So I mean, they're brilliant. They're you're beautiful seats. And I was yeah, looking online. Like. Uh, you know, the guy really did me a square because those same seats for the playoffs are going for anywhere from like 500 to 700. Yeah, they look very expensive. That's when I, I saw your video there. I thought they looked very expensive. And, uh, yeah. So they were like 1500 bucks for two, two tickets and I paid, you know, 275 for each. Yeah, that's very so, good. Or, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's great. I've never been to a hockey game. So anyhow, getting back, uh, to, the, I, I didn't even know you were talking about it, but getting back to the Venetian. Well, actually, thing. before we talk about that, let's talk about a different oh. topic since you're on here and I, I don't want to forget it. Uh, did yeah. you watch MyCon appearing on the Doug Polk uh, crypto show? I watched. I woke up, and it just happened to be on. I didn't plan it that way. I watched approximately the last hour to maybe an hour and a half of it. That's I haven't watched the beginning, and I'm probably not going to, but I, I saw a good hour and a half. That, that's way more than I watched. I only watched like little bits here and there. Uh, what was your impression before I get into it? Um. impression well i mean to be honest i, I only listened obviously because it was my con i mean i'll be honest none of the real subject matters for the most part uh right interesting to me it's not my thing i don't whatever and that's not to you know insult anyone i'm just saying it's not you know. yeah i'm not i'm not like into all the um, crypto podcasts either so same yeah. here i kind of i kind of wish doug polk went a little bit further went at the end i know he said they were short on time uh which is ironic that the Podcast went longer than it normally goes when Mike kind of always wanted to be short, <laughs> those kind of things. Um, I wish you would have, I wish Doug would have asked him a little bit more about the arrest, the probationary thing, how all that went down. Um, he didn't, you know, Mike kind of actually brought it up and talked briefly about being on probation and leading into that store, um, or you know, talking about working at that drone store. Um, I don't know, everyone in the, and, and, I guess the, the forums, for the most part, that I looked at or read, thought that he was like, you know, acted so much more grown up or so much more mature. I didn't really see that. Now, again, that's not an insult toward him. Towards him, he seemed, you know, just the same way he was before. Uh, he's never been the best public speaker. He kind of stutters a lot and kind of hymns and haws. I don't know if you've noticed that. Yes, yes. Well, uh, you know, it, yeah. 
right. Kind of so, hard so, for him to articulate, but uh, I don't know. Like you know, there, there are certain things he said. I mean, just from the, the content, not you know, just my overall impression of, of him. There are certain things he said, like content-wise, that I agree with. There are certain things, you know, he, like that he said, like specifically, like Silk Road and how it should never have been shut down, and that he was basically stating, and this is incorrect. He was saying like. The large, large majority of items that were sold on Silk Road were, were, you know, was, was marijuana, which isn't true. I've been on there. I actually one day took the time to safely, at least as safe as I could, download it and, you know, download Tor and wasn't using my IP and I browsed it for, for, you know, hours and I saw crazy shit on there. You know, I saw heroin and I saw fake passports and weapons and it wasn't 90% weed. So there's certain things he said, which I, I don't. You know, maybe he thinks they're true. Um, I learned that they're coming out with the technology. I had no fucking idea about this, and I ended up Googling it and reading it, about 3D guns, the ability to make 3D guns from a printer. Yeah, that's, actually, about that's been for a while. That's actually been for uh, a lot of years, probably like nine years ago or so when that started. Well, it's not commonplace. And he said on the podcast within five years, maybe ten at the most, that the technology will be readily available that the average person will be able See, to. Yeah, I don't uh, know about that. See, I, I, right. There's been some demonstrations of it, and it, it, it's, it, it's very far from perfected, and I don't know if it's as close as yeah. people think it'll be. But th- let me stop. Let me give you my, my impressions of it. Again, I only saw bits and pieces. I kind of fast-forwarded around. I just didn't have the patience. I may later go. I do kind of want to hear about the arrest stuff, but you told me that, like, that wasn't covered much. I did hear the part about the thing with, with with the drone store, which stuff I didn't know, but I kind of assumed that it was kind of a BS job. But um, as far as how he came off and how the people on the forum reacted to it, and uh, I, I'm going to play a little bit, just, just a random clip. I just fast-forwarded to a random point just so people can hear him on there. And then uh, I'm not going to really comment much on the content he's talking about. I'm going to talk about the way he came off and then uh, – Explain why I kind of disagree with a lot of people what they're saying. You don't need to be the you guy. You disagree with what I'm saying? With, no, with no, not you. With, with the some people on the forum are saying about about him. But here, well, I'm going I'm to play it here. If you don't have any money and you just and you have a little bit of time, learn how to code. Everybody can do that. People can do this. People think that you said 97. percent I think that that most people think like that. Most people think I can't do it, and most people can't do it. That's that's totally wrong. You can absolutely build something. I'm going to disagree because what you're talking about involves having a lot of time and or some degree of disposable income. Most people in the world do not have either of those. And if you don't have either of those, you have a job or you have a family or or you have responsibilities, then how are you going to be able to accomplish it? And also you say have an idea. Okay, well, some people are idea people and can build businesses and can build whatever they want to do and can figure out projects that they want to build. But but what are the people that can't? You know, I, I think one of the greatest lies that parents tell their kids is that you can do anything you want when you grow up. Totally not true. Most people right. suck. It's Wrong. Just, it's factually, most people suck. And yeah. so thinking that they can achieve something like that is honestly almost unfair to them. I mean, look, there are people who are not going to be able to accomplish something. So that's kind of one thing. And then the other side is, you know, I think for someone like me, could I create something? Could, could I build something on a chain? by hiring people, yes. But I have a lot of things I'm already doing. I already have a couple of businesses. I already have... I, I didn't... It's a bad point to jump to. It's all Doug Polk ranting. Anyway, um, the... People heard... And let me just jump to another point where I see Mike on talking. I, I'm not really... Again, it's not really so much about the content. ...and have a checking account but does want to play 
a $15 online game and does want to buy a game. And like, this is like a great app for crypto. I think this is one of like the first merchants that, you know, every time a merchant starts taking crypto, I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. You know, like sometimes it's a big one. Some steam when they, when they started accepting crypto, I was like, wow. Okay. So you can kind of, yeah, obviously you hear some similarities to the mic kind you probably remember from Donk down and everyone poker radio. Uh, but, but he's not acting like a clown here. You know, he's, he's speaking about serious topics and he's, he's being serious for the most part. And, and that's what people on the forum noticed and are pointing out. Oh, he's coming off as sincere and mature. Uh, it looks like he grew up. Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's too bad he's not still around in this community. You know, he could really contribute a lot of, uh, good expertise, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you why I, why I disagree here. Uh, first of all, Forgetting about MyCon for a second, think about how many people you know in your own life. When I say you, I mean everybody listening. How many people do you know in your own life who, after age 30, greatly changed? I don't mean they got more successful or, or, or you know, something fortunate happened for them, but, but how many people do you know who greatly changed for the better as far as who they are as a person or how mature they were after 30? It's, it's uncommon. Usually, by the time someone's thirty, well, they're pretty much who they're going to be, and there, there there are some subtle changes that occur over time. But I don't think Mike On's basically the same guy. But the thing is, he can't be exactly the same guy you remember because if he brought this class clown act to the Bitcoin world, he would have been rejected. Because they, they no- I was just yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, to do what he wants to do, he can't have that same persona, and yeah. he knows that he's smart enough to know that, right? So, so, and then secondly, and then secondly, of course, you can't underestimate. You know what raising you know a small baby will do as well, having somebody actually take care of. Although we know nothing about the specifics, you know I assume he probably is a very good dad. I have no reason to think he probably you know he isn't. Um, you know so that probably influenced it as well. Yes, I, I agree, and I, I I mentioned that in the forum too. Right, I, I agree with that. That probably having a child uh, did help him grow up some, and he's gotten older. He's almost forty. He'll be forty this year. So. So he's also not uh, a young man anymore. So that's uh, you know, so, so that probably contributes. So he probably is more mature than you remember him back then. But he's not like a completely different person. He, if if you right. think he's totally different and he's a, he's a good person and all the stuff he did in the past, he would never do again. But keep in mind, he's never come to Brandon and say, "Hey, Brandon, you know, I, was, I know I was a piece of shit to you back then. You were a good friend to me. I'm so sorry." You know what? I'll, I'll tell you a funny story though. Uh, about about six months ago. <laughs> uh, about yeah, about six months ago, I was on Facebook, and he he has me blocked on Facebook. Yeah, me too. It's actually, funny. Me that, too. <laughs> that was one of the first things he ever did. Like you know, right when we had you know our falling out, six was it six six years ago? Yeah, uh, two thousand twelve. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, right when that happened, like that same day, he blocked me, which was really weird. Like, what was I going to do? So this is really weird. This must be like some quirk with Facebook. Because, again, you know, six months or so ago, I was looking through all my old Facebook messages and deleting some. Like, some of them go back literally like eight, nine years. And I found some group message that, like, Jeannie was in it. Uh, it was like, a, you know, a Facebook chat, like, messenger, you know, group message. Jeannie was in it. Martha was in it. Mikecon was in it. I was in it. I think Karina might have been in it. It was like six people in it. And the last thing... That was said. It was like 2011. Was you know the comment? I had the date and the time. Mike kind of asked some question or something, and I just I didn't know, and I just thought it'd be funny. I was in a silly mood, so he asked some question. I don't remember even what it was, 
And I just wrote in, in the Facebook chat, I wrote, yes, that sounds good. Okay. And again, there was an answer to a question from seven years ago. <laughs> and then maybe about 20 minutes later, I checked and then I saw like, you know how when you, when somebody reads a message on Facebook, like it shows their, their, their profile picture. Yes, yes. So you know they read. So I look and they, you know, whoever the other random people were saw it, like, you know, I guess Karina, Jeannie. And then I saw that both Mycon and Martha's little icon were there. And then right under it, like it was Mycon has left the chat. Brian Mycon has left the chat. Martha, you know, Mycon has left the chat and they just left, <laughs> but they read, they saw it. And I thought it was, you know, I thought it was funny. And again, I thought, I guess that's a loophole that if you're in some, you know, or maybe it was because it was so old. I don't know, but you know, it went through, even though I'm still blocked. Yeah, you know, yeah, I that, that is weird. Yeah. So, but like, you know, he he hasn't. So you can't say I haven't talked to him. It's been six months <laughs> since I've talked to him. Someone, he hasn't responded in, in seven years, but it's been six months. Yeah. Like so. So he hasn't. It's not like he looks back on those days and the mistakes he made and the the crappy things he did to some people, especially people who were close to him at one point, and that and he regrets it and feels like he was a fool back then and, and you know, reached out to people and said, "Hey, I'm a different guy." None of that has happened. None of that's ever going to happen. I guarantee. In his mind, he believes that he was in the right with all that. Everything. I guarantee he thinks that everything he was in the right and he got screwed over. And uh, a leopard doesn't change his spots. A lot of things happened back then, not just with the two of us, with, uh, with other people I won't get into. A, a lot of things happened where uh, it really called into question uh, how good of a person he really was. This wasn't just two people who couldn't get along anymore. You could- well, you know what? I don't even care. It doesn't matter. Somebody that I believe that's very trustworthy told me that uh, he had a falling out. And this was actually a while ago. It was like over a year ago with that snake in the grass, Schoenfeld. Yeah, they yeah. hadn't talked in quite some time. I'm not going to say anything more about it, but somebody that, that I know yeah. heard it firsthand from that snake yeah. that, that uh, they haven't talked in, you know, I think I was told like a year and a half, maybe yeah. two years almost. And this just keeps happening around him. So so the, the thing is here, whatever you thought of him back then is probably still true today, except uh, he's gotten you know a little more mature and, and, and also cannot take the class clown act into the Bitcoin world or he won't be taken seriously because – uh, in the Bitcoin world, that doesn't fly, and and the whole his whole shtick in the Bitcoin world was he was a very early adopter, which he was. That he you know that he was very pro Bitcoin early on. That he was very enthusiastic about it early on when most people were laughing at it. And that uh, and that a lot of people in the Bitcoin world, and he's also very outspoken, and he ran seals. So and, and then he got busted for running seals. So he's kind of seen as a martyr. So a lot of people in the Bitcoin community respect him as kind of one of the early adopters who also brought Bitcoin poker, even though he didn't really bring it. He kind of just jumped, jumped onto a, an existing site. Uh, but but they kind of see it as if he brought it to the Bitcoin world. And, and then he paid a, a legal price for it, but getting busted. So a lot of the – especially the a lot of the Bitcoin enthusiasts are kind of anti-government. So a lot of them really admire well, him. Well, you know, it's almost kind of like Derek Dieter or De- Derek, or Derek Dieter. Like people always comment – I laugh at this. People always are like the new owner of the Marlins, the face of the Marlins, the new owner of the Marlins. The motherfucker owns, owns less than 1%. Yeah. Well, it's I mean, like so Magic like Johnson with like the Dodgers. Bitcoin and they think, you know, Brian Mikon. You know what I'm saying? It's, yes. It's not like – yeah, that's my point. It's just kind of like how people fixate something with, you know, a face. They put a face to something. Right, right. So, he, you know, he's one – what was it, Forbes that listed him at one point? Imagine his smile. Can you imagine the smug smile on his face when Forbes – Listed him as one of the top twenty most influential Bitcoiners. Right, he's, he's been, something. That's what he's been doing. He's just been constantly putting himself out there, and, and and people 
basically accepted it without really much question. So, and, and in fact, there's even those in the Bitcoin world, like Roger Ver and others, who uh, who, who have accepted him as someone who is uh, worthy of of respect. So, uh, the last thing he'd want to do would be you know, act like a clown and act like a fool and have people not take him seriously. Unlike on poker, where he wanted you to laugh at him, he wanted you to see him as like this. Uh, uh, likable uh, stoner who didn't take anything seriously that would entertain you. In Bitcoin, he wants to be seen as a respected figure who you can trust and and, and who you you know like to hear yeah. to get information from. Um, I'm gonna have to go in a minute or two, and I, I will call back okay. uh, in about an hour. I can, but before I go, since you're doing this topic and it's it's been on the forums, so let's play a little game, okay? And we're gonna do some role playing. <laughs> Okay, what we're going to do is we're both going to be advocates for Brian Mycon. You're the advocate <laughs> for Brian Mycon is broke, and I'm the advocate for Brian Mycon is rich. Okay, I'm glad. I'm let's glad have you, a, let's. Uh, okay, before before we, I think it's a great idea. That sounds fun. But but before we do that, I want to set this up for those of you that don't know. There's a lot of debate and uh, questions surrounding. Mycon's financial situation, whereas most of his life he was perpetually broke, and the few times he'd have money, he'd chunk it off really fast. Uh, since the Bitcoin thing happened, you know, he he was buying Bitcoin when they were five dollars each. So can you imagine, even if he held on to just some of those, what he'd be worth now? So there are some who believe that he just has an astounding amount of money in Bitcoin, and that if he cashed it out, he'd be just worth untold millions. And there's some who believe that he's broke or close to it, and and just doesn't want to admit it. So. Uh, Nobody knows for sure, except for him, maybe his wife too, but uh, none of us know. But uh, this debate just played out on the forums, and uh, so so I guess – who's going to be the one saying he's broke, me or you? Uh, no, you. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. I just figured uh, – Yeah, I, I guess I'll you, be the broke one, yeah. So, so, so do you think – I mean, yeah, you, well, you can pick. I can, I can argue both sides. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll so be the one saying that, that it, since I'm the one who, who brought up the counterpoints on the forum, because the forum people sure. were were all assuming that he's super rich in Bitcoin. Like almost every single one of them was, was not just assuming it but stating it like it has to be fact. And that's what was bothering me. Like, I, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it, it's even unlikely that he has a lot of Bitcoin. I was just saying you can't say it's fact. You can't even come close to saying it's fact at this point. So, so I, I put out various reasons. So, yeah, I, I will. I will argue it. And then Brandon is going to play devil's advocate, and he's going to argue why Mikeon probably has a lot of money and probably balling it out of control. At least, at least in Bitcoin. At least he has a lot held in Bitcoin. And uh, I will. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll lay out the reasons I, that I think, and then you you can lay it out back, and then we can go back and forth here. And again, we're just kind of playing roles here. So, I th- this is this is what I think. First of all, because of the respect he wants to have within the Bitcoin community, and currently has, the last thing he would ever want to admit is, "Hey, I was a super early adopter of Bitcoin. I got in when it was five bucks each, but I don't have it anymore. <laughs> it, it's mostly gone." I got rid of it all. I gambled it away. That would make him look horrible. He looks like the biggest hypocrite, telling everyone, "Hold your Bitcoin. It's the wave of the future. It's uh, you know, crypto. It's a, that's 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 where we're going towards. You, know, you hold this, you're going to get rich." Well, how much do you have, Mike? On? Oh, uh, well, actually, I have none because I couldn't control my gambling problem, my spending problem. Like if he said that, he would lose so much respect from people who currently respect him in the Bitcoin community. So he could never admit it. If he lost, unlike in poker, where he was, it was charming for him to say, "Ah, busto, ah, I'm a degenerate." Like 
because tons of people were in poker. A lot of poker players you'd respect would be ones who'd go busto just because they, they were degenerates. He called himself the king of all degenerates back then. So, um, if he's broke, he won't admit it. So, no matter what he says or how he postures when, when he's on podcasts or, or on his Twitter, he would never, ever, ever admit that he's well, broke. I live in the, the Caribbean. I have the, a beautiful beach view, and I live in a nice Americanized part, not, you know, the ghetto. Do you realize the cost of living here? Even to, like, have a nice filet mignon or, you know, all the food I eat is organic. I mean, can you, can't you understand how much all that costs? You know, feeding a baby organic milk, I mean, geez, you know. <laughs> Listen, look at my drone collection. Wait, hold on. Are you, are you, being, are the, you being Mike on, or I, I, thought you, I thought you were advocating for him, not, not being him? Well, okay, <laughs> it, it's the same difference, but okay, well, you know. I, it's more fun for me that way. Okay, no, do what the, you want. When I was on the Doug, when I was on the Doug Polk show, did you see all those drones right behind me? The ones I showed were easily two thousand dollars plus, and I had about six or seven on my mantle. Does that look like somebody that a busted out broke guy would have about fifteen to twenty thousand dollars worth of drones? Well, I, I think I'll, I'll answer that for you, Mike. I, I think that uh, obviously you had Bitcoin at some point, and, and it, it went somewhere. So yes, I think I think you had a lot that you've spent and gambled, and uh, and not that you never had Bitcoin, not that you never held on to any that you made over the years, but that a lot of it was spent and or gambled away. And, and now, as far as actual money you have, you don't. Now let me let me bring up why I think that this is true. Uh, in March of 2017, there was a very interesting thread on Twitter where uh, you actually offered tutoring to people on how to keep their Bitcoin safe because there are there are hackings and stuff, and you know, so you were actually offering to give uh, classes to people. You said, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and you were offering to help people learn how to keep their Bitcoin safe for money, and you said DM me for information and rates, and you weren't well, joking; you were serious. Number number one. Okay, I am one of the most foremost experts on the subject. And number two, I'm still a Jew at heart who likes money. And I got to do something with my days here. You know, <laughs> the ocean gets kind of old. And there's only so much I can do out here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well. You uh, feel me? Yeah, I feel you. But listen, in that same thread on Twitter, you had a big argument with Jesse Martin, who's a you know, long-respected poker player, and, and who, who complained. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. <laughs> who complained that he lost Four thousand dollars that he kept on seals when seals closed down after you got busted, and that you know he asked he, he tried to withdraw it and and it, he was unsuccessful and he was saying look how can you be treating how can you be teaching people how to keep their bitcoin safe when you didn't keep my bitcoin oh, safe on your own you site know, and and hold on this is a thing did you know the feds raided me when I was in my drawers did you know I was sitting there in my hanes and the feds came after me and they <laughs> knocked down the walls they took my toys now. I'm very glad I got this beautiful young lady here, this Georgia Peach, and she's told me, Mike Con, you know, you can't make the same mistake twice. You can't be pompous and you can't be arrogant. And even though we're loaded now and, and we're, we're rich and we're balling, we can't just be out there letting everyone know. If not, we're going to attract the wrong kind of attention. So you never listened to me before. You did that donk down deal with that druff guy and that. Brandon guy, and you never listened about anything. I told you there were bad seeds. Listen to me now, Mike Con. Don't go boasting about your wealth. Nothing good can come of it. Be humble. 
Okay, but I didn't say you had to boast about it. I'm saying that when people came to you and said that on Seals, the site that you promoted so so hard and you became the face of, and people, well-known people in poker where you wanted to be respected, uh, got ripped off by the site, which wouldn't let, the, let them mm-hmm. withdraw for whatever reason, uh, for for not that much money, four thousand, three thousand, two thousand here and there. There wasn't weren't that many you came forward that you never made it right with any of them. You could have gone to Jesse Martin well, and said, "Sorry, Jesse, as, I have so much money. Here's four thousand. Don't 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 announce this publicly, as Jesse." Tweeted, as I've tweeted many times, I was only the head of marketing for seals with clubs that's what i've always stated and that's the truth i was given a small percentage to be the head of marketing okay that might be true but but if you really have this much money and you put your face to it and if everybody associates you and thinks you were the big owner there then wouldn't it be right for you to say okay they played on here because they trusted me i have so much money fine i'll give jesse martin the four thousand even though i had no everybody was given 30 days to get their money off that's what was decided it was tweeted. It was on the front page of the site. Right, and After they tried, and it days, failed. Anybody that didn't get their money off lost their money. But they they Nothing tried. I can do. They tried. My hands. They tried, and it failed. And they were they had trusted you, and you could have paid them back if you had this much money. I'm just I don't know why uh, you, you didn't pay Jesse Martin his four thousand back out of your own pocket because he was playing there because he trusted you. And and I I think in the well, let me reason- ask you: When other poker companies have gone under, or there's been any theft or any kind of discrepancies like that, has it been? To the, up to the head of marketing to make restitution in the past is that commonplace? But he didn't. Posture, that the, you didn't posture as head of marketing. You postured as as like you're the one. You called yourself the chairman. I I've always said that I was the head of marketing. That was my job. <laughs> Which is that's what he said. Now, secondly, I've I've read on that uh, uh, fraud site that you have there that cute little uh, uh, you know third eight fifth tier poker form that you and your boy have speculated why I don't come. To Las Vegas, Nevada. Yes, now, we besides have. it for the World Series. Now, besides it taking place in a police state, which I would never allow my precious five-year-old daughter to be a part of. Okay, the fact still remains that there's certain individuals, maybe in the federal government or other places, that may not agree with what I am currently doing, which I'm not going to disclose right now for a living. And me or my family or my beloved little daughter entering that police state could end up, you know, causing me to be in peril. So because of that, I've been forced from my livelihood. I can't partake in the World Series, even though I know I could sit there and play in that pro player, pro players classic and take that Ms. Racky and the rest of them, you know, give them headshots. And I could wear my Monopoly shoes and my, you know, you get what I'm saying. I just can't America. Martha, myself, we've just decided we have to live in the Caribbean in Antigua in exile. Well, I have to I hold on. Exile. I, I have to. I have to. I know you are. But let me see. First of all, uh, just yeah. like the Dalai Lama. First of all, thank, thank you for Lama. reminding me of the, of the of the Monopoly kicks. I forgot about those. But those, those were fine shoes. I, n- I never got any myself, but I regret it. But, but let me let me continue here. Uh, I, I'm not talking about right now. I can understand if right now, for whatever reason, you have a, a fear, whether justified or unjustified, may even be justified, maybe, uh, to not come to the United States because you're afraid they're going to, you know, net teller you and, and grab you and, 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 and charge you with all kinds of stupid crimes and, and, and make you give up your fortune, your Bitcoin fortune. I, I can understand that. That's, I'm not questioning that. I'm questioning why when you were here for like over a year, two years, whatever it was, that you had to be here as a condition of your probation, and there was nothing in your probation, which I read. I read the whole probation conditions. Uh, nothing that you couldn't gamble. Nothing that you couldn't play the World Series. Nothing in there like that. People assumed it was there. It was not. And, and in fact, you, you did play the World Series the, the same day you went to court. 
about this matter, but you just played a few odd 1500 events and, and you skipped a lot of events that you used to always play or ones that you always really wanted to play if only you had the money. And you were in Vegas for quite some time. And and you just did not play, which was very peculiar. Even when I was broke, I always found a way to play the World Series of Poker, and you know that every year. I one year I picked up dog shit, hundred dollars for a buy. You know I don't that? even. I, I don't even know if you're telling the truth about people writing to the World Series. I think you're just making this up. Oh. I'm just saying. Every other year I've played in the World Series. Every year. So if I wanted to this year, I would have this year as well, or last year or the year before. I will not go to a police state. Okay. Well. I, I something else that uh, I want to bring up here, Mike. On you, Raw Wolf called into our, our fraud show here, and you know you were friends with him for quite some time over your your love of crypto. Both of you, you know, were big fans of we crypto. We hated that cock sucking Drexel too. Yeah, you both. That's right. You both hated Drexel too. So uh, Raw Wolf called into the show at one point and said that he remembered. Oh, hold on, hold on, Martha. Bring me some organic milk. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, he, 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 a turkey sandwich, a turkey sandwich. He called in at one point, and he said, he said that you sold most of your Bitcoin when it hit 80, that you and him both decided yep. to sell, sell most of the Bitcoin you had when it was $80, which was a, a good profit at the time. But, uh, he obviously, also said he had stage 5 cancer, and now he's running marathons out in those Alabama fields. What can I say? Yes, Raw Wolf, he's, he's made some incredible claims, but notice that those claims were always positive. You know, he has a lot of money. He's, a, you know, he never said like he never made any claims making it seem like he made a wrong financial decision. Like he did something stupid financially. In this case, you know, selling Bitcoin when it was only at eighty, which I'm not saying is necessarily stupid. No one could see the future, but he, he's never made the claim like you know this could have been worth so much more if only I held on to it. He, he, it's, it's always the opposite where he's talked about yeah. You know, as far as financially, he's basically done everything right. So that's why um, I, I think that'd be an odd thing well, for him I- to lie about. Let me ask you a couple of questions. How am I paying my bills? How am I, I mean, I, a white Jewish kid from Indianapolis can't about here in Antigua. How am I paying for this lovely, lovely home that we live in and all these lovely electronics? Well, okay, how I, am I, just- I, I don't think you're absolutely busto. If you were, you couldn't have afforded that $100,000 you paid to, to Chestnut and Schoenfeld to uh, defend you uh, four years ago when you got busted. I think, I think there is some money here that, that you have. Uh, I, I don't think you're broke. I, I just think that uh, you're not balling. I think that you uh, most of what you had and could have uh, is not there anymore. I think most of that is gone in some way. And uh, you know, you, you and what about that new special project that I've been working on that nobody knows about because I'm not stupid enough again to publicize? Well, then how can I talk about it on the radar? I, I don't know about it. So how can I talk about it? If it's a special, I mean, you, when, when we see it, if if it's making money, I, I guess right. if there really is one. But how can I? I can't comment on well, a special project that nobody knows about. Anyhow, the, I'm back to Brandon. By the, way. Okay. the point I'm making <laughs> is it, it, it's not as fun. It's fun to speculate. I mean, it is. You know, everyone does, but there's no way anyone will ever know because he's giving nothing up. He isn't. And I don't think he, he hasn't. I mean, look, look at his Twitter now. You know, and I don't look at it a lot. Maybe twice, three times a year. I mean, I really don't. Now, be honest. The reason why I don't is because most of the shit I read, I don't even fucking understand. Like, I'm just being honest. I don't, the ripple, this is, you know, by the privacy that, I mean, I don't know what it means. This will be in your face in a week. I mean, I just don't know what he's talking about. It's like a foreign language to me. You know, I mean, it really is. But the point is, he doesn't post, you know, vacations. Even that, even that baller picture on a private plane with the Micon of 2008 have posted that himself. No, that was posted by somebody else who caught it. 
That wasn't on the MyCon, you know. I think MyCon might have retweeted it, maybe. I don't remember. But, you know, surely that picture of him on the jet plane losing in the poker, uh, which is, by the way, LOL, he's losing to, like, some amateur. And the guy thinks it's a great accomplishment because he's made two final tables out of about 400 tournaments or, you know, whatever he's played. That was kind of funny. Like, the, you know, like, I get it. Like, you beat Phil Helmuth. You know, maybe even you beat Howard Letter, and you write that tweet. But you beat Mike, you beat Brian Mikon. I know, and you're showing that tweet. You know, it's kind of funny. It was but, naive, but you, you know that you know the jet wasn't that it didn't belong to him, or he wasn't renting it. He was he was on somebody else's private jet. He was on Roger Ver's private. jet. Of course. Jet. But the point I'm making, it, it really, it's almost fruitless to really debate it because no one really knows. Yeah, like, nobody knows. He right? Could be, yeah, he could be doing something that's so big now that nobody knows, or he could be scrapping by and borrowing from friends and family. I mean, you know, there's just no way to find out. Right. And, or he could be somewhere in the middle where, where he, he's kept some money to be comfortable at the moment, but he's not balling. And, uh, and, and the problem is he, there's a reason why he wouldn't tell everybody he's super rich in Bitcoin for the, you know, not wanting to attract government attention or the IRS or whatever. So there's that reason, but then there's also the reason he wouldn't tell anyone he's busto because he doesn't want to lose respect. And so the, you can't and tell. the truth is the simple reason, just because he hasn't played here, you know, I mean, if somebody showed me some definitive proof that he was in the United States, you know, for, you know, visiting family or on a vacation, then I'd say, huh, that's really interesting. But until I see some proof that he's actually set foot on American soil, you know, then I believe personally the reason why he hasn't played in the world. Oops, sorry, the dog's in a bark. Let me go upstairs. I believe the reason why he hasn't played in the World Series is because he's probably doing something or involved in something. That he's smart enough to know that there's a potential if he step foot on American soil, they could pick him up. Yes. And for all we know, there could be warrants. Yeah, well, there could, they could, they could be. Yes, there could they, be. They could but be that's, but that, that explains now. What about when he was on that year plus of probation and he was in Las Vegas and he had to be in Las Vegas and he, he has this BS job at, at uh, Mike's drone store? What? Maybe, you know, maybe his probation officer. Well, listen, it's odd that he played in a couple of events. Most notably, he plays in that tag team event with uh, Kathy Lee, yeah. which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, and then he disappeared. But, you know, a lot could have happened. He could have been told by his probation officer, listen, you need to stay out of the radar. You know, we don't want you gambling. You know, I mean, we just don't know. No, but that wouldn't you happen know. for sure. The probation officer just basically does what the court said. And, and I can t- I read the whole probation and nothing about staying out of casinos, nothing about don't play poker tournaments, nothing about that. It was, it was in there. All the probation does, officer does is well, enforce what the court says has to be enforced. The point I'm making is if he's always – I mean, I've seen him literally. Like that first year I met him when he was living literally in uh, V-Rob's house and there was like a curtain, yeah. like in a living room that was his bedroom, the guy had like seven or $800 to his name. Like that was everything he had. And he still played a big-ass schedule that year. So the point I'm making is if he wanted to play a ton of events that year, whether you know he had 50%, 10%, even 30%, he would have found a way. He knows enough people in the Bitcoin community, enough people with money. He easily could have. We're t- talking $1,500 no-limit events, $1,000 no-limit events. It, it's, it can't be financial. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know people way poorer than him that, you know, every year, and so do you, that find a way to play in the World Series. I mean, they just do. You know, they beg, they borrow, they steal, they make promises, they oversell. I mean, I'm just saying, not that he would, you know, oversell, but, you know, that one year, you know, do you remember when he posted on, not even on poker forums, it was on that, some BTC, what was that, that forum? Oh yeah, Bitcoin that talk, like yeah, that. yeah, he sold a bunch of Yeah, yeah, and everyone just, they could, they, they ate it all up. They couldn't stop buying it. They ate it all up. You know? So, 
Anyhow, listen, I have to run. I will be back in about an hour or so. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk. I appreciate it. Thank you for your participation and your support of uh, the Spring Classic. There will be a Fall Classic. Oh, good. And uh, I will be in touch soon. And, again, thank you very much for the airtime. And, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong. You know, I'm just saying that's impossible to know. There's just too many too many factors. Well, we yeah, I, I agree with that. And what I, what I want people you know? to take away from this whole thing is I want people to take away – that if you're convinced, if you're sure that he's so just balling out of control with tons of Bitcoin and just a you know, multi-multi-millionaire at this point, at least in, at least in crypto, no. You, you, you can't be even close to sure of that. You, it's a total unknown. It can be a, lo- a very wide spectrum of where he could be financially, very wide spectrum. And one other thing, of one other thing even if he is balling, if he's got a massive number of Bitcoin stored away that, that's worth many millions of dollars, even if that's true, if his plan – is to just hold crypto until it's worth a billion dollars one day. Eventually, it's going to go to zero. Eventually, it's going to end up zero. If you if that's your long term yeah. plan, just hold, 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 and barely spend any and barely sell any, then you're headed to zero. Not maybe not. I mean, zero. there's no doubt he's not like a baller, like twenty five million, fifty million, you know, like insane money. Because if he was, you know, he'd be traveling the world. He'd be, you know, he just he would he'd be done with it all. You know what I'm saying? Like he just would be living a different. Well, that's life. what I was saying. Like he wouldn't be selling uh, like like how to keep your your Bitcoin that's safe. That's correct. Now, I mean, if he has a couple million, you know, five million, three million, you know, maybe he's still doing that because he knows that you know he still has to have some income coming in. But for people that think he potentially could be worth twenty five, fifty, a hundred million, no. I mean, I don't care how like privileged or how. Uh, steadfast he is and what he believes in his you know his just beliefs in general if he had that kind of money he would just retire for the rest of his life live on an island you know play poker and, and just you know live off it and enjoy have the best life i mean you know what i'm saying he yeah. wouldn't be grinding right it just doesn't make sense like for that kind of money that some people suspect he may have so anyway, and it could be back. a tax thing too by the way why he doesn't want to come back if he of course did sell a few yeah, million right. that went down that's a great point then that was like after the probation the probation he probably didn't he probably was very straight during the probation then he could started something else he was you know might have been smart enough to wait till that end and then sold you know a few million yeah. and then there's taxes then well, you should actually i'm going to rephrase your 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 point there probably lack of paying taxes I'm going yes to say. right well right yeah yeah Oh, yeah, yeah. No, of course. So, anyhow, th- again, gentlemen, I'll be back maybe around midnight or so, 1230. Thank you again for letting me on, and uh, okay. we'll talk soon. Thank Have you for a coming great on, show. Brandon. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Or partially. Bye. Temporarily good night. Okay, so... We're going to talk about the Venetian. I wanted to have uh, Brandon on for it, but whatever. It's, it's funny that the lead topic... <laughs> we're not into it until like two hours into the show, but that's the way this goes here. Um, so... I want to mention the uh, – I'll start with the whole thing with the, the Venetian. It's a disturbing story. And basically there, there was a guy who worked in the pits at the Venetian. It's still not clear to me. I guess I could see if they've updated the article since I last looked. But there's a guy who worked in the pits for a number of years. And – you know what? I'm, hold on. Before we begin this topic, sorry to cut this off again. But he, Raw Wolf's calling him. Maybe he has something to say to add to this mic on thing. Raw Wolf, are you there? Hey, man. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. So so do you have something to add to the mic on stuff? Yeah, I think it could be fairly interesting. I just want to give out a couple of like, prefaces on the front end or just you know say a little thing before I just jump in. 
I'm totally cool with Drex and all the bullshit. I've, this conversation is just for what I personally know as a random dude in Alabama about Brian Mycott. Okay. When I've personally talked to him on the phone, and I'll, uh, I mean, you can get him on whatever. I'll tell you, this is 100% true. Nothing's made up. And this is, I have very little info on him, but this is, I know this is sure for sure. So. Towards the end with Seals with Clubs, and there's a lot of people on here that know, like, I'm not wealthy like y'all, but I don't think any of y'all have ever gone, like, literally dirt broke to where you had to get $100 and, and literally 60 days later have a quarter million in cash. And I did it on full tilt, coming in third in the big 200 at over 4,000 people. I can I can still show you. I was feeding this online. Like, everybody's played with me big limits in the past. It doesn't matter. So, like, Mycon knew who I was separate of just me being this fucking maniac on y'all's site. So, Seals is kind of cool, and I'm down here in the South where nobody could do shit anyway. Like, you know, there's just way less action everywhere around, all kind of gambling. So, I was literally giving my friends accounts on Seals. Like, not just the people on y'all's poker sites, but like my personal friends in real life. So I know people, like one of them's an active Jewish lawyer in Birmingham now, and he still doesn't know what happened to his account. He never even logged in. So I, I sent four or five Bitcoin for my best friend who's a Hirschfield, and he's he's never even been able to find it. So I know there was shit left on seals that, like, I don't know what happened to it. It doesn't matter. I don't want the money. I don't want my kind of give me any money. But what I'm about to tell you is the truth. So after I came out there and whatever debacle went down with y'all, it doesn't matter. Like that ended, I come back to Birmingham and I basically get like really fucked up for maybe a year or so, I don't, you know, a little bit of time. And I wasn't worried about money at all. Like it just didn't, I didn't spend much money. So during this time, Seals is gaining some momentum and Bitcoin is between eight, I mean, between two and $10. I can't exactly, you know, I can't tell you the exact time, but that's that's the range. So before it gets to ten dollars, I talk to my Connell, you know, usually just text there or whatever, and he's like, Hey, I need to talk to you. So I give him my phone number and I think this is the first time we ever talk on the phone. I could be wrong, but I think this is. So the bottom line of it was you know, he loved Bitcoin more than any of us. And by us, I'm using a real loose term for anyone that I partially halfway knew through gambling. But I never knew anybody that really, like, believed it like my time. So he calls me and says, man, I need $200,000 for seals with clubs. Now, I don't know if he had already been contacted like the shit was going to be seized or what. I have no idea. Again, I'm just in Alabama, this dude that randomed into y'all's life because I was trying to win that tournament for Poker Fraud Alert when I gave you the thousand bucks. I was actually chip leader for four hours, and then I had some, like, acid breakdown and went crying in my room. Anyway, that's a separate story. But so during that time is when Micon contacted me. And to make a long story short, within one year's time, there was never a reason for him, him to ask me for any money ever. And he has a backdoor way to contact me completely separate of wherever he is in the world. And so that offer was on the table along with other deals that Brian Mikon has never had a need to ever contact me again for. 
So I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he is. I don't know any of these specific details. But if I had to bet, the only person that I would bet that's even close to his money is C-Money that I've ever seen from these gambling people that I know. Well, I, I'm a little confused here from the um, story. Hold on. I'm a little confused from the story here because you're, uh, you're telling me that he wanted to borrow like 200000 at one point. Uh, is right, that true? because he thought they were going to seize all of his assets. He obviously got to Antigua, and they didn't. Okay, so he was able to pay with the lawyers, get out of it for a couple hundred, whatever it cost. Okay, but 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 how does, how does that? Okay, so, right, and that makes sense, and that makes sense. But how does that translate to him having a lot of money? I, I'm, I'm missing that transition. Well, I'm, I'm I'm not saying that he is, and I'm not advocating that he's you know Roger Ver or any of this. What I'm saying is, he's always been a dreamer that can come off as a scammer, and I believe in some parts of his life he was some form of scammer, the same way I probably was. I, I don't really know what, you know, people that get into drugs and gamble for a living are all 100% capable of at all times. But I will tell you for sure he's always been able to contact a person that we both really respect, and that person knows I can move huge money to him whenever it has to happen. He has never contacted me contacted me again in any way for money for gold or silver well okay okay and but, so but that's, how, that's how you know okay i, I understand that that's an interesting thing but i i just think that him asking for two hundred thousand dollars around the time he got busted because he was afraid everything would get seized uh and then not asking for money again that doesn't mean he's rich that just means he's not super broke that's that, that's the difference no i mean and you fast forward to when it moves to 80 i mean now we're like literally a year in the future and i'm back talking to him through my phone we don't really talk in conversations, just on texting. And that's when it moved from 70 to $80, where I know we both thought it was kind of capping there, and we, we both needed money. And I have very limited like knowledge of what was actually going on in his life. But he it, he was selling for cash then, but he, he also was a like avid altcoin believer. And I don't mean all of them. I mean, he would pick five or ten and gamble, and I have no way of knowing which ones all dominated, but he was the early, um, like, prospector of this shit before almost anybody. And so, like, I just don't, I believe that, you know, he knows I would have vacuumed in Bitcoin, especially those moves over any of the last five years, for him to never ask for $1. He's either backed by someone because he has advanced knowledge of this whole industry or he's completely financial secure himself. I, I, well, I, I think, I think we're skipping options. a step. I think, you know, I think we're skipping a step here. Okay. Well, the, thanks for your input on this. I mean, it's an interesting story here, but uh, I, I don't. I still don't think that draws any conclusions. I, I think all that says is that uh, he hasn't. But it does. It. it does say something about it, though. He's not desperate. Right. Right. That's that's what it says. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying I know his bankroll. I'm, my gut would just tell me. I think he's. You know, like a totally different icon than when we actually were around. I was only around him a few times. Well, I think I think he's maybe anyway, different financial. I think so. he he has some money now. I just don't think it's. Uh, I I just I could believe it happens to be a lot. I could believe he has a lot in crypto at the moment. I could also believe he doesn't have that much, and he you know he has enough to live on, enough to uh, you know have have a decent life, kind of a decent ongoing life, but not someone you'd classify as rich. That's what I think. That's very but, possible. Seriously, Jeff, just one thing. Man. I know you you got to go on the topic, but. There are people that just really believe in ideas in the future, and it's not about the money. And that stance has always hurt people like my kind. They, they don't value the day-to-day responsibilities that normal life requires for positive gains. But those same people randomly, like, drill it. You know this from tourneys, the dudes that randomly win the limit ones, and you just win every 10 years. Like, there's, he was that for crypto. 
and I do personally feel bad for all of us that we didn't move faster. But I think everyone ought to at least give him a chance, um, you know, to do whatever he decides to do to declare assets before it's just thrown totally under the bus. Because I believe someone's been backing him for a long time, investing in the crypto. It's probably JMO, but like I really don't know for sure. So that's totally yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good point too. There but, could there could be people know. who are backing him in some way with the crypto. Yeah, that's that's a possibility too. Okay, well, thank thank you, Raul, for calling in and giving your perspective you it, on this. Okay, good night. Peace. All right. So I said we've talked enough about this topic. Uh, I, I didn't expect it to be this long, but. There you go. If you care, if you, if you want to see the whole interview, it's, it's on Doug Polk's channel. Uh, I, I've only watched small parts of it and I don't know how much I'll watch, but, um, that's, that's where it stands. You know what? If this is never going to happen, so it's, it's not even worth discussing much, but if, let's say Micon came to me and said, I really apologize for everything that happened back in 2011. I, I really mistreated you. I really, you know, screwed you over. I really, uh, did a lot of things wrong. Here was my state of mind then. Blah blah blah. If it was a real sincere apology, I would actually forgive him. I would actually survive. Would it have to include Martha for yelling at you in the car? <laughs> she's done more. She's done more than that. She's done more than, that. done more than that's a good point. She's yeah. You know, this is her too. But I, I would say at the very least, you know, I, I forgive you for this. I'm not. But but it's never going to happen because I guarantee if anybody asked him, he would say Druff was an asshole. Druff, Druff. Druff you know, screwed me over, drafted this bad thing, that bad thing, and I hope he dies. That's the, he said that to people before. He tells people he hopes they die. He does, he's not saying he's going to kill me. He's he, he's never made any threats, but he actually he, he was hoping for misfortune to just happen to befall me. That, that he told people that he's hoping I just have like a heart attack. And uh, and I've never said that about him. I've never said I hope he dies or has a heart attack. Like I, it's but that like he really believes I I did bad things to him, which is insane because that's that, not true at all, not true at all, but. Uh, th- th- that's never going to happen, though. It's, it's never going to happen, and, uh, and and I don't think he's that different of a person than he was before. I just think uh, the focus is kind of different in his life than it was before, and that change in circumstance has uh, given him a changed image. But uh, whatever gripes, for those who've been in the community a long time, whatever gripes you had with him seven years ago, he's still the same guy. I guarantee it. You, you can't. You can't just say seven years have passed. He's a great guy now, or you know, he's changed. No, you can't say that. You can say you, you forgive whatever happened because it's been seven years, but you can't say he's a different person. Sometimes time can make you forget, and you you see someone kind of change where they are in life, and sometimes you can kind of forget what they were doing before, what you witnessed to them before that you didn't like. And, and you can convince yourself, oh, they wouldn't do this again because they're different now. No. That's, I can say this of someone who made a lot of dumb mistakes when they were like 19 years old and now they're 35 and you say, okay, he was a stupid kid back then. Now I can t- totally trust him. But Mike Hunt was not young when a lot of this stuff. Yeah, he was not 40 yet, but he was over 30. So I, I really – I don't know a single person in my life that uh, that I didn't think much of when they were over 30 that when they were 40 I thought oh wow he's a good guy now never thought of that. I've had some I've had like a mistaken impression of where they've done one or two things that I didn't like but like someone I knew well that I didn't think much of when they were in the thir- their early 30s uh, 
I've never known like anyone in their forties that I say, oh, they're totally different now. They've they've totally turned over a new leaf. It just people don't change that much after that age, because and there's a reason for this because the human brain doesn't develop much after like after age twenty five. So usually the person you are by thirty is who you're going to remain, even if your circumstance changes. Sometimes people will worsen due to uh, uh, worse circumstances in their life, or uh, they will uh, they'll they'll ruin themselves with drugs or alcohol and become different. But, but as far as improving, as far as improving for what type of person they are and how trustworthy they are, uh, that doesn't change much between thirty and forty. Very very rare for that to happen. And I speak of everybody, just about everybody, not just of, of uh, my kind. Uh, in fact, I, I'll speak of myself. If, if you didn't like me when I was 30 years old or 32, or 30, you know, somewhere around there, if you, if you knew me then and did not like me, well, I, I may have changed some and maybe some things now I'm more reasonable or, 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 or better to deal with certain things, maybe worse with other things, whatever. In general, if you really disliked me when I was 30 years old, you're not going to like me now. You won't. Okay, so you could have texted us at any time here, 775-372-8355. For the 916, can I phone in about a hot California-Nevada gun control issue? Um, Maybe later. Not really right now. Okay, I think Chinese maniac trying to call in. I, I, I can't get to this Venetian topic. It's just dragging forever here. But uh, is this Chinese maniac? Hey, what's happening? So, what, what would you like to contribute here? I was going to say one thing about the Micon thing. Um, like uh, a lot of people have always speculated that maybe he blew a lot of his money on like. Um, lawyers and you know all that stuff are just living and then maybe not having seals without knowing what he's doing but let's just say that would be true that that is true leading up to last year like he was such a a crypto visionary wouldn't you think that he would have been in on pretty much all these altcoins that exploded last year well, it depends which ones. It, it depends depending on how much you put in them. You know, he may have. It, it's it's all. These are things we can't guess at. You know, we can guess, but we 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 can't know. And it depends how much he had left to even do it. So, and and you know, by the way, like he always was a big degenerate gambler. He called himself king of all degenerates, and he has been seen in casinos over the years. Not not the last two years or so, but uh, he's been seen in casinos in semi recent years. Yeah, you know, playing fairly high stakes, negative expectation pit games. So, and that's going to eat you up. Now, if, if you have many millions of dollars and you, you lose a few hundred thousand, it doesn't matter. But I'm saying that there, there was gambling going on, negative EV gambling going on. And, you know, there, there could have been expenditures going on. There, there could be a lot of things going on. And, and, you know, he could have bought in, as far as the altcoins, who knows how much he put in them. He, or he could have backed the wrong ones. Or he, he could have got into them when... But my, my point is that they all exploded last year like every single altcoin exploded into december anyone that held like any altcoin at all that got in early on them would have stood to make uh, a, a ton of money unless they just held them through the new year but he was tweeting like everybody's gonna get wrecked right in the new year in crypto which probably means that he probably 
didn't hold on to as much stuff as some other people that got wrecked. Right. I, well, I would assume. Well, so, right, he, he said that, right. I, I brought this up that at the end of 2017, he said the public's going to get wrecked in 2018. And he referred to both Bitcoin and things like Ripple, like the, the more popular altcoins. And, and so I'm thinking, well, that's kind of an odd position to take. If you're, if you're this like big crypto guy who's, who's, who's thinking, hold on crypto for, for eternity, then why is he, if the public's going to get wrecked, that means he thinks it's going to go down, then why isn't he selling right now? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, well, that, that could sound like something that someone would say if they don't have anything. If you, if you have nothing, then it's easy to say, oh, it's going to go down. You kind of hope it does because then you feel better about not having any anymore. So that, that's what I well, kind of took like from seems like he was pretty keen on that the top of the market had hit and, you know, bad things were going to happen. And they did. A lot of people did get wrecked and a lot of people lost a lot of money this year on that stuff. Well, yes. So, but, but the question is, you know, what, what position was he in when he said that? Was he, uh, was he in a position where he didn't have much? And so he was thinking like, okay, I don't have much and I'm not going to invest back in it because, uh, I'm going to, I think I'm going to lose money, which was a correct, it was a correct, a correct, prediction so far but right uh, i see that uh, just too much unknowns I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm, I'm insisting that he doesn't have much money because i'm not i'm not insisting that I, i'm just saying that i think it's a mistake to insist he does i think i think everyone should say we don't know it could be anything there's one other thing too when bitcoin spiked to like eight or nine thousand or something for the first time last year i think it was in that range it might have been a little bit more sometime in like november bitcoin cash which is Pretty much like that guy, Roger Varen, some of those other big Bitcoin guys pretty much knew that that pump was going to happen on Bitcoin cash. And it pumped from like $500 to like $3,000 in the span of a day. Now, that's something, too. A lot of people that knew knew that that was going to happen stood to make a ton of money. So considering that he's on private jets with these guys, that would be a situation where if he knew about that, then he would have stood to make a ton of money. Yes, that's, that's, that's possible if he had the money to invest in it in the first place. But, yes, there's a lot of different ways this could have gone. So, I mean, these are good points you're bringing up, and there's a lot of ways it could have gone. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying everybody's got to keep the open mind that uh, a lot of times there's stuff you can't see which isn't positive. That you may not even think of. 100%. That, that would, uh, that would make someone in a much worse situation than you would picture them. In fact, there, there's this phenomenon I talked about it on the forum. It's called the, the 10 foot Russian. This is a Cold War term. It's not even used that much, but it was used a lot in the defense community in the 80s. And that is that, uh, in, in the 80s when, you know, there's the Cold War with Russia, a lot of people, even those in government, uh, wrongfully assumed that Everything Russia was doing that we couldn't see and didn't know about was better than what we were doing. That, that everything they did was correct. That they their spies were so good they knew everything that was happening in the U.S. that was worth knowing. That uh, that they had better technology, better weapons. They were doing better with their nuclear arsenal. Everything we couldn't know for sure. Everything we could only see like a little bit into. But there's a lot of unknown. Everything was imagined that they're super efficient, super competent. They're just crushing us. And if we only knew what they, you know, what they were doing, we, we would be freaking out. Well, that wasn't true. It turned out that they were, all they were doing is uh, like trying to spend so much money that they didn't really have to keep up with the U.S. in, in the arms race that they basically bankrupted the USSR and the whole thing collapsed in 91. And then it kind of came out that <laughs> the way the Cold War was won by, was by simply, uh, letting them spend themselves into oblivion. 
and and all these assumptions about you know how superior they must be with everything because we can't see it was was untrue. And at a much smaller scale, this happens on social media where you see you see like an old friend of yours you don't talk much to anymore. You have as a Facebook friend, you you, you see their posts, their family, and you know they they look so happy. The kids look great. Uh, the family looks like they're doing fun, great activities all the time, taking very nice vacations in beautiful places. It looks like the couple's so happy and loving. And then you look at your life and go, look at all these flaws I have here. You know, I'm having some issues with with, with my spouse or my girlfriend. Uh, my, my 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 kids are having some trouble in school. And you used to think, shit, I wish I had a life like theirs. I, I wish this. I wish I could be like like this guy. Then you find out that they're getting a divorce. That their, their their kids are getting in trouble all the time. And you go, wait a minute! It, it happens a lot in po- it happens a lot in poker too. A lot of people who a lot of the TV guys, let's say, through the poker boom, a lot of people thought those guys were super rich, and ninety percent of them were broke. Right. That's another great example. Yes. You just you just uh, you fill in the blanks in your head. With the very best possible situation for them, even if you don't like them, you somehow just do it. You just you you fill it in your head, and then you sometimes will get jealous of the image that you have created for them. And often you're just filling in. It, I think it's human nature of the unknown with with someone else's situation. You just always seem to fill it in with the best possible scenario, and you don't think as many thing. You don't think as much about the the possible pitfalls that they might be happening in their life. So I think this is what's going on to some degree with Mike on is everyone's, you know, they're thinking of all the different ways he could be super rich and they're not thinking as much of the different ways that he may not be. And he may have really blown a lot of chances. So I, I don't know, but, it, but maybe, maybe he got it together. Maybe he, you know, a lot of things came together, right. And, uh, and, and he's doing extremely well. And he's just making sure to be quiet about it because he doesn't want to get the government's attention possible too. So, okay. I want to, I want to move on, but thanks. Thanks for the input on this, uh, China. Okay. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Good night. Okay. Now we're really going to move on. <laughs> this this wasn't even a scheduled topic. Jeez. Trader Risk, you still awake? I'm anxiously awaiting the Venetian topic. Okay. Oh my god. No, but all that stuff was good. But yeah. uh, anyway. oh my gosh, for people just, who know, just go right to a draft. Don't go into any tangent. I'm just not going to take any phone calls. There's, there's no phone calls. No nothing. Fortunately, uh, I feel. More energetic this week than I have in previous weeks. Like, like sometimes I come to re- like last week. Boy, was I tired, and at the end I was exhausted. Like sometimes I come into radio, go, oh, I can't believe I got to do like this long show. Uh, this week I actually came in with energy, so like I'm not even like close to tired yet. But uh, let's let's move on here to the Venetian topic. In the chat room, uh, I am Greek says I saw Mike on playing slots during his probation. Yeah, a lot of people did. All right. Uh, so the the Venetian here. Let's see if there's any more updates here before I continue with this topic. Looking at uh, Fox Five Vegas. Yeah, so this is uh, Anthony Robel, W-R-O-B-E-L, who was a poker player, by the way. Go go look at his hand in mob. He actually uh, has cashed in some World Series events, including in 2017. So you he may have been at your table if you played some of these lower buy-in World Series events. And I mean bracelet events, not like satellites or anything, I mean, or, or deep stack events. I mean, I'm talking about, like, World Series of Poker bracelet events, like the Colossus, I think, or the Goliath or something. Anyway... He he played poker sometimes, 
he may have been at your table. Not, he's not a very memorable looking guy. He's just kind of yeah, very like typical looking early forties white guy. But Anthony Robel, who was a dealer in the pits at uh, the Venetian. In fact, I, you can even see pictures of him in his uniform there. Uh, he walked up to a picnic table at a Venetian company picnic at a park in Las Vegas. And he shot one woman and he shot a man there. Both were employees of the Venetian. One was an executive there. One was a uh, like a table game supervisor. The woman was the executive. And uh, then he walked away. This was not a random shooting. He knew they were having this picnic. He wanted to specifically kill these two people. So this was a targeted shooting. That, that, this was not a mass shooting. This wasn't like when just some guy shows up uh, with a gun at a mall or a school and just starts indiscriminately shooting. He, this was not indiscriminate shooting. He went there to murder these two people that he obviously felt he had to kind of gripe with from work. Okay? Uh, there were other people at the picnic table. He didn't even try to shoot them. So he, he was after these two people, killed one. Uh, the other was in critical condition. I'm not sure where that stands right now. Obviously a, a very uh, tragic story, a very terrible story. And this is what someone who worked with him said, a Venetian employee who uh, wanted to remain anonymous because he's scared, what you want, because this guy hasn't been found yet. So this person was afraid, like, what if Anthony goes and finds him? He said, Tony was the person, we were reflecting on it, he's just like, what everyone was saying about the Parkland shooter, that's the guy who shot at the school in Florida, uh, we all knew he was crazy. It wasn't a matter of if he would, it was when. And this is a female who was saying it. She, she, now, she was not at the picnic, but she said, my first thought was like, oh my God, this is like horrible, but I hate to say it, no one was surprised that he did it because he literally complained about management every single day. Uh, she, the, the dealers, we used to make 30000 or more per year. And he felt like with all the decisions that management made, upper management, that that was the reason why we no longer made the money we made. And he's not making thirty thousand per year, thirty thousand more per year. So he uh, he was mad that the money they were making declined. Now, for those of you who don't understand how dealers get paid, you may say, "Wait a minute, how did that happen? Did they get cut their pay?" Well, not really. The compensation model for dealers in Vegas is very flawed, in my opinion. And I've said this for years. They get paid a base salary of minimum wage. But they make far, far more than minimum wage, especially at the big strip hotels. That is because they are paid in tips, and a lot of tips come in because just about every pit gambler has been browbeat into believing that they are supposed to tip and tip well when they win. I've always had a problem with that belief because you are playing, unless you're an advantage player, you are playing negative expectation games. So even if you, you hit it, you have a nice day or you hit some kind of jackpot or whatever, uh, I, I feel you shouldn't be expected to tip because all you're doing is winning back money that you had previously lost. And you're still probably way down lifetime to the casino. You'd have to win like a massive jackpot to be up lifetime in the casino unless you're engaging in advantage play. That, that's a fact. That's a mathematical fact. Now, if you've barely played, yeah, sure, you could be anything. But if you play regularly and you're not engaging in advantage play, then you are losing money to the casino lifetime. You are, and if you don't think so, you're denying it. So, you're in denial, that is. So, uh, 
I, I've, we discussed this last week on the show. When, when someone hits something like, like a big hand or they, uh, they win a lot of money in one shoe or whatever, uh, there's an expectation that they should tip a lot. And I say, no, they, it all evens out. And you don't see the dealer tipping you when you lose. So, nevertheless, everybody tips. And what I, the way I feel it should be, by the way, they should just come up with a fair salary for dealers, maybe much more than minimum wage. Shouldn't be minimum wage, but they should come up with something fair. What what dealers are really worth compared to the job they're doing, and I really mean something fair, not too much money, not too little money, but something fair. I don't know what that number would be, but something fair, okay? And just pay that salary, and and kind of either abolish tipping or or make it clear that that's not expected of the, of the customer. That that's what I feel is right. So I, I'm not saying dealers shouldn't make a living. I'm not saying they should make minimum wage. I'm just saying that, that this tipping thing, putting the the burden on the customer who's already losing money at the casino to pay to basically pay most of the salary of the pit employees, which they are, I, I think is wrong on the part of the casino. And that's uh, I felt that for a long time. And the, the way this came to be is because people started tipping dealers just kind of for luck, and then the casinos noticed this and like, oh, okay, well they will just let that be most of their salary. <laughs> They're making so much on tips, we don't have to pay them anything but minimum wage. And that's the way it is. So. The problem that's been happening here is that, you know, so the dealers of the big strip casinos were making more and more and more as the years were going on. And, and like around 2008, dealers were making like 100K a year at the big strip casinos, which was big money for, for just dealing cards. That is more money than they're worth, to be honest. Uh, there's people with very skilled jobs that they went many years to school for that don't make 100K a year, especially in 2008 money. And here the dealers were. Uh, but then Vegas had its downturn and uh, people stopped gambling as much. Now Vegas is uh, it, it's re- rebounding. It's doing much better than it was 10 years ago. But uh, a lot of that is not from gaming. We've discussed before that gaming is being replaced every year in Vegas with other revenue sources. Whereas it used to be pretty much the only revenue source in Vegas. Now, now it's uh, not even half the revenue sources for most of these properties. So that means less for the dealers because that means there's just less gambling. And also they've been redistributing the tips because these are pooled tips where you tip a dealer, the dealer isn't just pocketed. The dealer has to put it in a big pool and they split it split it up. And what's happening is they're splitting it more and more with, with floor men, with, uh, with other employees they didn't used to split it before. So that's probably what this guy was pissed off about. That, that first of all, and he was probably, I don't know how long he's been dealing, but he's been there a long time, and he was probably around back in 2008. Maybe not, I don't know if he's at the Venetian since 08, but he was probably around back then and, and making the, the 100K a year. So he's he probably has been watching the money he was taking home going down every year, and he blamed this on management. Maybe he didn't realize they really were making less money on gambling. But also he's probably seeing it divvied up to more people than it used to be, and he was getting pissed. That he, I don't have that for sure, but the, uh, it says, again, the statement, the dealers, we used to make 30000 more per year, and he felt like with all the decisions management made, upper management, that that was the reason we were no longer making the money we made. Now, keep in mind, this guy wasn't just greedy and, and, and money-grubbing. This guy had financial problems. This guy declared bankruptcy, claimed he was $300,000 in debt. And... When someone is in financial desperation, they can sometimes change for the worse. I talked about how people don't change as they get older, and I noted that sometimes they do change for the worse because some life circumstance kind of throws them into disarray and changes them into doing things that they're incapable of. Now, 
most people are sane enough to where no matter how bad their financial situation or life situation gets, uh, they don't commit murder. They don't even seriously consider it. I'm not talking about like a, a quick thought in your head of, oh, you know, I, I wish I could kill this person or, yeah, I, I mean, actually like strongly considering doing it. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you no matter how broke I got and no matter how much I blamed management of some company I worked for, for being partially responsible for that, I, I could never just go kill someone for that. I couldn't. And, and, I'd have to think just about every listener to this show probably would never do that either. At least I hope not. And for those of you that would, uh, please never meet me. (laughs) But uh, this guy, for years, he was constantly saying management's awful and ranting about it. And people are thinking, wow, this guy's kind of unstable. You know, I wonder if one day he's going to take this out on them. And sure enough, he did. Now, I'm not sure if he got fired or suspended. But uh, he wasn't working there at the moment, either fired or suspended. And how long was he there, Draft? That's not clear, though. He was there for years. I know that. Okay. And uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find. And just because he couldn't have been ranting like too out of control, because you think they would have got taken care of this a long time ago. I think he was just like mentioning to coworkers of uh, you know it's probably yeah. frequently like not crazily, but just kind of like he seemed obsessed with the topic, and they probably said to themselves, "Wow, you know, like um, th- this guy really hates management. I hope he never he does anything stupid." So I don't think he ever said, "Oh, I'm going to kill management one day," or, or you know, or, "I'm going to do something crazy one." Day. I think he was just kind of saying, "Management is so." Awful! Like, look how little we're making these days. Remember what we used to make? It's all their fault. Like, I, I could see him ranting. Like, and probably the people are like, "Yeah, like probably part of them agreed with him that management sucked because of this, because they were taking home less money." But they probably didn't feel as strongly as he did, and felt that he was obsessed with the topic. So, uh, so, so when s- casino management gets shot, they're like, "Okay, well, yeah." From this guy, it kind of makes sense. We're not even that shocked that he was the one who have done to have done it. I think is what that person's saying. Uh, now, the weird thing is he has not been caught. The weird thing is uh, he's still at large. And they found his car at McCarran Airport. And they're not releasing if they have any other information regarding uh, whether, uh, you know, what that means. You know, did he take a flight somewhere? Did he... Uh, leave the airport in some way, just park the car there as a decoy and get out of there. Uh, but that's something he, this is probably planned to some degree. I don't think he just like found out about the picnic at the last minute and went down with a gun. I think, I think he knew that picnic was taking place and decided that's going to be where he does it because it's the easiest place to do it and get away with it. You do it inside the casino. You've got to, you've got to get out with security there and it's a lot harder to just, you know, take off uh, to go into a park where no one's suspecting it, shoot and then get out of there. Disappear before the police can show up, and then uh, you know, park at the airport and abandon the car, or, or maybe take a flight that he already had. Uh, you know, maybe he timed it perfectly to where he'd show up at the airport and get on the plane, and by the time he'd land, they wouldn't catch up to him. But I, I, I don't think he took the flight because uh, I think that would have been released by now. Like let's say, let's say he took a flight to to Kansas City. I'm just making that up, okay? Actually, I'm not just making it up. I'm, I'm, I'm making. I'm saying Kansas City because that's where Jay Searles lives, and I'm hoping he 
goes there and encounters Jay Searles after, you know, coolering me like that. But uh, let's say he went to Kansas City. I, I think they'd be putting out alerts that he took a flight to Kansas City, watch out in Kansas City for him. I don't think they'd be all secretive about that. So I, I think really he just parked his car and they don't know what the hell happened. And either he uh, he probably just ditched it and is hiding somewhere. Uh, maybe he, he bought some other car and, and drove off with it. Maybe he figured out kind of where the cameras are in the parking lot. Maybe he parked the car uh, outside of where the cameras were. Maybe he walked out of the airport or maybe he, he Ubered out of the airport or whatever it was and you know got out of there somehow and, and picked up a car he parked on the street somewhere where there's no, no cameras and drove off. You know, maybe he bought some crappy car off Craigslist for $800 cash. And uh, no one has record of it. It could have been something like that. Uh, but they they don't know where he is. And they're very concerned. They consider him armed and dangerous. Now, truthfully, I don't think anyone else is in danger except for maybe the police trying to apprehend him. Because, uh, again, this was not a spree killer. This is not a serial killer. This is someone who could have murdered more than two people. And just chose to shoot those two people and leave. I'm not not giving him credit. I'm saying that that type of person really believes that uh, they have justification to murder the people that they were going after, but nobody else. Whereas like a spree killer, a terrorist, uh, a serial killer, they just kill indiscriminately. They will just kill for the sake of killing. This guy I, I would only see... Is killing someone if he felt he had to, like maybe he's going to get caught if he doesn't kill them. So, yes, if you see him somewhere, you know, if you try to apprehend him yourself, there's the chance he'd shoot you. But I, I don't think he's just going to walk around and start killing people. Anyway, uh, the, on heavy.com, they have a copy of his bankruptcy. And he, uh, you know what's funny? The, the, the licensed picture of him must be old because he looks younger there. He looks younger than 42 in that picture. But he doesn't actually look younger than 42. Not, I see other pictures of him in his dealer outfit and he has like gray hair and he, he looks like a guy in his 40s. Like in one of the pictures he actually looks older than 42. So the driver's license picture must be old. That one with the blue background. And it's believable because uh, they'll sometimes let you go with the same picture for a long-ass time but just keep renewing your license. Uh, like I know he has a Nevada license, but I had a California license. I got in in uh, 1995 when I just turned 23, and I was allowed to keep that same picture through when I would be 37. And boy, did I look different at 37 than than at 23. Now I didn't keep it till 37 because I moved to Nevada and I got a license there. But I, I had I not done that, I would have kept that same picture through through 37. And in fact, um. Prior to getting my Nevada license, when I was in my mid-30s, early to mid-30s, when I showed my license from California, where I was just turning 23, people would like do a double take. Like I get pulled over, the officer would like, kind of look, is that you? And they'd look, they'd look again more carefully. Like, oh, okay. Like a, it, it was, you know, they'd see someone who kind of looked like a kid there, and then they see a guy in his 30s, it doesn't make sense. So I don't know why they keep distributing the older picture of him, because he looks somewhat different now. Like with the gray hair, but uh, he seems to have put planning into getting away, and I think the car being parked at the airport was on purpose. I think he wanted it found. I think he wanted it assumed that 
he somehow took a flight out of the area. It's possible also he obtained some sort of fraudulent identification and flew somewhere on that fraudulent identification. But I think that would have been found by now. I'm sure they've been going over that. And I'm sure they would have gone over security footage and, and found that, you know, whether he had boarded a flight or not. So I, I think he just took off in a car somewhere and they're kind of embarrassed to admit that he outsmarted them, that he, uh, his getaway plan was successful and he just drove off and now he could be anywhere. Because once, once you get in, that, in a car that's not registered to you and you just drive off and you make sure to f- carefully follow all traffic laws and not get pulled over, you can drive a long way without being detected if they don't know what to look for. So I, I think eventually he'll get caught. He can't run forever. But definitely he wanted to get away. If he wanted to just end it after this, he would have just shot himself. Or even if he didn't have the guts to shoot himself, you know, he could have committed what's known as suicide by cop, where he just approaches the police holding a gun and won't put it down, and eventually they shoot him. So he definitely wanted to get away. I don't know. I don't know what his his game plan after that was to be. Like I don't know where, what he thought he's going to do with his life after murdering two people, even if he only successfully murdered one. You commit murder like that, and and everyone's looking for you. Like I don't I don't know what he was expecting was going to happen after that. I don't think. Yeah, did he really believe he just go somewhere else and live under an alias and not be found? It's, it's going to happen eventually. But I, I think, if anything, I mean, yes, it's a tragic story that this happened of a murder from coworkers. And the woman who was killed, as I said, she was a, a VP of uh, some sort of gaming there. Uh, let me see, let me see what her exact title was. It was some sort of VP of gaming. And I, I assume that the two people he killed were the ones he, he blamed most for uh, his situation. Maybe for, I don't know if it's for his firing or suspension or just the, the decline in pay, but he definitely felt these two people needed to die and was mad at them personally. So uh, let me get to the yeah. Where is this here? I'm looking for the... I had it, the, the story of the woman who was killed here. Um, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. The tweet was deleted that I had previously referenced uh, regarding the woman who was killed with a picture of her. That's really weird. News 3 Las Vegas removed that tweet and her picture. No idea why. But it says that friends identify woman killed a Venetian company picnic as Sands VP of Casino Operations. I was told she was VP of Gaming, but yeah, similar. And uh, they named her before. Now they're not naming her in this article. It's really weird they would name her and show her picture and then retract that. I would. That's so. Can you imagine Trader Ruski? Why would they have done that? Do you have any idea? I mean, maybe her family requested it. Maybe they couldn't get a hold of everybody. I don't know. 
Yeah, they're Maybe offering. They don't want copycats shooting people at the same level at other hotels. Yeah, weird. <laughs> but it must be somewhere, though, right, Truff? Wouldn't it be like in one of the forums? Or well, I, I just found. Uh, I think I just found it again. Let me see. Yeah, her name is Mia Banks, fifty-four-year-old vice president of casino operations. I found in a Review Journal article. So I don't know why that was removed from News Three Las Vegas. That's really weird. They tweet that. Put it in their article and then remove both, <laughs> but, but that happened. That's really mysterious. But the review journal has it, and uh, yeah, I, I can't figure that out. But that's who it is, Mia Banks, and the the other person is, has now been identified, but uh, presumably he's still alive. And uh, they're offering fifty thousand dollar reward for information. To apprehend him, which is uh, interesting. They're, they're really, <laughs> they really want to get this guy, understandably. But I, I think that he has left the area. I can't see him still hanging around in Vegas. I mean, it's possible he just parked the car and is go is holed up somewhere. But in Vegas, it's it's of course the biggest story of anywhere. So you know, how long can you hide within Vegas without someone recognizing you at this point? So I, I think he, I think the car was parked there as a, a decoy. And he he ditched out in a different car. Uh, anyway, the uh, oh by the way, he also said he was well known in the Las Vegas baseball community, where he coached teams uh, for his children. I didn't know he had children. This, this is in this article. And uh, it says update April seventeenth that. Uh, it's talking about uh, Mia Banks. She's one of our founding team members. Yeah, she. This is what I was told about Mia Banks, by the way. It doesn't say this in the article, but that she started as a blackjack dealer there and moved up the ranks to become this vice president there. It's a very sad story. She's been there for 19 years. She had been there for 19 years, going from blackjack dealer all the way up to a, a VP of gaming, and uh, and then gets murdered by this guy. So that's uh, that's very bad. And he also said that uh, this is what a guy said who witnessed the aftermath of the shooting, who was at the park. He said. I see a second unit pull up with its sirens and lights on, walks up to the entrance and gets in. Then you see three or four metro units pull up. They were doing chest compressions on somebody for five or ten minutes. The second individual they put into a stretcher, they're still doing compressions on them, and they took them away. That was presumably the second person who uh, was shot, the male who's in critical condition, who I've gotten information was uh, like a table gaming supervisor. Not as high as the woman who was killed. Caller, you're on the air. Is this the 2005 World Series of Poker Player of the Year, Todd Gandruff, would tell us that I'm speaking with? Yes. I, I, I forget that sometimes. <laughs> I actually forget sometimes that I actually was the 2005 card player, not the ESPN one, unfortunately. I would have gotten like a truck for that. But the, the card player, uh, 2005. I under, the, way, the way I understand it, Mr. Wittellis, you – did very well in the first two World Series of Poker tournaments that you ever played in. Yes, I did. I did, and uh, for being the card player, World Series of Poker player of the year 2005, they gave me a huge prize of... Zero point zero. That's really what I got. Alan Cunningham got a truck. I got zero. So, uh, yeah, that was the first two events I played. I got third in the first one I played, and I got first in the second one I played, and... I think that may be a record that stands forever. Nobody 
has ever done better than that in their first two World Series tournaments that they ever played. So that's a, that was a record that was set then. It's a record that has not been broken. Some people erroneously believe that Jeff Madsen broke that the next year. While he did have a better year than I did, uh, you know, the next year he got two-thirds and two-firsts, but he did not do better in his first two tournaments played than I did. That's, now, that's, while, that, while that is a very impressive record, I think I might have you beat. How? Because today I play the first ever Poker Fraud Alert free roll that I've ever entered. And I finished in the first tournament ever in first place mm. and qualified for all of that free money from your amazing sponsor. And I appreciate uh, What's the gentleman's name? That's Eric Benzamokin, among the others who donated. But, but hold on. Who are you? Stay, tell the public who you uh, are. Th- oh, <laughs> this is Joey Yeah, the, uh, the previous long texter and the winner of this week's Poker Fraud Alert Free Row. Oh, very, congratulations. You get the $175. And he, he actually told me he's going to call in Joey Yeah. So I, was, I knew who it was when he called in, but uh, I didn't know you won the free I roll. Did. That's, that's I, it was very fortunate that I found you. Actually, I had a Tinder date earlier, and she just left. And I managed to, because you like to do, because uh, you're a very long-winded individual, I had the chance to still talk to you, and I'm very happy about that. And you didn't have me on during the date, right? Uh, well, it, it's interesting. I had the free roll on, and that actually interrupted the date because I was constantly looking down to fold my hands <laughs> until I suddenly realized I was at the final table, and then I introduced it into the date. And luckily, she was uh, a girl who was into mathematics, so she kind of understood as I... But, but wait a minute. Uh, I, I, I don't understand this part. Before the final table, like... How are you integrating the? How are you playing a free roll on a Tinder date, and why? So what I uh, I do all my Tinder dates directly to the house, and she came over to the house at about midnight after she got off work, and we were drinking mimosas, um, and I have a projector set up where we were watching music videos, and under the table that had the computer connected to the projector, I had this monitor, and every so often after I asked her a question and she began to extrapolate on her answers, I would look down and fold or raise. I, I, for the entirety of the tournament before the final table, I only folded or went all in. So it was very, um, very one to zero kind of computer. It's a kind of way that you would appreciate being someone who's so into the, the nerdy uh, computer uh, science-y I see. I see. So, so and I guess when you're, you've got a Tinder date there, that's what you had to do. You can't really think much. So you got to do just the all under fold strategy. But it worked. I mean, you won the tournament. That is. It did, and I, in fact, won the tournament, so I'm going to be starting a poker coaching website where I teach people to play just like me. Great. Okay. So about how old are you? But jo- it's so interesting. Jo- Joey, uh, I'm 26. You're 26. Okay. You're one of the younger listeners. Okay. I'm 26. I, I've actually called in before to your previous uh, podcast with uh, our Bitcoin friend. Yeah, I remember and, that. But I believe you were off the website at that point. No, no. I, I, I was on when you called. I remember the name Joe. Yeah, it's kind of a... Memorable name. I, I do. Interesting. I, so I remember. I don't remember the topic of the call, but I remember a Joe Yeah calling in uh, while I was on the show. You may have also called after I was gone, but uh, okay. So you're, you're 26. And you had the Tinder date, and so so did the date go well overall? Uh, it did. It did. It was actually the second date that I had today. I, I, I kind of staggered my date, and I managed to listen to a bit of the radio in the meantime. But that wow. is not the reason that I'm calling you. In fact. Um, the transition, the reason I was talking about computer programming and the ones and the zeros is because it, it, it relates much more to the topic that I'd like to talk to you about, which is I know that you um, are a very good limit hold'em player. Both of the World Series of Poker tournaments that you did so well in back in 2005 were limit poker tournaments. Yes. 
And yes. it, Limit Poker, of course, was before No Limit Hold'em Poker became popular. It was the game of choice. Yeah, it was. Yes. Um, I know I have a question for you. Were you ever uh, involved with the IRC, Internet Relay, chat, poker games? Was no. that something that you No, I wasn't. On? No, I never got into that. In fact, I never was into the, the rec gambling poker community much either. I was a little bit there, but I wasn't that much into it, so... Uh, really, I, I showed up in early 2001, very early 2001, and I was one of the, I played like about a month at brick and mortar casinos, and then I went online and started playing there too, in February of 01. And that, that's, that's how far I go back. So it was before the poker boom. So what site was it that you first, uh, that you first deposited money into? I, I, it was Planet Poker, where I first deposited money. Sure. Okay. And Planet Poker, of course, was the first poker site that actually offered real money poker, where you could deposit with your credit card and you could actually... Yes. Now, it was different than the IRC channel, which is more like a chat room. The That was the first one that had... I actually was just looking at images of it earlier. You had poker tables... You had when you made a raise, chips actually moved from your stack into the center. Yes, so it was the wasn't, first time it actually felt like you were playing poker. Right, right, and it, it was not too different from the sites that you see today. So it's not, uh, yeah, a little more primitive, but it was a, it, it was pretty similar to what you see today on sites like Bovada, America's Card Room. So uh, that was, yes, that was the real first uh, modern online poker site that uh, kind of set the stage for the rest of them, or at least the first one that was of uh, any consequence. I don't know if there was one before that, but uh, so, by the way, t- tell people, you know, for the, tell the people the reason you were asking these questions. You told me before in PM why you're going to call in about this, but tell, tell them why you're calling and asking me these, uh, these type of questions. Absolutely. So I'm actually a law student here at a law school in the South, and one of the classes that I had the opportunity to take um, involved, intern- involved gaming. And I noticed on the syllabus that one chapter involved Internet gambling. And I really um, kind of ran with that subject matter. And the, the, the only assignment that we have to do in this entire class is writing one paper. And I waited to the last minute to construct this paper, but I'm now starting it. And the paper is about um, the ways that a person in today could start an online poker site. And the way that I'm going about answering that question is by looking at a history of the different online poker sites, the reasons that they failed, and the lessons that can be learned from each of those poker sites that were ultimately unsuccessful. Okay, well, there, I mean, there's a lot of different sites that uh, that started and failed. Uh, which ones do you want to know in particular? Well, I mean, you, you started on the site that I think is so critical because, as you've mentioned, so many of the innovations, uh, Planet Poker, I don't, I'm not sure people understand, especially the younger generation of poker players like myself, they don't understand that there wasn't, it was a blank canvas. And the creators of, uh, first of all, do you know who, who started Planet Poker? I don't know who started it. I know that the, uh, the two-site pros were Mike Caro and Roy Cook, and they were the ones who were promoting it a lot. And that, 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 hel- that, is, that actually really helped it to become uh, what it did. Now, if you guys want to read an interesting piece on the early days of online poker, it's got a few errors in it, which I think have been corrected, some of them, but uh, uh, Nolan Dalla was very involved in all that stuff. If you go to his blog, which is at nolandala.com, you can find his uh, several-part uh, stories about uh, his involvement in the early days of online poker. 
And uh, I know uh, Mike O'Malley made some corrections, and I, I made some corrections, but uh, he, he got most of it right. I guess just Nolan's brain over time just uh, morphed some things. But uh, it was a very interesting series of articles, and I, I recommend reading them. But uh, Planet Poker, it really was an innovator in in this, and they really were the first uh, online poker site that uh, people played on for real money. And, and they really were the model. And the, Now, they didn't have tournaments. It was only cash games. So the, the tournaments came later. That was more of a, a poker stars innovation. But uh, now, as I understand it, you needed an entire full table for the table to run. If there was one person missing, at least at the beginning, the table would not run. Is uh, that, is that I, I didn't experience that, but I wasn't on, around in the early days of Planet Poker. I came after it had been around for two years or so. So uh, that was not the case. So there. you were actually there. Uh, sorry to interrupt. You were actually there after the, the controversy about the. Um, someone had figured out their random number generator. You, no, you actually, I, no, I was, the, I, I, well, you know, I, oh, hold on, I'm trying, I'm trying to think. Um, I don't know because I found out about that later. Yeah, I think, I think I was there after that, but the, the, the that was interesting itself. If someone, if someone cracked the random number generator, but rather than cheat it for money, they, they chose to reveal it to Planet Poker and didn't exploit it, which was very honest of them. But, uh, what I actually find more interesting than that story is why Planet Poker failed. And most people don't know this. In fact, Nolan Dalla didn't know it, and I, I had to tell him this. Most people don't know why Planet Poker failed. And it was it, it happened very abruptly. Uh, at the time it failed, they really only had one competitor, and that was Paradise Poker. Now, Paradise Poker had grown pretty big. They were, they were doing better than Planet at the time, but Planet was still a strong number two. And Planet completely fell off the radar because of one gigantic mistake and that was they pushed a bad update of planet poker to the users you know you, you go on there it updates the software it restarts and then it would get stuck so everybody got that update and then nobody could connect it would just say connecting forever and i i dealt with this for a few days and I go, wow this is down for a long time oh boy i bet they took my money well no they didn't what happened is they pushed a bad update that broke the software so badly that you couldn't even update it anymore because you couldn't reach the server anymore to know it needed an update. So the only way to get around this was to completely uninstall the software and go to their website, download the software that was up there, and then you could play again. Was this impossible? No, but nobody knew. And for reasons I will never figure out, they did not email their customer base to inform them to do this. I had to figure this out on my own. So I figured it out on my own, and there was like almost nobody there, because very few people had figured it out, and that killed them. Now, what was the what was the logistics of signing up for that website? Did you input an email? Did they did they have yes. a list of oh, all yeah. their, their just users? Like, yeah, just like today. I don't know what happened. I have no idea why they did not inform people. It was just very mismanaged, and uh, people have moved on. People moved on and uh, just – I don't know what people did who couldn't – you know, had money on there, but I think maybe people just assumed that they were down and that, that was that. But it, it never recovered. It, it, it existed for a while, but it never recovered. It was pretty much a ghost town after that. Everybody moved to Paradise, and Paradise was the dominant one. Then a true poker sprung up, and that was an interesting sight. Let, let me interrupt you let, let me interrupt you for just one second. I have a couple of questions about Paradise Poker, if I might. Yeah. Did you Did you ever withdraw money from Paradise Poker? Yes. Or I'm sorry, Planet Poker. Yes, did I you did. ever withdraw money? Yes, from I did. That? Yes. How was how was that handled? Believe it or not, they would put the money was back that a check on your sent to you. No, they put it back on your credit card as a refund. 
even if you was more than you deposited, which is weird, but they did. Very interesting. Yeah. They okay. stopped that so eventually. It's true that, that people deposited via credit card and that yes. – because I'm pointing out the issue because that was the, the – the uh, at least the the common story for the reason why Dutch Boyd's poker site failed poker um poker spot poker, um, yeah poker spot po- right the reason uh, allegedly the reason that that failed was because of a, an an error or an issue with the use of credit card deposits there, there was a he had a shady payment processor that that's yeah something happened and they uh, they ran off with all the money and uh, and basically Dutch just Shrugged his shoulders. Oh well, <laughs> like I believe. I don't think Dutch stole any money. I really thought that I, I really he really did get screwed by this. But at the same time, I was never very happy with the fact that he never wanted to repay anybody. He just kind of said, "Oh well, that's what happens. Tough luck on everybody. That you know, it wasn't my fault. The, the processor stole our money. Uh, we're broke now. Sorry, sites down. Goodbye." Uh, the right thing to have done would have been to say, "Okay, well, I'm broke personally." And the site is done because uh, they stole all the money. But if I ever make that money back myself, I'm going to make it right for people. And, and he, he hasn't done that even when he's had money. So for that, he's wrong. But I will say that he, he was not scamming anyone. He didn't gain from this. Uh, he didn't do this on purpose. This was done by his pay- shady payment processor. And, and you needed a shady payment processor at the time. You can't even say, well, why didn't he use a better one? It was, they, they were all shady because they were all breaking the law. So uh, th- that's – you know. Well, that's an interesting point because even after that point – you were still able to use a credit card. So are you just saying that the the payment processor that um, Planet Poker was using was just a more reliable one? Yes. Yes. Okay. And you say when he was breaking the law, are, are you talking about the Wire Act when you say that? No, the Wire Act didn't – well, yeah, the, yes, the Wire Act, that did exist. But it, it was of questionable legality then, shall I say. And uh, then it was made much more clear in 2006 with the UIGEA that got passed. That's what made it very clear that you can't you can't do things like this. Before that, it was of questionable legality where uh, it was kind of assumed it was illegal, but there was, it was hard specifically to point to what it was other than the Wire Act, which was written before the Internet existed. So uh, you, you were still taking a chance. There was no legitimate company who was going to process these payments at the time. Uh, PayPal did it for a little bit. Idea- but- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. PayPal did it for a little bit in 2001, but they quickly rescinded that. So I, I recently read something that said that in 1998, the the total amount of gambling revenue that was cre- that was created was, was something like 380 million dollars, and that is the the year that Planet Poker launched. So I imagine that they had a very very small. Um, amount of that revenue for themselves. Do you, do you have any idea the amount that they were making? No. I mean, I imagine, I believe they had a, a $5 max rake uh, or a 5% max rake up to $3. Yeah, I don't remember that part. Yeah, something, I, yeah, something like that up to $3. Yeah, it was a, yeah, they weren't, I mean, they, they made some money. It was not, uh, not like what big poker stars or party poker became in the pro, in the poker boom. Uh, it wasn't a dead site, though. I mean, it, while it was active, it was doing fairly well. I don't know what kind of money it was making, but it was it was doing pretty decently. That's why it just boggles my mind how they just blew it so badly in in the middle of one, and th- and that was that. So, uh, well, in fact, they were making enough money to entice competitors to to risk themselves entering into the market, and and uh, Paradise Poker and and all the other sites that started after them. They they were coming after. That same yes. money that yes. Planet Poker was making at the time. Now I read something. I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but it was an interview conducted with the the person who played the first ever hand 
of limit poker. It was a three, six limit game. It was heads up between this gentleman who I think identified himself as send it. And he was playing against a gentleman from Albany, New York. And they played a three, six limit. And it was the first ever hand of poker played. Yeah. I don't know. And, about that. And he would gave an article that's available online. And what he said, and the question I have for you is at that time, back when planet poker was the only site, he made a comment that other players were interested in creating other websites. And he gave an estimate of $200,000, which was his prediction or estimate. I'm not sure where he got the figure, but he said that that would be the amount of money that it would cost to start your own poker site. And I assume that he's excluding um, advertising costs. Do you, do you have any idea if that number has any validity? No, it doesn't sound right to me. It sounds like he much more than that. Um, but but may, it, I mean, it depends, okay? It depends what kind of uh, server capacity you, you, you need. Like It depends if you just want to build it to be small and then have to expand or um, you know, it depends on a lot of things, what, what kind of quality uh, as far as uh, security you have, uh, this, the software, you know, how you're getting that. There's a lot of variables there that go into this. It, it doesn't sound to me like that someone could just build like what was going to be Party Poker or Poker Stars for 200000 That's not possible. That was uh, would have been much more expensive than that. But um, I don't know. People were not as knowledgeable about that back then as they thought they were. Now, in 2001, when you started playing on, on uh, Planet Poker, was it just the 3-6 game, or at that point had they expanded? to? Oh, no, they, they had all the way up to 2040 Limit Hold'em. Uh, I was not ready to play that sort of limit. I just started playing poker. But uh, they had all the way up to 2040, and I played the 3-6 and then later 5-10 and then a little 10-20, not much of 1020. And then I, I remember when I moved over to True Poker in the summer of that year, and I started playing 1020, which was really the only game that ran there at at, at a like I didn't I wanted to play 510, but it didn't really run, and I didn't want to play 36. It's kind of too small for me at that point. So I played 1020, which is a little bit big for me at that point, especially online, which moves that plays bigger. And I remember thinking, wow, 1020. And then when I won like like 1200 dollars the first day I played, I'm like oh my god, 1200 dollars! I went playing poker, like I couldn't believe it. So uh, that so they you know two thousand one it wasn't uncommon to have those limits the up to twenty forty paradise at twenty forty then the first limit hold'em game I saw above twenty forty was at Poker Stars which is thirty sixty and that was in 03. may have may have shown up in o two but I didn't get there until o three. How did the games? back in 2001 online compared to the games that you played in person at a, at a relative same stake? Um, that's a good question. The, they were harder, for sure. Um, this was before the poker boom, so most of the people who played had a clue. Uh, so, so a 3-6 game online, you, ha- you had a lot better players in 3-6 live. Who were, those were really recreational players who didn't know what they were doing. Uh, but, but online... Those that had found it by that point generally knew what they were doing. They weren't necessarily great players, but these were not easy games. Uh, in 03, of course, thanks to the poker room brought on by the televised poker and by Chris Moneymaker winning, uh, then you had a lot of people showing up online who were just awful, and then you didn't even have to be very good to, to win. And that, that, in fact, misled a lot of people in those days that they could make a living playing poker when they were just simply playing in games with awful players and that the second those players were gone, they were not going to survive. And that's what happened to many people. So what was the cause of you switching 
from planet poker over to true poker? Well, I just was it an issue of more people? Yeah, well, yeah, it was, games, yeah, it was better it, features. Yeah, I told you it was a ghost town. It was after that bug they had. It was a ghost town. And then I, I went to True Poker, and as I've said before on this show, and, and by the way, since we're still stuck in 2001 here in this call, I hate to tell you, but we're going to have to move on to another segment. This is a, I'll be happy to talk to you more about this privately later, but if you want to complete your paper, but uh, I've got to move on with the show. But but to, True, oh, po- sure, not a problem. True Poker was interesting because uh, that was like a social poker site. It was uh, that was the first site where it was. You could chat on the other ones, but this one, the chat would actually appear on top of your avatar, and it was like a 3D sort of uh, view of the table. That's what they call the true poker. You're supposed to feel like you're really in a casino, and you actually watch the players picking up their cards. In fact, if you were, if you forgot the cards you had, you would have to pick them up again, and that would be a tell. So, like, if there's four diamonds on the board. Oh, that is, that's very interesting. Yeah, if there's four diamonds on the board and you, you, you pick up your hand, then it could be showing people that you're checking to see if you have a diamond. Of course, you could introduce false tells by doing that. Uh, so th- there was that factor. And uh, you'd actually watch the button moving around the table. In fact, when the dealer would burn a card, he would actually physically burn it. He would actually light it on fire. So it was, it was a pretty cool site, oh. and, and everybody would chat, and it was a very social site. Unfortunately, it was also very slow for this reason, and you could, they would not let you multi-table because they had an obsession with making it like real life where you can't multi-table. So that, 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 those are some of the reasons it fell out of favor. Uh, but it was such a social site that actually people were meeting on there like, 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 and had like romantic relationships off this site. You know, males and females were meeting off of there, and, uh, and then go, you know, talking on the site, and you know, eventually taking it to talking off the site and meeting in person. Even I did. Even I met a girl off there, and and uh, the the only girl I ever had sex with from a, a poker site in my life was from True Poker back in '01. So, uh, do is every girl that you ever had sex with came from online? I know you no, told the story no. a couple no, weeks uh, ago uh, about the the Facebook. A the, lot of uh, them have been a lot the of women them that you met. No, no, the, no. The, the girl I'm with currently, I did reconnect with her online, but this was someone I knew back in college from uh, back in the early 90s. So that that way, I don't consider that one online. That was just reconnecting with someone online I already knew. Uh, but yes, I. I the, but had it not been for Facebook, it never would have happened. Yeah, but 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 more along these lines, yes, a lot of girls that I, I've been with in my life, I've met online or over the phone in some way, and that I just kind of like the way I preferred to do it and. Uh, uh, to be honest, like, I haven't been single in a long time. But if if, if I was single today, I, w- I probably wouldn't use Tinder. It kind of just wouldn't really be my thing. I, I kind of like I kind of like talking to them and and that whole thing and and, and building from there. I didn't uh, Tinder's just kind of too abrupt for me. It's just kind of just uh, there's not enough. Uh, it's too shallow for my taste. Well, that's an interesting transition point. I don't know if this was the next topic on the schedule, but were you aware that C- Craigslist ads? Or no more. Well, yeah. You should, well, done, done, done. There yeah. are not personal ads on Craigslist anymore. That well, yeah. is not an option. Yes, we talk, we had a big segment of this in the last show. You can go back to the archives and, and listen. But uh, but it's 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 in response to the changes in the law. But I've I've said before that Craigslist and the other sites like this, it is their fault for letting this happen because they they closed their eyes on purpose to a lot of bad things that were happening on these sites. I'm not talking about just guys hiring prostitutes where nobody gets hurt. I'm talking about scams, upcharges, uh, uh, robberies, uh, sex trafficking, 
underage uh, underage sex trafficking, a lot of bad stuff that was happening. And the sites were aware of this, and they, they didn't attempt to get rid of it. In fact, in some in many cases, these sites wanted this stuff. That's what made the money. And and they and whenever something bad would happen, then they're told they go, "What? We had no idea. Oh well, okay. We'll we'll watch out for this." And it was such it was such it was so disingenuous, and they were they they cared so little about the harm that their sites were causing, and and hiding behind, "Well, look, we're just the provider." And when you do that for long, I'm just as surprised it went as long as it did before the hammer finally started to come down. And uh, so to these sites that that either voluntarily took their ads down like Craigslist or ones that got busted like Backpage, I say had they acted more responsibly for all these years, then this probably wouldn't have happened. It was the industry's fault for tur- turning an intentional blind eye to some very bad things that were riding along with prostitution. So anyway, uh, Joe, yeah, you know, thank you for calling in. I'll be glad to talk to you more sometime like off- offline about this. And uh, uh, I, I, to be honest, I don't know how much interest the listener has in all these old stories. And some are going to find it interesting. That's why I let this go on for some time. But uh, um, I, I, I assume that your audience will be very interested in it. But I don't mean to disrupt you. Go ahead and move on to the next story. I'm not sure if I can add anything to it. But uh, actually, I wasn't paying attention to uh, the schedule today. But but go ahead and proceed, and, and I will uh, – I'll hang up if I don't have anything to contribute. Yeah, again, if you have any further questions, you can ask me and whatever. We, I could even talk to you on the phone privately about this and, and finish. So you can you know, do your paper and everything. Like I, you know, it, I, I'd be willing to do that. I'm just saying that uh, for the show, I, th- I think we spent some time. I've got a lot of topics left to cover still. So, uh, sure. Well, what is the next topic? That is a fine question. Let me take a look here. Is the Trader Risky? Are you still awake? I'm still I believe Trader Risky was. He's still here. Trader yeah. Risky, you were at my table for a moment. I, I saw you. You you played very well. You like the min rays. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> I tried to mix it up. Yeah, oh, that's, oh, you take it down, right? Oh, yeah. You know what? The min rays has gotten very popular. I was out, I've been out for a while. I didn't stay too long. I, I, will, I, will, I will defend the min rays by saying that when I played the main event, which I know is a different type of tournament than the, the free roll here, so a much slower structure, but at the main event of the World Series of Poker, boy, was there a lot of min-raising from a lot of very good players. I'm not saying fish were min-raising. I'm saying a lot of very good players were doing nothing but min-raising. That's It's become very – as the years have passed here, the standard raise in no-limit hold'em tournaments has gone down, down, down. And the, the thinking here is that it, it, it keeps things small unless they want it to get big. They, they don't commit themselves too much to the pot to where they can't fold at that point. So it keeps everything smaller. It makes the whole thing play deeper, which favors the better players. That's why they do that. So, uh, of course, it's different on a tournament that has a lot faster structure, which this is much faster than the World Series of Poker main event. It's not going to take uh, – it, it didn't take eight days to crown uh, Joe Yeah the winner here, fortunately. So, anyway, Joe Yeah, uh, thank you for calling in. And uh, just one question about the two dates from Tinder. I'm kind of fascinated by that. Uh, uh what 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 would have happened if the first date worked out so well that that you didn't want to leave her? What would you have done about the second one? So I, I didn't actually I um, exchanged numbers with the second girl, but I didn't actually um, schedule the date, which I usually do over the phone, until the first date uh, ended up kind of pittering out. I see. And then I had already I had already um, gotten the number, and then I just immediately called at that point and set up 
an additional date. You know, I don't think I've ever done it's that. It's a very interesting. Yeah. It's an issue with, with, with younger girls today. They're very flaky in the way they go about doing things. Um, so if you're, if you're someone like me who has a very busy schedule and you're trying to devote just a certain amount of time to have a date night, it really is important to try and have as many options and try and stagger your dates. See, that's that's, see, that's what I can't do. A couple do. of weeks ago. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go on. Go on. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had um, where actually one girl was at my complex waiting to meet, but I had already uh, talking to another girl that I found a little more attractive. That and like I an believe ap- that the second girl actually walked by the first girl on the way to my apartment. <laughs> and uh, that sounds like an episode of Three's Company. So, so what did you do with the first girl? Like, like you just left her standing there? I just, I, uh, yes, I just ghosted her, and I, and I believe she uh, was mad. <laughs> Although I just, I recently apologized today, a couple of weeks later, and said I, I made up some excuse. Uh, I can't but, believe she uh, would take the apology at that point, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to work out with her, but it's uh, it uh, it works out in the moment. But so see, I'll I'm tell you why happy. why I I couldn't. I never liked this kind of numbers game where you just keep meeting people cold and and with and just try to go from there. I like to approach these things with like high odds of success. So, um, when I would meet girls online in whatever way or over the phone or whatever way before meeting in person, I'd usually put and yes, it would take some time, but I put a few hours into talking to them only if it, the the conversation was working out. Like if it, if it seemed like we we didn't click, I would end it quickly. But if it seemed to be working out at least somewhat on the phone, uh, I, I would talk to them for a few hours and, and then they'd get to really like me and they'd get emotionally invested in the whole thing, even just in those few hours. And then that emotional investment would then translate to meeting in person where at that point I had a very big edge for things to work out because they already really liked my personality from the phone. And as long as I didn't screw up in person, uh, then things tend to go very well. And that's the, the, so, so I didn't have to worry about like, like them being flaky or, 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 or meeting and them not liking me. Like, yeah, it happened occasionally, but, but, but the, my batting average was extremely high for that reason. And, and I wasn't being like manipulative. I didn't lie to them. I didn't pretend I wanted something I didn't. So like I, I was, I was honest, but I, at the same time, I, I understood there was a lot of value to them, like, like feeling there was a connection to, to me before we even, even met, which uh, wasn't even that much of a time commitment. So. Uh, so that's, that's the way I would do it. And that's why Tinder, like, I wouldn't want to just like meet, 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 meet and hope one of these works out. That just, that'd be unnerving to me. I wouldn't like it. Well, okay. I, I imagine that you mentioned that you're in a, in a committed relationship at the moment. Was it 15 or 20 years ago, 10 years ago when you're, when you had these interactions that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, kind of about 10, not 15. I mean, yes, 15 also, but like the last one was about nine years ago. I mean, I guess the counter argument is today um, girls and everyone in my generation, and especially younger, they, they have very short attention spans. Um, so while I, I certainly understand having a long phone conversation, um, in my case, it's a little bit more abbreviated. Um, on an, an application like Tinder, it might be two or three questions uh, before you get to the number, and then after the number, you might do two or three texts, and then a short phone call, maybe a 10-minute phone call is enough to assess. Yeah. Whether that, that whether there's that interest to assess that, um, to develop your personality and make you more than just a number on a page. But I think if you were to have a phone call, if you if you were a younger man or you were interested in younger women today, I think the the two hour phone call. I'm not sure if that would still be the best way to go about it. Well, maybe maybe it's even, good that was the high consistency yeah, strategy. Maybe I, it's good I was born when I was. Okay, so well, isn't that true for us all? Well, not not sure. There's some people I know that uh, that kind of were born in the wrong generation, like where they would have been much better off if they were born earlier or later. But uh, I I actually think that I wouldn't have been. I actually think that 
it was probably in some ways it isn't, but in, in most ways I think it was best off kind of that I was born when I was. Kind of a few years here and there would be okay, but like I, I, I think I probably uh, fit in better with with those days than than I would have today as a young person. So anyway, uh, thank you for calling in, and uh, as you say, if, if it's something else you would like, like to know or if you want to continue this conversation, uh, I can have it with you privately. Off, off. You know, I do, I do have, I do have just one or two questions that I think would actually be very interesting to the audience. Okay, if I may. go go ahead. It involves. It involves um, at the time that MyCon started Seals with Clubs or, or was somehow involved with Seals with Clubs. That was when you were still associated with them. No, no, I was not, actually. That's that's interesting you bring that oh, okay. up. But I, I had wondered what I would have done at the time because I was uncomfortable. Like I would have been very uncomfortable legally with him kind of connecting Seals with Donkdown. And uh, I don't know what I would have done. Um uh, we never got there because we had had our falling out before he started SEALs. Or not sorry, he didn't start it, before he joined in with SEALs. Because I, if that would have happened, I imagine there would have been, as you're kind of alluding to, an opportunity where you might have been able to invest some money and get involved with it. No, I wouldn't have, though. Have I, I would have been scared a, of the legal repercussions of that. Yes, especially being a father already. and I, 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 I would not want to take any chance that I would have been arrested for something like that and gone away for years. Like I, I, I couldn't have that. That it would have been awful, so I, I could not do something like that. And, and Todd, I don't mean to jump around the schedule a little bit. Have you talked about the interview that that Mike recently yes. did with? Yeah, uh, we, we we talked about this writer? way too long. Yes. <laughs> okay, that that must have been the uh, during the, uh, the the fun of the Tinder date, and I'll have to listen back to that part, I suppose. Yep. So uh, anyway, thank you for calling in, and we're going to move on to our uh, discussion of Liv Bory. That'll be the next topic. Oh, she is a beautiful, beautiful girl. Okay, well, we're going to actually be talking about her uh, her love of Annie Duke, which isn't very beautiful. <laughs> so, oh, she's a little less beautiful in my personal opinion. Yes, yes. Okay, well, thank you for calling in. Thank you, sir. Good night, That's Joe. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I remembered him from calling into Doc Down. I didn't know he was still around. I thought he was just got one of these guys listened back then and disappeared. You, you never know. You never know who's still here after all this time. Sometimes I doubt myself. Sometimes I think, you know, maybe it's just, maybe the people listening are just the ones that I, I actively hear from. Maybe it's like very few people listening. And then, no, there's like constantly people coming out of the woodwork I'd never heard from before that had listened for the last several years and just never said anything to me. Okay, so I talk about the Live Bore tweets that have gotten some people very angry. And uh, most people are on the same side I'm on. This is not going to be one of these times that I come out with a controversial opinion that will piss everybody off. This will be one of those times that whether you're conservative or liberal or, liberal or uh, whether you have uh, one type of life view or another, you will probably agree with my assessment here because uh, most of the poker world does. Most of us are kind of on in one mind about this. So one person who does not agree is Liv Bory. And that's why a lot of people were surprised by what she tweeted. So let me get to this uh, thing with, with Liv Bory. Let's see if I can find it. I had it up before and it disappeared. Yeah, okay. I guess I have to search it out on her Twitter. Uh, 
I should have this ready. Should have had this ready. So I'm on our Twitter. Let's go over to this whole thing. It's about Annie Duke. Okay, so this is this is what kicked it all off. This was on uh, on April seventeenth, which is just uh, about a day ago. She tweeted the following. This got people really angry. Quote, when we make a decision, we are making a bet against all future versions of ourselves that we are not choosing. Love this quote from Annie Duke's new book, Thinking in Bets. If you enjoy reading about rationality, I highly recommend it. Oh, my God, Liv. How could you write such a thing? How? So she, she's promoting Annie Duke's book. Called Thinking in Bets, which I, I, I knew was released. But people got very angry that even if you like what Annie wrote there, how, how can you be recommending her book to poker players, to fellow poker players who've gotten screwed by Annie not once but twice? And, and also she's just very unpleasant to everybody. But... So here's some responses she got. Scott Seaver, a guy I don't think very much of. He's never done anything personally to me. Uh, when I've played with him uh, at the World Series, one of the times he was kind of a jerk. Not, not to me directly, but just kind of a jerk at the table, kind of arrogant, kind of obnoxious. Uh, I, I see Scott Seaver as just one of the many uh, limousine liberals of poker. Hip, hip, hypocritical in many ways. Uh ran extremely well in major tournaments and then at the same time whines about how unlucky he is, which I hate. Like, you know, I understand being unhappy about bad beats. I, I've complained about bad beats before too, but I've... Uh, to have the type of tournament success that Scott Seaver has had where he's gotten the you know, perfect situation come down at the exact right time at the final table and then to complain later when you take some bad beats, it's just very off-putting. So there's many things about Scott Seaver I don't care for. He's not an awful person, but I, I just don't care for his personality. Uh, I think he's kind of a jerk. But uh, I have to give him credit for uh, his response to this one. He wrote, How are you going to promote this con woman and thief who defrauded people of millions of dollars, has shown no remorse, and has never suffered any consequence for her actions? Well put. Well said, Scott. For once, I like a Scott Seaver tweet. Very well said. So Liv Bory responded. Because in this order, A, the book is really good, and I believe it is a net positive for the world if people read it. Come on. Uh, B, I've heard both sides of the story, unlike everyone else, which all due respect, Scott, you haven't. <laughs> oh, oh. So Liv Bory saying there's more to the story. I'm not sure which story. She's referring to Epic Poker, I believe. But uh, there's more to the story. Once you hear the real Annie Duke story, you're going to like her. You're going to like her. You're going to go, oh, we misjudged her. Oh, it, it, it wasn't Annie's fault. People are treating her unfairly. She's got both sides live, and she's made a, a judgment in Annie's favor. The rest of us, we're just hearing the propaganda, the anti-Annie Duke propaganda. And the book is so good, Liv says. Yeah, why not promote it? 
It's a net positive for the world if, the, if people read it. It's so important that people read Annie Duke's book that uh, we have to forget what type of person she is and that uh, we shouldn't be promoting it and helping her sell more books. We have to put that aside because that book is so good for humanity. I mean, this is insane. How, how could you make such arguments? Is Liv, like, off her rocker? I mean, this is, this is nuts. I, I think she's just... I, I think she took a liking to Annie Duke for whatever reason. And now is uh, married to the conclusion she's come to. And married to her original tweet, and she doesn't want to say, yeah, I was stupid, I shouldn't have tweeted that out. I know Annie's been a piece of shit to so many people in poker, so yeah. The, probably shouldn't have put that. No, she, she's just doubling down here. Saying, you guys just don't understand. Annie's okay. Justin Bonomo, another guy I'd never agree with. This is what he said. I'm trying to think what the other side of the story could be. When presented with massive evidence that there was clearly systemic cheating on UB, she swore up and down there was none. Best scenario is gross negligence. Again, great point. I mean, it's so weird reading these tweets for Scott Seaver and Justin Bonomo and just going, yeah, yeah, they're totally right. They're they're totally being rational and uh, making sense and bringing up the logical viewpoints. And and, uh, like, I, I can't believe it. Like I read these tweets and I go, yeah, this this guy seems right on. Like I can't imagine ever disagreeing with him. That's that's what I when I read these tweets. That's what I think. I I, I almost forget who I'm reading it from. Weird. So then I was kind of brought into this a little bit. Uh, Steve Ruddock, known as Stevo on Poker Fraud Alert, who's a poker journalist, he mentioned uh, on an old Donk Down radio podcast that's probably lost forever, I recall her saying Epic Poker League had financing for multiple years. That was before the first event, and then he, you know, he tweeted it to me. Well, unfortunately, that interview was something I wasn't part of. I was out of Donk Down by that point. It was in 2011. I was gone by that point. That interview was also a terrible interview. No offense to Brandon, by the way. Brandon, uh, I don't know if he's listening. He said he's going to come around at midnight. Uh, Brandon was part of that show. Uh, to be fair, Mikeon was really the one doing the interview. But that was a terrible interview. I remember hearing this. Let me guys, let me tell you guys the truth here, okay? When I left Donk Down, uh, Mikeon was telling everybody who would listen that I basically dragged down Neverwin Poker and Donk Down for many years. That the only reason it didn't blow up bigger than it was is because of me. I, I held it down. I held it back. And that now that I was gone, they were going to reach their full potential. Well, the potential they reached was Donked Down was a ghost town within about you know, six months. But I was concerned, what if I leave and it really does improve? I didn't think it would happen. I, I was going over in my head that it's just going to kind of fall apart without me. But uh, I thought, hey, you know, what if what if it does improve? What if I misjudge this? What if uh, what if everyone says radio is better with me, with me gone? What if everyone says uh, the forum is better with me gone? Wouldn't that suck? Wouldn't that suck all the time I put into these things and then it turns out uh, I was making them worse all that time? And then I would hear radio and I'd think, you know, I'm not very impressed. I actually think that the radio is not very good anymore without me there. Which is funny because with, like, with all three of us together, the, the radio was great. 
and, and yet you took me away, and it, it kind of ruined the whole thing. And I thought, oh, cool, okay, it's good. I'm I'm glad to. And people, it wasn't just my opinion. Like people were saying that that uh, with me gone from the radio, it just wasn't the same anymore. And even people who didn't like me much on radio, even the people who thought I was like their third favorite host of the three, were complaining that it just changed with me gone and it was no good anymore. But never was that more apparent than when this happened when they had the Annie Duke interview. And Mikeon just basically spent the whole interview kissing her ass. And maybe someone can come up with it. I, I don't know where it would be, but maybe Belly Buster has it. But uh, very little was asked of Annie Duke that was a tough question or critical. So yeah, you know, she was asked about the Epic Poker League funding and, and how she expects it to succeed and what the business model was. But but when she trouted, she, she trotted out bullshit, then she wasn't called on it. Where if I was on there, I would have said no, no. Like I I would have totally pointed out the major holes. In her story. And I, and I would have asked about the UB stuff. But even if you want to say that she would have only agreed to come on if I didn't bring up the UB stuff. And we accepted that. Which we, you know, I wasn't part of it, so I didn't accept that. But, but let's say, let's say we did. Uh, definitely the Epic Poker League, which hadn't started yet, so it, it's not like it had failed yet. It wasn't a sore topic yet. Uh, definitely I would have had the ability to ask critical questions there and not ex- accept BS and, and, you know, come back with, uh, very uh, doubtful responses to her answers. But that was missing from that interview. And people interpreted it to be just an ass-kissing fest. And that was kind of the point when people decided that Dockdown Radio had jumped the shark. That it was not worth listening to anymore. Because people were were hoping with Annie, you know, Mikeon had bashed Annie all the time prior to this, so there's, you know, they were hoping that she'd come on there and Mikeon would rip her a new one. Because he was he was skeptical about the, about the epic poker league. He wasn't fooled by it, you know. He was he wasn't dumb. He knew what it was. It was a fail. He knew that uh, it hadn't started yet, but he knew the the whole plan was flawed. But he was afraid to say so. But someone wrote a blog that. So that uh, Kev Math found. Someone wrote a blog after hearing her on that show. And they wrote up a little you know, summary of it. It was actually a, a pretty generous summary for Mycon, where it, it made it look more like he was questioning than he actually was. And I heard that interview. I remember hearing it, and what I said to my girlfriend at the time was, that was an awful, awful interview. <laughs> I said, this show is never going to survive without me if this is the way it is. That, that's what I said to you. I wasn't being arrogant there. I just like, wow, this is, this is terrible. This is a terrible interview is what I said. And, and, and that was before I saw the feedback others gave. Others thought the same thing. Anyway, so it's coming back now all these years later, seven years later, because this stuff came out about any, you know, it was brought up about Annie Duke by Liv Boree. And about the Epic Poker League, if you guys remember, it was a business model that made no sense. They had this million-dollar free roll that they promised if, if for those that finished in the top 27 in points from that league, uh, a free roll that never took place, and they just stiffed everyone out of a million dollars collectively. And uh, the profit model made no sense. They were, cl- you know, People were asking, where is your revenue source? Where are you going to make money? Because they were, yes, it was on TV, but they were buying time on TV for a lot of money to broadcast the Epic Poker League. 
So people were looking at the expenses here, and it just – there was no way they were going to bring in that type of money. They they had no reliable re- revenue stream, yet they had a very reliable cost structure that was high. So it just looked like it was going to hemorrhage money, and it did, and it, it was broke very quickly. And yet Annie Duke and Jeffrey Pollock, who were the heads of it, they were they paid themselves like 300 thousand dollars a year each. So they, they walked away with plenty of money from this, and the players got stiffed out of a million dollars. Annie Duke never apologized, never took any fault. But it was summarized in that interview with, with Mikon at the time, and uh, basically she was saying, well, yeah, I, we're, we're planning to lose at the beginning. We're, we're building long-term brand recognition. And I, I think their business plan was something like, we're initially going to buy TV time. We're initially going to take a loss, but eventually it becomes such a huge thing. We won't have to buy the TV time anymore. It'll be given to us, and we'll sell we'll sell a lot of uh, ads, and it'll just take off. So we we had to spend money to make money. We had to spend money to get recognized, take a loss at the beginning, and then things will take care of themselves. That, that that was the ridiculous business model they had in mind, and it didn't come close to working. And keep in mind, this is 2011 when the, the poker was was very much on the decline as far as. Uh, interest of poker on TV. By then, most poker programs had vanished from television. So this isn't even like in 2006 when anything poker would do well. So the Epic Poker League was the Epic Fail Poker League. So I don't know if that's the story that she told. Uh, like, I don't know if she told the story about Epic Poker League to uh, live or if she made excuses about UB. But let me tell you the truth about UB. She was an owner of UB, as was Phil Helmuth. And when the cheating scandal went down, I don't believe Annie cheated. I don't believe Annie knew about the cheating. I don't believe Phil cheated. I don't believe Phil knew about the cheating. But when it was clear that this occurred, they did not want to know about it. They did not want to know about it. They did not want to discuss it. They wanted to remain as willfully ignorant as possible so they could remain faces of the site and they could remain owners of the site in good conscience, not just so much their own good conscience, but the good conscience uh, as far as the way the public would view them. So there would not be questions, how could he remain on here as the face of the site or as owners of the site, even though they weren't public about being owners, but they did not want to have to answer these questions. So they just buried their heads in the sand and pretended like they didn't know or that what information they knew, that it was a lot better than people were were, uh, saying on the Internet. And that was the attitude they took. Annie knew very well that all this had happened. She knew very well that there were very shady people she was in business with. She knew very well that they were likely to rip people off as far as the refunds were concerned. She didn't want to know about it. She didn't want to think about it. She did not bail out of the company until a few months before Black Friday. So she was there for Another two and a half years after the, more than two and a half years after the cheating was discovered. Anytime people brought up to Annie Duke about how UB was not only, you know, not only was the cheating that went all the way to the top, not only did that happen, but the cover up afterwards, she did not want to hear about it. Neither did Phil. They just wanted to quietly keep cashing those checks, those profit checks. Never once apologized. Remember, UB stole all the money, too. 
forget the cheating. They 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 stole all the money. When Black Friday came, they were broke. People finally got paid back uh, through the fund that Poker Stars paid, but that's that was nothing. UB did. UB stole all the money. Never an apology about that. Much like the Epic Poker League, you just walked away. Walked away. Tough luck on you. It's so funny these these limousine liberals like Annie Duke. Who can do this to the average person? They can just completely screw the average person, happily walk away from them, and and feel as long as they back the right causes, or if they're vegans or whatever they think is the the right and you know the right and uh, cool cause of the day to show you care. That's all you have to do. As long as you vote the right way and support the right causes, doesn't matter if you screw everyone in your personal life. You can feel good about yourself. I, I don't understand the hippie capitalists. I don't understand the, especially the dishonest hippie capitalist, the one who will screw everybody to make an extra dollar, but then they claim to care about the world and the average human being. You, you can't be both. Anyway, let's get back to this. I'm... Uh, Ranting about Annie Duke here. I'm sure you, you can tell which side I'm on about this thing. With uh, with Liv Worry and the those criticizing her. So uh, Scott Bell, who is known as Eleven Grover, he did that documentary about UB. He wrote this. He said, both sides, LOL, fraudsters do have a tendency to be charismatic. Also, living in a wealth bubble tends to make folks lose sight of what used to be clear lines in our society and which have now become mushy, quote, net positive for the world virtue signaling, shaking my head. That's a good point. Um, he's referring to Liv Boree, by the way, not Annie Duke, presumably, about the wealth bubble. That it makes them lose sight of what used to be clear lines in our society, which have now become mushy, net positive for the world, virtue signaling. So what he's saying here, if you don't understand that, is that when you're just very well off and you never have to worry about money and everybody you associate with is kind of the same way, you can sometimes forget what's really right and what's really wrong. And then in order to justify to yourself why you believe a certain way, because most people don't walk around believing they're evil. So you you always have to justify in your head of why what you're doing is right or what you're saying is right. So he's saying that, uh, you know, she's praising Annie Duke. People are coming back with, hey, why are you praising Annie Duke? Look at all the awful things she did to poker and people in poker. And then Liv, you know, Liv either at that point has to say, okay, yeah, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that or double down and, and make excuses. So when she says net positive for the world, uh, th- th- this is kind of like what an out of touch person who lives in a wealth bubble would say that, well, okay, yeah, she made some human mistakes, maybe, but I, you know, I, I heard both sides and, uh, and, and anyway, her book is so important. It, it, it's a net positive for the world. It, it helps the world. So that makes up for anything bad she did. No. <laughs> Besides, it's like a it was like a business book, you know. It's it's 
this thinking in bets, this is really supposed to be something like the, as far as what I know about it, it's supposed to be that, like about a decision-making process. So I don't see that's really going to help the world. But yeah, that's just nonsense to say things like that. Uh, Jason Mercier said, it's incredible she didn't get sued for that. Poker players are too lazy, referring to the epic poker million-dollar free roll. David Williams. David Williams, uh, the porn star, David Williams. Second-place finisher of the World Series, but also porn star. Also foot porn star. He uh, he stuck his foot into this discussion. Doubtful you could have sued her. Probably Epic Poker LLC and likely nothing to get if we won. Yes, I was in the top 27 like you. <laughs> He's probably right there. They protected themselves, I'm sure. Especially Jeffrey Pollock. He was such a snake. Stealth Monk saying, yeah, I thought that was the case. It's obvious she defrauded people, though. I know some people would like to see her in jail. Nobody probably started the process. Poker players are perfect marks. That's true, too. But it probably would have been difficult to take legal action. Ari Engel, listener to this show, excellent tournament poker player, fellow Jew. Have you heard the side of the large number of innocent? I'm only talking about non-pros. I know your your sponsor views pros as not deserving protection and respect, who only deposited on UB because Annie Duke and Phil Helmuth recommended it and ultimately got cheated and robbed. I say that all the time. I say that all the time. Look at, look at all the people who got screwed on UB, who lost their money there because they saw Annie Duke and Phil Helmuth were endorsing it. They said, okay, I'll play there. And they had no idea it was run by cheaters and fraudsters and scammers who stole their money. Scott Bell says, I'll do. We tried to get both sides, but instead we got dissembling and spin to rehabilitate people who took a zero-sum game to the ultimate and, in my opinion, out-of-bounds limits. So perhaps while you were given the other side, Ms. Duke never had the courage to face her accusers. Another good point. She's just getting owned here. <laughs> I mean, it's hard not to get owned here. Annie Duke was so wrong here, and anyone defending her or promoting her is deserving of this vitriol. Stealth Monk, please paraphrase, quote, the other side of epic, epic Poker. Liv, I need a good laugh. I assume you are talking about the UB, about UB, which is a lot of murky info, but Epic Poker was in the USA, so the brazen, scummy, quote, choices of this charlatan garbage human is public record. Good thing she's coaching now. Stealth Monk loves stuff like this. Yeah, Seriously Serious once called him the Debbie Downer of poker. He really is. This guy loves to be negative. You, you, you may think I like to be negative on the show. This guy takes it to a whole new level. This guy is, is constantly like depressed and pissed off and, and just, he loves being negative. So he's got to be loving this. Cause this is like justified negativity. This would be like somebody who likes, likes to fight, like physically fight. Like somebody who just like loves to brawl with people. Uh, you know, walks by and sees someone like trying to molest a child and then just like starts beating the guy. And you think this is so great because like I, I get to do a good thing for once when, I, when I'm fighting with someone. I, I get to have a fight where it's justified to beat someone's ass. Not just because I love fighting. 
Like, uh, that's how he's got to feel here. Like, the stealth monk actually gets to be negative and be justified in his negativity. Katie Stone says, what's the real story then? It must contain strong enough facts in her favor to put any back on po- uh, public poker approval. It, wh- why isn't she telling the story? Why Why isn't Annie coming out and saying, okay, everybody, you misunderstood all this time. Let me tell you what really happened. And more and more like, I'm not going to read it anymore, but more and more like that. I, well, sorry, one more here. This is for One Step. Tony Dunst. One of two poker players that One Step has uh, fantasized about the most. One of three. One Step has had a lot of fantasies about Tony Dunst, about Tom Dwan, and more recently, Fedor Holtz. So that would be the ultimate foursome for One Step. Sadly, I'm not kidding. Uh, Tony Dunst said, I assure you Annie is m- merely a huge failure and not a fraud. Now, who wants her book on quality decision making? <laughs> uh You know, Liv has gotten very arrogant recently that she doesn't even care anymore about her image that much. Like, she just says what she wants and doesn't give a crap if people get pissed off. So, this doesn't surprise me so much. You know what I regret? Because he probably wouldn't do it anymore, but Kevin McPhee used to be a regular listener of this show. He, he approached me in the real parking lot and told me so a few years ago. It wasn't like one of these things where I saw him and like put him under pressure to tell me if he listens or not. He actually approached me in the parking lot to tell me he listens to the show regularly and enjoys it. He dated Liv Boree, and he had a very bad ending with her and was really going off on her. I, I would have loved to have him on here to air that dirty laundry, and he would have done it. But now it's probably been too long. So. Even her uh, Twitter's kind of obnoxious. (laughs) It says, Liv Boree, physics creature, certainly uncertain, Team Poker Stars Pro, Mountain Goat. Come on. What, what does all that mean? Physics creature? Mountain goat? What the hell is she talking about? It's kind of like phony depth. Like, like You're supposed to read that and just think she's really clever and deep. Physics creature. And There's even this weird picture of her uh, holding a camel with a like space background, like you, like the stars and like the Milky Way galaxy in the background, like really clear. There's no way this is a real picture. Like I, they must have superimposed her holding this camel in front of that picture of space. It, it's just really weird and kind of pseudo deep and pretentious in a way. I don't know. I, I used to have no problem with Liv Boree, but I, I've I've thought less and less of her the more I've seen what she writes in social media and the way she behaves sometimes. But boy, is she tone deaf to be promoting Annie's book to poker players of all people. I mean, seriously. What is she doing? What is she doing promoting Annie Duke? 
if you like the book and you've, you've been brainwashed by Annie to believe that she's an okay person, keep your mouth shut about it. Then quietly like the book, maybe tell a few friends, but to tweet it out to, to other poker players. How, how can you not understand that after all your time in poker, Liv? I don't get that. Even Strasser too, Jason Strasser, who disappeared many years. He was once a, a big star of online tournament poker. He disappeared for a long time and then came back recently and won a tournament. He wrote, The worst people are ones who screw others for personal gain, make excuses instead of face their actions, and then give paid lectures on topics they don't know anything about. Boy, is that accurate. That's exactly what she's been doing, giving paid lectures on topics they don't know anything about. That's exactly what she's been doing. After ditching out on, on the various uh, rip-off scams that she associated herself with in poker. She just left everyone to pick up the pieces and moved on to coaching and book writing and paid speeches. Posturing is something she's not. Good job, Strassa, too. Jason Strasser. I, for one, am happy you're back. And by the way, I, I like Strasser too. I like I played with him at the 2007 $1,000 No Limit Hold'em with Rebuys, the one where they stole from the prize pool. They, meaning the World Series employees back then. And he made it very deep, too. I made it a little deeper than he did. But uh, I remember he introduced himself, and uh, yeah, he was very, very nice. And he was, yeah, back then he was a, a big deal in poker. He was like this online poker tournament god who's just like constantly winning online poker tournaments. So, as someone I thought was never coming back, I didn't know what happened to him. I just kind of assumed he went busto and disappeared. That, that may have been what happened, but I, I don't know. Uh, now he says that he is a CIO and co-founder of Caption Partners. And he, he even describes himself as washed up poker player. See, that's funny. See, that type of thing, unless the person's saying it to be ironic, like, he's putting it there because it's like semi-true. That he was once a big deal in poker and kind of just disappeared and then uh, went and did something else and uh, now he's kind of returned and he's, he's okay, I'm a washed up poker player. Like, that, that's someone who has some self-awareness and that's someone who's willing to laugh at himself. So that's the type of person I like. When you're trying to sound deep in your description about uh, the physics creature and mountain goat and the, this pretentious picture of you in, in front of uh, the Milky Way galaxy, yeah, it's just that's the type of person that turns me off. Seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two. Eight three five five. Uh, this is what uh, was said to me by someone who sent me a private message on Twitter. I don't know if they want to be identified or not, but they say Liv's tweet is structured very similarly to many other obviously sponsored tweets from other people when Annie's book first came out. Very interesting. Liv is on the same speaker circuit as Annie, so it makes sense they're exchanging favors. She's trying to carve out a niche. The decision-making speaker circuit. Tit for tat. Alrighty. So he, he believes this is actually like a business favor back and forth. And then obviously since there's some pushback, she, she had to defend it. 
that actually makes sense. I think I think you've got the answer there. The person who messages me, I, I like how our listeners will sometimes have this perspective that I hadn't thought of, or or, or just wasn't wasn't watching closely enough to have thought of it. But I think that's a very very good theory. That this is just promotion. I think if Calwatt was here, you may have. Calwatt loves to to think in terms of of paid promotion online. He's always on the lookout for that. He's he's just really really got the eagle eye for the advertorial online. And I'll tell you, even though I look for that too, I, I was kind of fooled here to just think that Liv was an idiot who just was kind of bamboozled by Annie and then just wanted to be nice and promote her. But this makes much more sense. That this is kind of like a, almost like a sponsored tweet and that uh, they exchange favors with one another to promote each other. Mm. Annie Duke is someone I would not want to exchange favors with of, of any kind. Trader Risk, are you still awake? I think we lost him. It's 1 a.m. I think we lost him. It's 1 a.m. and I just realized I didn't even know when this topic began. <laughs> I did not. I didn't note when this topic began, and I defined it. Okay, we shall move on. It's funny. I, I still feel feel energetic, but because there's no Calwatt this time, I've done a lot of talking here. I'm going to drop Trader Ruski if he wants to call back, and he can. If he's awake by some miracle. But my throat's starting to hurt a bit. Not like from being sick, just from talking so much. It's hard. It's trying to sit and talking for like hours and hours and hours at a time. You're going to start feeling it too. Okay, so moving along to another tragic story out of the Las Vegas area involving a death, most likely. A well-known sports handicapper from Vegas has disappeared on Mount Charleston. And if I had to guess, I would say he's probably dead. I hate being a pessimist like this, but I think it's likely in this case, given the amount of time that has passed, that he is likely dead. So here's here's what's happened. David Malinsky, who is uh, a well-known sports handicapper around Las Vegas, not a young man, he's 58 years old, went to the North Trail Loop of Mount Charleston at about 8 a.m. on Saturday the 14th of April. And he was alone. And he never came back. So he disappeared on Mount Charleston. He had been uh, providing daily breakdowns on the website Sportsbook Review. He had a radio spot regarding sports handicapping. 
the last time he was seen was at a trailhead on Deer Creek Road, which I've been on many times, at uh, 3.15 p.m. So even though he went over there at 8 a.m., uh, he was still there for, for quite some time. Now, you may say, well, why was he there so long? It's seven, seven and a quarter hours plus whenever he disappeared. He apparently was an avid hiker. And he would sometimes hike as far as 15 miles. And keep in mind, hiking is much slower than running. So it depends how fast he walked. But you know, let's say he was averaging uh, two miles an hour. That would still take well over seven hours. So investigators searched the North, North Loop Trail area in Mount Charleston, and they found his car near the trail. But they did not find him. <laughs> A commercial just tried to pop up with Doogie Hauser on it. I'm not even kidding. Some Cigna commercial. Th- thankfully, it didn't keep playing. It stopped immediately. Actually, you know what I have to thank for this? I think the new Chrome is doing its job. I, I just downloaded the beta uh, version 66 of Chrome, which supposedly like stops autoplay in a lot of cases. Not all the autoplay, but it stops a lot of them. So like, if you've been to a site you hadn't been to before or that you go to rarely, and either you like, haven't been there before or if you just never played video on the site or haven't been shown to interact with video on the site, it just won't autoplay sound. So this like briefly went on and went back off. I think I think Chrome stopped it. Thank you, Chrome. You finally got it right. So anyway, uh, he's been missing since the 14th. Well, it's just turned to the 19th right now. So he's been missing for four and a half days. It hasn't been that cold there, but. It does go into the 40s, which isn't horrible, but it's pretty cold. You know, the the 40s, if you're not covered up well, can be pretty cold. It builds up on you. It's not the same as walking out into 45-degree weather for 15 minutes. I'm talking about you're out the whole night in the 40s. Uh, but the thing is here, where is he? Why has he not made contact? Why Why hasn't he, why isn't he somewhere they could have found him? Even if he uh, broke his leg, for example, why, why is he not sitting on the trail somewhere with a broken leg? Why didn't they find that? Now, unfortunately, uh, it's been windy, so they they couldn't run drones over there because drones can't really fly in the wind. And helicopters uh, also were having trouble over there because of the wind. But then they started searching again, and they still didn't find him. So he's still missing. Car's there, he's not. So I, I, I'm not that familiar with this North Rim tra- North Loop Trail, but I believe he either like fell into a ravine and died, and just it's hard to see him. You know, could have finally landed under under a tree or something where you can't see very well from the air. Or uh, you know, could have had a heart attack and fallen off to the side where it's hard to see him. Something like that. It's even possible that uh, animals dragged his body somewhere after he died. Like he could have had a heart attack and died, and 
by the time they realized he was missing, uh, some animal moved him. But it's not likely he's alive anymore. I'm guessing he probably was not murdered. I'm guessing he was either an accident or like a heart attack. Something that just, some kind of health problem that hit him suddenly. I don't know if he had a cell phone. I don't know if there is cell phone service where he was hiking. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. But I do want to give a warning to people here who might like hiking and may not be as young as our caller earlier, Joe Yeah, who's only 26. If you're over 40 and you like hiking, especially if you're male, I strongly suggest that you go hiking with another person. So this way, if something happens, help can be found. This way, if something happens, people will know what happened to you. And maybe you can be saved. Males can actually get heart attacks out of nowhere after age 40. That is somewhat the difference in female and male life expectancy is that males get heart attacks earlier than females. It starts earlier in life. A 45-year-old male will have a heart attack with much more frequency than a 45-year-old female on average. When women get older, they catch up, but the, you have a lot more cases of a man just dying abruptly of a heart attack in their 40s or 50s than, than females. So, and also heart attacks will tend to happen most when you're exerting yourself. That's why you'll have people every year who die shoveling snow, who are typically not very active and after a big snowstorm go out and shovel snow. That's not what happened here. There wasn't much snow there, but I'm saying, he wouldn't be shoveling it. But I'm saying that Things like that. Simple things like shoveling snow. People have heart attacks because they're just not used to that activity. And their heart rate goes up and they uh, they have heart attacks. So when you are hiking or exercising in some way, especially if you're not used to doing it all the time. Now, he was used to it, but that doesn't mean it won't happen. It's more likely to happen doing that than when you're just sitting there. So hey, even if it's like long-term healthy for you, I'm just saying that you're chance of having a heart attack while doing it is, is higher than while not doing it. So it's very important to have someone with you if you are over 40 and hiking. So you won't just disappear like this. Even if you're under 40 and hiking, you know, you can still have accidents, you can still fall. You can even have something preventable, like like where you have fallen and, and just break your leg and you can't move anymore, but you're stuck off to the side and it's cold at night and you eventually freeze or dehydrate. And if someone was with you, then obviously this could have been prevented. They could have gotten help. So I imagine he'll eventually be found dead somewhere, which is sad. You know, he's only 58 years old. Uh, personally, I don't go hiking alone. For that reason. When I, when I go visit the cabin in Mount Charleston, I, well, the cabin I can drive to, but, like, there are hikes even in this area at my secret location here 
that I, I don't go on by myself for this reason. I just I think, what if something happens, I'll just be screwed. Uh, someone who I, I thought was screwed for the evening as far as the show is concerned is back. Calwatt, hello. What's going on, Drew? So, so what happened here? You, you're here at 4.16 in the morning? Yeah, I forgot to tell you, I was, um, I'm in New York City for a conference. And uh, I ended up just driving down because it it actually is more convenient for me to, to drive down than to fly because it's such a pain in the ass. Um, so, but I got up really early to come down. I, I got into the hotel room, had dinner with some guys that I know, and I just passed out. Okay. <laughs> I was going to text you. Well, I have to be up early today anyway, but I was going to text you, but I forgot. So sorry about that. Now you must yeah, be, I, I woke up earlier than I thought. Are, are you on your phone right now? You don't quite sound the same as usual. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm on my phone. I'm downloading Skype from on this new laptop, but okay. I don't even have it set up. So, all right, well, we'll we'll tolerate this here. So, yeah, that's uh, so you know this story here. I don't know if you've been listening, but this story actually got Mount Charleston into the mainstream news for the first time I've ever yeah, seen. Who is this guy? Is this some guy or is it someone he, in the he's, world? You know, he's he's a sports handicapper. So he was okay. he was known among the, the sports community, sports handicapping community in Vegas, and but really this put Mount Charleston on the map because he was notable enough to where even like the New York Post is covering it, and so so people are like, oh Mount Charleston what is that and so so people are for are hearing for the first time about Mount Charleston and people were of course bringing this to my attention because I always talk about Mount Charleston and that's I was hoping not to have Mount Charleston gain uh, notoriety for being the place that, that killed a a sports handicapper, but you know, it, it, it takes whatever publicity you can get. Are we on the agenda still? Uh, a little bit past it, but not very far. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, we're going pretty slow tonight. Oh wow! Yeah, I just realized it's actually you must have started late, right? No, <laughs> started at the usual time, kind of like you know, close to nine. This uh, over here. Well, it's one a.m. Yeah. yeah, it's one a.m. there. <clears throat> I'll get Skype set up, and you know maybe it'll be a little bit better than calling in. Yeah, I mean it's not terrible. You just kind of sound like you're on a phone, but it's it's not awful. Like you you can you can be heard clearly. Uh, it's just not as right. like you when you're on the computer, you sound like you're in the same room as me. So I'll tell you, I'm used to the water that I have at home. You come here, you fill up uh, a glass of water, you can't even see through the fucking thing. <laughs> you ever you ever seen that? Uh, yeah, but sometimes it just it just kind of bubbles in there. But yeah, it still kind of freaks me yeah, out. Yeah, you got to wait. Yeah, you wait a little bit, but it's I'm suspicious as hell, man. Yeah, that's how I, I feel. I fill up I fill up a glass of water, and I'm looking at it through the glass into the mirror, and I can't fucking see myself. And I'm like, what? What the hell is this shit? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I I can understand. Yeah, by the way, the thing with driving there, I totally agree because I. I do the same thing around here, like driving to Vegas, driving to San Francisco, driving to Sacramento, driving to Phoenix. Like I, I don't fly to these places. It's not worth it. Yeah, the the hassle, and then <clears throat> I would be taking JetBlue, which flies into JFK, and then I'd have to take a cab like all the way the hell back to Greenwich Village, and it's just not worth it. Yeah, it's I not agree. worth it yeah. at all. Yeah, that's what I think. I, I just like just getting the car, driving. You're there. You have your own car. You're not on any schedule for the airport, so. It's, it's, it, I, I use like the 500 mile rule. If it's 500 or less, I drive it. If it's more than 500, I fly it. Yeah, it was actually a nice drive. It was a nice drive down. Yeah, I, I did that drive once. So, all right. Uh, 
So that's, that happened with Mount Charleston. Not much more to say. I, I have a feeling that next week the update will be that he's found somewhere dead. Uh, some information has come out about victims in another way. Ali Fazeli, the, the, the ticket scammer. He, uh, what are you saying? What the fuck about? I'm a sign in to Skype. And I've never used it on this computer. And it, I, I entered a password once, and it says you've entered the password too many times. Reset it. Mm. One like, time. Sounds like they took a uh, page out of Facebook's. Uh... Fucking ridiculous. Okay. So here's here's the story with Ali Fazeli. We've talked about him before on the show, but to remind people, Ali Fazeli was a high-stakes uh, tournament player who recently has been indicted on charges related to a ticket resale scheme where he stole the money for this ticket business and gambled with it and lost it. He, he was he was kind of regarded as, as, as sort of a fish. Uh, like to say he was a poker pro, but people didn't quite understand. It didn't seem like he, you know, he, he had a few big caches but in high, high stakes events, but people kind of said like, there's no way this guy's a long-term winner. But he was alleged to have ripped off $6.2 million that he gambled away of people who invested in this uh, ticket reselling scheme, which is a, it's a very stupid and simple business idea of just like buying a bunch of Super Bowl tickets and reselling them. It was, it was such a dumb idea that I – like uh, there, there's no sophistication to this ticket reselling business. And it, of course it failed and of course – in fact, a lot of the tickets that he – Supposedly was going to get he never even bought and just stole the money. So th- th- that came out before we discussed this last month on this show. The reason that I'm bringing this up on this show is because there's an update regarding who some of the victims are. And some of the victims of this scam are names that we know quite well. So here are some of the names. Eric Seidel, mm. John Juanda, and uh, a lesser-known uh, Zachary Clark. They have filed a joint civil claim against Fazelli in uh, Clark County District Court. Good luck with that. <laughs> the guy's probably busto. I don't think he's, I don't think you're going to get any money out of him. But nevertheless, they filed a joint civil claim against him, and. Card Player Magazine actually, they received a, a private copy of the complaint somehow. And it was determined, or not determined, it was stated in this complaint that the amount that was invested by the three of them was in excess of $1 million. $1.3 million. They put into it. Uh, Seidel and Clark both put in five hundred grand. So if you wonder where the money went that uh, Seidel was winning in these tournaments, now you know where some of it went. And then uh, another three hundred thousand came in from Juwanda. The name of this business was Summit Entertainment. It's amazing how gullible these poker players are. That just some guy, some guy who plays some high stakes tournaments with them. Makes them believe he's got some revolutionary uh, ticket resale idea that even on the surface is stupid. 
and then uh, they just hand him five hundred grand, five hundred grand, three hundred grand, no problem. So it's not even clear if this one point three million is included in that six point two million dollar figure for which he was criminally charged. And there's actually another investment fraud claim against him in California from before this in 2015. The, the, the case that was filed against him was, uh, you know, the, the criminal case was for matters in 2016 and 17. Uh, in Orange County, apparently, uh, he, he had some kind of uh, other investment fraud going on that, uh, you know, that was, that was 2015. Now, believe it or not, he's actually free right now on a $120,000 bond. That sounds pretty low for someone accused of defrauding people of over $6 million. Wouldn't you think that he'd just ditch out? Maybe go back to his country of origin? But that's, that's what's happened. Uh, a lawsuit was filed on May 18th. 2017 by uh, Ticketman LLC against this uh, Summit Entertainment Group. It alleges intentional misconduct. Uh, then uh, that may be actually the supposedly that that lawsuit might have been the trigger to the whole thing falling apart. On July 26, 2017, the Aria filed a lawsuit over unpaid credit markers that he was extended 2.1 million worth of credit markers between December 2016 and January 2017 uh, out of 34 different times they extended credit to him in that period and that he he only paid back a million dollars of it so he still owes 1.1 million and uh, that's also why he hasn't played at the Aria for a while because uh I guess they weren't going to let him play, owing that type of money. Furthermore, uh, on October 12th, 2017, that's when Eric Seidel filed that case against him. And then Juanda and Clark were co-plaintiffs. And then another poker player named Stephen Moreshi, who's not very well known, filed another lawsuit and he's actually from California, Moreshi. And it's assumed that uh, he filed this after reading the news coverage that Fazelli was indicted for fraud and realized that he was taken as well. He was also known under a number of aliases. Uh, see, his, his real name was Syed Fazelli. But he was known as Ali Fazeli. Uh, he was known as Syed Reza. He was known as uh, Mal- Malik Fazeli and S.R. Fazeli. I don't know if these were names he was using to uh, avoid people like connecting his scams, but. He used all these different aliases that were kind of similar to his name. So, yeah. Eric Seidel and Juwanda were among the victims. I just... I don't know why these poker players don't ever do due diligence. Like, even as much as just, like, tossing the idea to to friends, hey, what do you think about this? 
Here's the, here's the business plan. What do you think about it? Because I know if this was brought to me, I'm not even like a total expert. I'm not an expert in ticket resale. I probably know more about ticket resale than the average person, but I'm not a total expert on it. Even I would have said this is going to be a fail. Like, like ignoring that he's stealing the money. Like even without stealing the money, it was going to be a fail. That's just amazing. Well, it sounds like he basic he basically scammed the uh, pretty much the people that were running full tilt, right? Well, some of them, yeah. That's uh, now I will say that Seidel and Juanda. Well, Juanda was one of the people who stood up to Ray Batar early and tried to start a different group to basically throw out Batar and his people. And, are, you, are you trying to tell me that these guys are not you know highly skilled businessmen? <laughs> Well, at least at least Juanda recognized early on that uh, that Vitar was no good and was trying to convince others, but he wasn't successful. Didn't recognize this guy. Yeah, he didn't recognize <laughs> this guy. Sidell, you know, kind of piss me off about Sidell though. He was still wearing full tilt patches in 2011 after after they went down. Like he he was still wearing wearing patches at the World Series. That I thought was kind of ballsy. That kind of always yeah, me. too much work to too much work to take him out of his clothes. You know. <laughs> so okay. I've really slacked this time with uh, noting when we're starting these segments. I'm going to have a lot of work when the show is over. A lot of work to track this stuff down again. Should not have committed to do this. Okay, so speaking of committing to You need to hire someone from a third world country. I I do. I do, like like, like the Indian I prank called earlier. I'm not even kidding. Like we – I know I do some other podcasts and we – uh, send stuff out to have it transcribed and to have it edited and all that kind of stuff costs like nothing. Really? Maybe I should do that. I, mean, I, I do all this crap myself and I just feel like, I don't know. I, I, I just, it just kind of adds up, you know, it's like, I'm, like when the show's over, I just kind of feel like just slapping it in the archives and being done after all these hours. Yep. And then I got to go, oh crap, I got to go through this and make sure that the, the, the timestamps are right and got to post it in the archives. And it's a pain in the ass. The whole thing's a pain yep. in the ass. Okay, but I'm not going to transcribe it. I, I, that's one thing I'm not doing. There's no no transcription of this show ever. I mean, if you want to transcribe it on your own, you're welcome to. But uh, I'm I'm not transcribing this thing. I, I'm not having any. No, no, you hire someone to do that. I'm not doing you that either. Do I'm, I'm too cheap. Okay, so okay. <laughs> speaking of being cheap, the WPT. When you see it on TV, you see people in the audience. Calwat, when you would see this over the years, who did you assume was in the audience? Like, if, let's say you didn't recognize people in the audience, who would you assume they were? I, it, people in the audience of the WPT, like parents and friends, right? Well, yes, exactly. That's that's what I always thought too. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe not completely. L- listen to this one, and I don't I don't know <clears throat> if this was just I don't know if this is common practice for the WPT, or if this was uh, just specific to this location, but listen to this that was found by somebody. Immediate casting is a casting call. Immediate casting for extras for a live televised audience at Seminole Hard Rock Live in Hollywood, Fort Lauderdale, Florida this Wednesday, April 18th. Non-union paid. So it's a non-union job. For failed actors who just need uh, casting. This is for Fox Sports WPT Poker Tourney. Couples welcome. Can stay and enjoy casino before or after sessions. That's nice. Like they're telling you what you can do before and after the sessions. Uh, 
That's not even for failed actors, Druff. That's for, like, wannabe Instagram whores, you know? It kind of is. You know who they get for these type of things sometimes is, is failed models. Like, they'll they'll have these, these right. scam artists who take a bunch of headshots of model of girls who would never make it in modeling and even guys. Right. You know, and then they have to get – they promise them jobs. So they call, hey, I've got a job for you. And then it turns out it's one of these. So, so yeah, like I said, failed failed Instagram horse. Yeah. So it says uh, <laughs> ten ten men and ten women for each call time. Call time number one three thirty to eight thirty paid fifty five dollars. You're getting eleven dollars an hour. Call time number two seven p.m. to midnight also paid fifty five dollars. Also eleven dollars an hour. Can do some overlap of sets for additional pay. Mm. Uh, age range twenty one to thirty five ish. Must be 21 to enter a casino. So we're, we're too old for this. We're, we're not even 35-ish anymore. So they, if we showed up, they'd say, no, 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 no. You're, you're, you're too old. We, we, we need some young, hip people here. Uh, ethnic- now, now, here's here's good news, though. They're not discriminatory. They may be age discriminatory, but race-wise, no. Ethnicity, any. In fact, good slash even mixed is preferred. Yeah, of course it's preferred. So they don't just want whitey out there. They don't want just whitey or, 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 or the Asian guy. They, they, they want to mix. They want uh, either you're mixed yourself or maybe you're, uh, you know, maybe it's a mixed couple. Maybe it's a, a black guy with a, with a white woman with a big ass, something like that. Maybe that's, that's what they're looking for. But, you know, they'll say any, but, you know, if, if you're a black dude and shows up with your big ass white girlfriend, they're, they're happier to take you, especially if you're, you're under 35. Now, but here's my favorite part. There is a requirement. There is one stringent requirement here to make your $11 an hour. It says, must be attractive. <laughs> it must be attractive. Can't No ugly people allowed. If you're going to watch poker, you better be attractive. You got to be attractive. Not just young. You got to be attractive or you cannot watch poker for money. Uh, arrive camera ready. Be energetic, enthusiastic, and upbeat slash supportive of players. That means you can't just sit there like on your phone or, or, or with your head down. You've got, you've got to act like you're really into it. Having a genuine interest in poker is preferred, but not mandatory. <laughs> <laughs> so you could not know anything about poker and just pretend you do. Of course not. They're still in the audience, man. <sighs> Now, here's the wardrobe requirement. Nice casual. No white. No all black. No shorts. No hats. No ripped jeans. But... Uh, I think they established the uh, no white and no all black with their diversity requirements. Right. <laughs> and then, oddly enough, on the reverse side of this, no business suits or evening gowns. So you can't look too good. You, you can't look too foreign. So that means Tony Dunst is out. He can't be in that audience. You, you can't no, – no showing up in business suits, no showing up in evening gowns. You, you've got to look like just uh, – eh, maybe like you're, you're coming from the club. Maybe not quite – like maybe not like the girls who go to the clubs in like the short skirts. Maybe that wouldn't fly. But it's something that's it's kind of casual but but looking good, like, like you're going to go on a date or something. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that girls in short skirts would always be accepted. Probably, you're probably right. So anyway, that, that's that's the casting call, and so, so some poker players took to this pretty angrily, saying, "Wait a minute! So so th- th- this is so sad. They have to st- stack the audience now with 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 phony viewers, people who didn't really want to be there. You have to pay them to watch. You may not even know what poker is. That, Nothing that's- new, though. I mean- 
So, and they're saying that's sad. It's a sad commentary in the state of poker that they actually have to, rather than it being something that people compete or line up early to get into to watch a final table of a major WPT event, instead they pay people to fill seats. Yeah, Druff, I had the occasion to be uh, explaining something to uh, a business colleague, and I was talking to him about uh, poker, and I was telling him about you know the poker boom back in the early two thousands. And uh, it's really funny. He's like, oh, yeah, is that when it used to be on TV? <laughs> Which, I mean, <clears throat> it really tells you what the, the average person, you know, kind of thinks about it. Right, and I, I, I hardly see it anymore. It's true. Like, I used to scroll through the, the guide, and boy, were there poker shows everywhere. Now now it's, you have to search to find it. Right. So, but It's nothing new to have a, a paid audience. It's what all of these talk shows do. <clears throat> That's what all you know. I don't know. Well, yeah, I like. I, like well, the, I don't know. Some some talk shows you actually pay to get in, though. I I, I like the infomercial audiences. That's like the bottom of the barrel to actually be in the audience yeah. of an infomercial. <laughs> and my, you have to. My wife made me take her to like Martha Stewart, and I I know that we didn't get paid to be there. We might have even paid something. I don't know. You know. You know who they also paid people, uh, or some people was to be in audiences for sitcoms. Right. Uh, and and especially what they would do is they'd pay groups. Like if you just wanted to come as an individual, they usually wouldn't pay you, but they figured you just want to be there. But uh, groups could make money by bringing a lot of people. And I, I think the reason they would do that is because it, it filled the it, – it, it, it would fill the audience by a lot to having a lot of people come in at once, and it, it made it much right. – easier to, to fill the seats there. Uh, so there was a club at my high school at, that used that for fundraising. So once a year they would go to TV taping and they didn't pay the students at all. It would have been nice if they shared it with us, but no, it was just to make money for the group or the club, whatever it was. So I, as a result, I saw uh, head of the class in 1986 and I saw Valerie's family, which was also known as Valerie and the Hogan family, in 1987. So, uh, I mean, when, when we, we needed to make money in college, we just did it at the sperm bank. <laughs> I remember that. I remember seeing ads for that. And I I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just said, you know, I, I what, what, bothered, what bothered me about the sperm bank was that I, I couldn't, I didn't like the thought of me having offspring out there that I would never meet. I just, uh, I, I couldn't have brought myself to do that. Not that I think the sperm bank's a bad thing. I, I Trust, just, you don't have you don't have to pay child support, Drew. Relax. There's no well, I know, you're not gonna have to support them. I know it's just it's just gonna bother me though. Just to know a kid's out there that uh, is my child that I was not gonna get to see or or ever get to know. Yeah, or, you, you'll get over it. I don't think I would have. I think it would have wondered all the time. It would have, it would it would have really bothered me. You know, I'm glad that the uh at least to my knowledge, the, the, there's only one child ever born. I was about to say you can still wonder. Well, I I I, I once pulled that you don't know. I once pulled that prank on Neverwind Poker Radio on April Fool's Day where I I pretended that I that that a woman came forward. I, I I started the prank like on March 31st, where it's technically April 1st somewhere else in the world, just to uh, not make it as obvious. But I started this prank that a woman had shown up uh, in, in the summer prior to that, and I just kept it a secret, that 
I had a 12-year-old daughter that I didn't know about. And uh, this is in 2007 I did this prank. And that uh, it was a girl I had met once from a party line and had sex with, and that uh, shortly afterwards her number was disconnected. I just figured, oh, well, no big deal. And then it turned out I got her pregnant, and then she couldn't locate me because I changed my number, and uh, she just assumed I was gone, and uh, she raised the kid on her own, but then she was about to go to jail for some kind of embezzlement and uh, um, or dealing drugs or something like that. She was about to go to jail for two years, and at that point they tracked me down and uh, – and that she, she figured that you would be a good father after demonstrating your yeah. ability to raise a child. Well, but it, it, it wasn't so much that, but like it was, she was at that point. She she had to give the child to somebody else. So I was tracked down at that point, right. to, and I was given the daughter, and that the daughter had been living with me. And what I did to fool everybody into believing it might be true, they needed to be skepticism. Is I said, you guys might remember when I made the final table, when I was about to make the final table of the one K with rebuys over the summer. That there was a girl who looked very young in the in the crowd watching that looked like she wasn't you know really the age to be there, but no one said anything. Uh, that was her. So some of you may remember seeing her. Well, I, I just completely made, there was no Trump, such this girl. Whole, this whole adopting a twelve year old daughter thing. It, it sounds like the kind of thing that Sklansky beats off to it. You know, <laughs> like it's his wet dream fantasy that something like this happens. It might be, but there, there was no sexual element to this. But the thing was, I, I claimed she was there, and the funny thing is, this this actually put a memory into some people's heads, where some people came forward and said yes, and they weren't hit on it. You know what? It's funny. I do remember a twelve-year-old girl there watching, like a girl looked about twelve, watching the whole thing, and I wondered <laughs> about it. And like they, they totally like believed that they just invented it in their own head. And uh, so that gave some credibility. And then I even had Miss Idaho, who no one knew her voice. She was a poster on the forum then. She she called up the radio and pretended that she was that girl. And we had like a big argument. And then yeah. at, and then at the end, she said, congratulations, NWP, you've been rolled. And then I revealed it. Of course, it was a, the whole thing was a joke. But – yeah, so there, you know, there could be a real life situation. So that, could, that could totally happen. <clears throat> it's possible. I mean, that could happen to just about anybody. Yeah, it's so possible. You could have someone show up and you'd be like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> you know, what is the first thing that you would do if that happened? I, I would demand a DNA test. Hell yeah! First thing I would do is I would get a DNA paternity test. Not only Hell I, yeah, I would. I, I'd be so paranoid about it. not only would I get the DNA test, but I would actually like go to a facility that, like, they wouldn't be expecting me to go to. I wouldn't go to, like, the one closest to me because, like, what if someone was bribed there? Like, I would I would actually, like, go to one farther oh, away. Yeah. I, I yeah, that, that's some paranoia there. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I, I, I'd want to be absolutely sure. So I'd go, to, I'd go to some DNA facility they would not expect me to go to and, and immediately do the tests and see if that girl is really uh, related to me. But I, I would, at this point, you know, it's been so many years since I was uh, with someone that, is not my current girlfriend. That uh, the, the kid would be old or an adult by this point. I mean, old for a kid. Right. Yes, there could be one that's like ten years old now, but better be, uh, better be. Yeah, I know. If the kid, Otherwise, uh, if your current girlfriend is good at math, you're in big fucking trouble. Yeah, if the, if the kid's like three, that's gonna be. A, <laughs> if the kid's like three years old, then it's gonna be bad news for me. Yeah, some girl shows up with a three-year-old daughter, says it's yours. Your uh, current girlfriend's gonna be like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. So, anyway, I don't know how we got to that, but yeah, let me let me uh, move on here to 
the we got to that because we're talking about filling the the audience. Oh, that's right. That it is. That's right. That's Sperm right. bank and all that. So, so what's the deal with these filling these audiences? Like, I know they they do it for some shows. My my the thing I'm surprised about is that they even have a budget to pay for this and that they care about it from a production value point of view. Well, it's a very low budget though. Fifty five dollars for each person for the five hour thing. That's that that's not very much money. Yeah, but multiply it by a decent number of people, you know? I don't know. No, I think they have it. It's not nothing. I, I think I think they have it, and I think that there must have been some decision that they would rather fill it with attractive young people than to yeah, get a bunch of schlubs in the casino that they might be able to convince to sit there for free. So, well, Where does the WPT air, though? I'm not sure. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know even know. I don't know either. I mean, that's my question. I mean, they're obviously doing it for... Some kind of TV or, or broadcast, but where where does it air that they they want this? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I I was wondering if maybe what happened was that there was I don't know if it was at the Hard Rock or maybe maybe somewhere else that they had some kind of issue filling the seats, and then when they ended up filling them, the people they filled them with were were old or unattractive or slovenly, and they're like, okay, you know, if this is who's watching the poker, it's going to look bad for us. We want it to look more uh, uh, cool than this. So you know, we've got to have people watching that, that that look good in the audience. So maybe that's what they decide to commit a little bit of money to making sure that happens. So some poker players saw, thought that this was sad? Yes. And what they, what'd they say? And who were they? Like, what I, I don't they... remember. And I, I don't feel like pulling it up. But they were basically saying that it's, oh, okay. it's, it's sad for the state of poker that they actually had to pay people to watch a major event now. I mean, <laughs> you know. But, it is what it is. I'll be honest with you. If I was at that casino, you'd have to pay me to sit there and watch that. Right. And, and, and that's, that's the reason is that <laughs> there are so many tournaments now. And, and not only is poker, the luster kind of worn off in some ways, but also there's so many tournaments now that it's just not special anymore. Oh, I got to see a WPT event. Okay. Now, why, is right. that exci- why is that exciting? Who's, who cares? So so that's, that's why it's getting harder to fill the seats. And, and secondarily, they probably, yeah, they clearly want, Attractive people in there, rather than just any well, person's butt in the seat. There, yeah, but it's not just that. It's not that the, the luster is worn off. It's that, like, if I'm at a casino, there are tons of things I would rather be doing. It's just boring as fuck, you know. To sit there and watch it, unless I knew somebody that was in the tournament, I just don't care. Yeah, that's how I feel. That's nah. what I feel. I mean, if I wanted to at the World Series when I wasn't in an event, I could just keep watching final tables all day, but I would never do that. <laughs> That'd be so boring. I know, man. The, the, the years I went to the World Series, like the last thing that I wanted to do after I busted a tournament or, you know, whatever, was just sit down and watch people play. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I, when I when I bust a tournament, I, I pop right up, I walk out, and, and I, I don't – First of all, I don't want to play any poker for the moment. I just want to kind of be, be away, and then yeah. and then and then once like, I later, bitches. yeah, and then once I recover, like I'll, I'll maybe want to go play cash somewhere or online. But I, I the last thing I want to do is watch others uh, playing at that point. That's and I, and I wouldn't want to anyway. Even if it's a day I'm just not playing, I wouldn't want to do it. So okay. So uh, speaking of the World Series of Poker, there is another. Slap fight going on between the World Series of Poker account, which I, I I'm guessing is run by Seth Polanski. Don't quote me on that, but just I, from the tone of it, I kind of I kind of get a Seth feel to it. Uh, versus America's Card Room, 
They, they had their slap fight two years ago. We talked about it on this show. Wait, I thought he gave up his uh, stewardship of that. No, 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 no. See, that, that's, that's something that people erroneously believe. Kev Math oh. runs the account, and Kev Math, can, he can correct me if I'm wrong because he listens to the show. But what I believe is Kev Math runs the account during the World Series. But then at times like uh-huh. this, that, uh, I believe it's run by people like Seth. So, so they're, okay. I, I just can kind of tell, I've gotten so used to the different people in charge of the World Series over the I can kind of tell just like from reading it, like what came from Seth. So again, I have no proof of this. This is just, uh, my assumption, but, that that's what I think, but there is. Uh, I have to reacquaint everybody with the story with America's Card Room from two years ago, since it was two years ago. Some of you may have forgotten, but what happened was that uh, they actually had a a pretty public fight back and forth. And it was funny. A troll from Poker Fraud Alert actually made it worse back then. S A H twenty four saw twenty four. He actually uh, trolled the World Series, and then they actually trolled him back and were making fun of his tournament results, which is the weirdest thing. Like, can you imagine the World Series, the official World Series account was making fun of a player responding to them about his tournament results. <laughs> no wonder they're going to have to start paying to fill those seats, too. <laughs> so, it, it, like, that, was, that was a good troll job. But it, that was two years ago. But, but to remind people, uh, so there is uh, Hollywood Park Casino had uh, – they, they had uh, – this is Hollywood Park. This is the, the brick-and-mortar Hollywood Park in uh, the L.A. area. They had tweeted out, win a seat to the WSOP this weekend, details, and had some link. This is two years ago. And then WSOP, the official account, retweeted that with a comment, or not, since this is not an authorized satellite location for a World Series of Poker. So they were already calling out the, the Hollywood uh, Park for this. So then – some some other rabble rouser responded, named Lenny, and said, "America's card room is having a WSOP satellite tournament. Isn't that illegal gambling?" So then WSOP said back, "Indeed, but since they don't follow laws anyway, they probably don't care if they stiff you on a tax bill." And then ACR decided to respond. Wow, this this was two years ago. ACR decided to respond. Uh, and in 2015, over 50 people won their $12,500 package to the World Series. So the America's Card was trying to say, yeah, but, you know, look, we, we, we put 50 people in the World Series main event that year. And All so, right. so World Series responded back. Did you issue tax paperwork and stop using your name in promotions, please? So that, wow. uh, so, so that, uh, w- then it went on to World Series saying, you know how many people get scammed showing up at our event expecting a seat and then getting nothing? Every year, many. And uh, America's Card Room said uh, – uh, so So then uh, Will Fela said back, uh, they're not sent by ACR. ACR pays out to your poker account. And the ACR says, correct, we pay package winners a total of 12500 in their poker balance. And then WSOP just says back, what U.S. state are you licensed to operate in? Wow. And this, again, I, th- I think this is Seth Polanski on it, but I'm not sure. But I think this is him. So then uh, SAH24 from, from Poker Fraud Alert uh, wrote, uh, 
to WSOP, please, you happily accepted people from these illegal sites for years, but now they're your competition. You're mad, LOL. Standard BS. And WSOP responded, consider yourself warned. Absolute, ultimate bet, lock, full tilt. The list will grow with illegals. Play with fire at your peril. And, uh, yeah. and, and then, uh, SAH24 said back, uh, the Nevada Gaming Commission handled UB operators a license for Nevada, referring to the, uh, uh, Greg Pearson's company to verify people. So please get the fuck out with your regulated is much safer. Iovation has a legal license, so please. <laughs> and WSOP says back, good for you, man. You know it all. Best wishes. And SAH is back, put the phone down and let KevMath handle it. LOL. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> so, so then, so then. <laughs> So then, so then, uh, WSOP says back, a poker pro question mark, and then he puts the, uh, the, the, the record for SAH24, he had his real name up there, uh, to uh. show that he didn't cash much, so that he, he obviously got to them. So, so, they, that, that was pretty funny. Uh, anyway, that was two years ago. So let, let's fast forward to today. And, and. That is horrendous, by the way, to have someone running a brand doing Shit like that is horrendous. Yeah, that's see, that's why Kev Math. He really should just run the account all the time because Kev, you can't rattle Kev Math like that. He, no matter who, you know, whoever was on that account, like you can't rattle Kev Math on these. He just first of all, people don't like they don't screw with Kev Math because everyone likes him. But but the other thing is, even someone who just doesn't know who's operating the account and is just mad at WSOP. Uh, right. Like like Kev Math just doesn't get rattled. It's, it's very hard to get right. him angry. So, so he's, and I was saying that you, you need someone like that operating the account who just can't get angered. So, well, and you need someone who is some kind of marketing savvy and awareness of what they're doing to the brand by participating in these stupid little hissy fits. But anyway, yeah. So then, so let's get back to, uh, today, or shall I say, uh, two days ago. Uh, so last year it was quiet. Last year there, there was no, uh, sniping back and forth as far as I could tell. But but uh, this year again, it's it's it's, uh, it's heated up once again. ACR, who who's definitely taken a hit to the reputation, because uh, unlike two years ago, where everyone was singing their praises because of uh, Chicago Joey pointing out the botting and colluding going on there that they were doing nothing about, and then he seems to be correct that uh, they've they've taken a hit for sure. But uh, ACR tweeted out a big picture that said WSOP qualifiers, 50 WSOP packages guaranteed April 22nd to June 24th. And they wrote, Dream of, dreamed of attending the World Series of Poker in Vegas? We're running weekly qualifiers April 22nd to June 24th to the 2018 World Series Poker main event. Each of the 50 guaranteed packages is worth 12500 and includes the buy-in and travel, or take the cash instead. And to show you uh, that they were not afraid of the response... Must be attractive. Yeah, <laughs> but to show you that you're between twenty and thirty-five. Yeah, to show you how they were they were not afraid of the response they're going to get this time from WSOP. They actually tweeted at WSOP at the end of that tweet. <laughs> they wanted them to see it. They rub it in their face. Well, WSOP took mm. the bait. WSOP responded. Reminder that we have nothing to do with ACR. These are illegal satellites. They are unauthorized to run. We will not be able to honor anything related to this company. So that actually sparked a debate 
as to whether or not World Series of Poker has a right to be mad about this. Like, are, are they just being assholes by tweeting this? Is it because they're pissed? And just you know, the CR, ACR is competition for their WSOP.com and they hate them. And, 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 you know, are they being petty here or do they have a right to be annoyed about this? Well, I thought about it and I decided, and I, I, you may feel differently, but I, I decided that WSOP actually does have a right to be angry and annoyed by this uh, because I do believe it happens, not necessarily with, with America's card room, but that shady sites give away World Series packages, shady unregulated sites, and then people show up in Vegas and probably go to the cage and go, okay, I'm ready for my seat. And the cage goes, huh? We, we don't give away seats here. What are you talking about? And Well, I won my seat on you know, shadypokersite.com, and, and then you know, eventually they speak to a manager, and the manager tells them they're out of luck and they're not getting anything, and they go, but but it said it's a WSOP satellite. What the hell? You know, you guys got to honor that. And and some people who don't understand the way all this works you know, get very angry and maybe even believe that the World Series cheated them in some way. So, yeah. so so the World Series definitely has a right to warn people that's quote World Series satellites uh, that are not authorized and are run on illegal sites are not really World Series satellites, that it's just a tournament that's going to give you the money that you can go use for the World Series, but and but maybe they won't even give you that. So so they don't like their name being used this way. It's, it's unauthorized, and it also can make them look bad when people show up to claim something that uh, they end up getting stiffed out of. And it makes, so, so I right. think... And, and, the, and the company that is using their name is getting promotional value out of using the World Series of Poker name. That's what I was going to say too. Yes, yes, very much true. And, and right, so they 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 are getting the promotional value. They are using the the World Series brand to get yeah. more participation in the tournaments. The, the, and keep in mind, they're not saying win money that if you want, you can later use to the go to the World Series. They're actually World Series satellite, World Series packages. Yeah, even if they mention at the end, like America's Card Room did this time, that you can just take the cash. Uh, they're still calling it a World Series satellite rather than just satellites because World Series time is coming around and you may need money. So that's uh, so it, they, they are kind of posturing these as World Series satellites, which they really aren't. And, and the World Series definitely has a right to clarify this and to be annoyed that these other companies are, are basically leeching off of their brand. So yeah. For- Okay, so I'm glad you agree here. It was kind of split on Twitter. Some people were saying, uh, you know, no, World Series is being petty. They're just mad they're being competed with. Uh, they, they uh, you know, why, why don't, why aren't they just happy that they're getting more people in the tournaments for this reason? And oh, I, so I, I said, no, it's, it's, it's no, there's, there's no, no company of any size that would be happy with someone using their brand to, to make money. Right. You know what I mean? And, and also I can totally see that it probably is a headache for the World Series where they've got a decent number of people that are showing up and get screwed over, or, you know? I mean, it's just... Yes, that, that's I, what I, I thought. That's ex- not a benefit. That, that's exactly what I thought, that it was a headache, that it was... Uh, that they, they felt their brand was being uh, hijacked, not even just hijacked, but hijacked by a competing online site to theirs, so they... There's right. no, there's none of this that they should be happy about. Even if they get a few more entrants to the World Series because of this, uh, it's not worth it to them. They just want it to go away, and they know they can't make it go away. So it's, it's very annoying. They, they'd be thrilled if uh, America's Card Room went out of business or was uh, busted and, and had to go out of business. So this is what I tweeted about it. I said, actually, I don't blame WSOP for being annoyed with America's Card Room over this. ACR, 
ACR is an unregulated foreign site using the WSOP brand for promotions without permission. And uh, yeah. uh, like I said, pretty pretty sure if ACR was in the U.S., they could be successfully sued for misrepresentation as they don't make it clear that it's not really a WSOP qualifier. I don't blame the WSOP for making it clear that this illegal slash shady company has no affiliation with them. And yeah, I mean, let's say that Poker Fraud Alert was used to promote some charity tournament, for instance. Like, you wouldn't be real happy about that, right? Well, yeah, I'll tell you. So, I'll tell you where this actually happened in a way is that this guy who called himself Game Protect uh, started this Game Protect site where he was trying to get people to join in with some some lawyer in some other country that was going to sue Lock Poker and. Anyway, he had on his site a link that says forum. And if you click the forum, it linked you to poker fraud alerts, scam scandals, and shadiness forum. So what he was doing, he was, ma- he was making it look like this, this was his forum and that he had credibility. So I said, look, I, you can stay on this site. You can even post about your, your lawsuit, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm making it clear I'm not endorsing this, but, uh, you know, if you want to put it out there for people to consider, fine, but, You've got to take that link down. You can put like link to poker fraud alert where uh, you know, where this is being discussed, but you, you cannot make forum as if this is your forum to give yourself legitimacy. So like I, I, right. I, I, I that I was angry about that because I, I, as I said, if this guy did anything shady, then people may think this is, you know, this is his forum and blame me. Not just people might think; people will think. Yeah, like the the, the way. The same way that some people thought that your 12-year-old daughter, they actually saw her. Like, I mean, totally it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't blame the World Series for this. And, and you know, as you guys have heard on this show, there have been many times that we, that I've uh, criticized the World Series. And, and in fact, on this this episode, we're about to start criticizing WCP.com right after this segment. There's been times we've criticized them heavily. And there's been times where they've been defended. I'm not someone who's out to bash the World Series, and I'm also not a fanboy who's going to kiss their ass and just you know, always claim they're right, because they're not. But there's also times that they are right, and people get on their case for nothing. So th- this is one of those times that they're right, and uh, they definitely should be informing people that this is not an official World Series of Poker satellite and that they can't honor anything anybody wins. And uh, you know, that's definitely their right to do. I'm glad Calwatt agrees. So, moving on to another World Series-related topic. Uh, this is about the WSOP.com, actually, but you know, it's all associated. Two stories this time. The first one is a positive story. The second one will be a negative story. We're going to start with the positives. We're such positive guys. It's a positive show. We're going to be positive about the recent development that has been announced on WSOP.com and its player pool and the fact that it may not be as much of a fail site as it was before. Of course, that's not what the press release says, but that's the way I interpreted it. So this is what it says. This was emailed out on April 16th. WSOP.com and 888Poker have submitted for testing their new poker software to the regulatory bodies in Delaware, Nevada, and New Jersey. Those are the three places that they're operating and legal. With the goal of pooling players from all three U.S. states. Wow. (laughs) Upon the anticipated approval by all jurisdictions, a major step for gaming operators in the U.S. I agree, it is. 
the linking of all three states is hopeful to go live on Tuesday, May 1st, which is less than two weeks from today, and would allow customers in Delaware, Nevada, and New Jersey to play poker against each other if that approval is granted from all jurisdictions. This shared liquidity gives way for larger prize pools, better game selection, wider time zone coverage, and expanded tournament offerings. The process has demonstrated that different regulations administered by multiple regulatory bodies can work proactively together to provide entertainment in a safe and secure environment for consumers. I wouldn't go that far. Uh, the protection of players and game integrity drove this collaboration, which serves to benefit the players, states, and operators. Uh, to that statement, I have to say... <laughs> That's, that's, Didn't hear it. No, it was the laughter. There's no way that that's what drove the, what what drove them to do this is that they they they're hoping to make more money because they've been fail sites so far and pooling them all together will make more games go, which I agree with. But they're, they're not. Too, by the way, regarding security, we'll we'll talk about that in the next topic. So that that's actually not a priority for them either, apparently. But this this is a, a quote from Bill Reaney, the WSOP.com manager who I don't think does a very good job. Uh, this has been a huge collaborative effort from all involved, and it's important to thank the elected leadership and regulatory authorities in Delaware, Nevada, and New Jersey for their dedication and diligence to help move online poker forward, said WSOP.com's head of online poker, Bill Reaney. Everyone has had the end user in mind throughout this process, and as a result, we believe the United States, for the first time in a regulated environment, will have a large-scale multi-state offering that will propel the industry forward as soon as next month. Well, it won't be large-scale, but it will be larger-scale. Uh, basically, there's two fail sites. There's two ghost town fail sites. One is the Nevada-Delaware, which they're already sharing player pools, but Delaware is so tiny it doesn't matter. And then there's New Jersey. New Jersey is a little bit better than Nevada, but they're both kind of fail sites. They're both ghost towns for the most part. And they're both like kind of micro stakes at this point. If you pull them together, it is possible that the number of players there will be large enough to the games will start to get active again. It's not going to be another poker stars, but it it may be significant as far as the increase because I, I feel like this needed to happen when they started it. Though. It did. It did. You know yes. I mean? Yes. It did. And they they. They they should have made that happen. And the thing with poker is, it's not like blackjack where you can just sit down and play with a dealer. You need someone to play with. So the so the more games that that are running are already running, the more people will join these games. Often people will open the software, see there's no games running of the ones they want to play, and they will close it. They will most of the time they will not sit and wait for someone to come sit heads up with them. So. And the more times that happens, the less likely they are to ever come back. Yes, that too. That's, yeah. that's exactly what happened with me, that I stopped opening it much. So, yep. yes. And it, you make your living from it. Yeah. Imagine so, you're just a casual fish that wants to donk off some money. They're definitely going to go find something else to do with that money. Right. So, so maybe now there's enough people between these two states. I say two because Delaware's are tiny. Uh, but... There's enough people to where maybe they'll start to get, get games going again and it'll improve. It's, it's got to get better in some way, but how much remains to be seen. And If they promote it, you know, if they actually do a decent job promoting the fact that this is happening, then then maybe I could see that. That's what I was thinking, right? Exactly what I was thinking. If, if, they, if they get people believing that it's going to be active, then maybe people will open it again and start playing, and then maybe this can actually work. Uh, well, I got to 
the money is what I'm saying. They're going to have to promote it. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I don't know if they will. Like they, they, they're sometimes very strange with what they promote and don't promote. Like like when Butters made the the, the final twenty seven as the chip leader at the main event, and he like lived on WWE.com. And instead of promoting that, instead of saying like this guy has yeah been a very active player on WCP.com and a grinder on here, and look what he's you know look what he's parlayed this into. Now he's a, the 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 leader of the final 27 of the main event. Instead, they said nothing about him. <laughs> they didn't promote him once. No one knew. Fuck. So, Wait, what's his social media following like? His it, it, it's not very good because he kind of fell off from that point, and he was never very well known prior to that. So, but but still, they could have promoted like he he could have been a success story that they he was a winning player on there. He wasn't like just some fish. But uh, I'm saying that they could have really promoted this, that this was a grinder on their site who played a lot, and, and look what this has uh, done for you know, now, the now, Look where he is now. Yeah, they could have sold the dream. Yeah. You're right. Look where he is now. So, it goes on to say, so then it quotes some officials from the various states that I won't bother reading. Then it says, the timing worked well for, for WSOP.com, as it would come ahead of the 49th annual World Series of Poker in Las Vegas, set to begin May 29th. The transition will require Delaware and Nevada consumers to download the new poker client and create a new account. Oh, you got to be kidding me. I, I what? I, 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 did, no. I, I skipped over. Somehow I didn't see that the first time I read. Oh, my. I, I somehow skipped wait, right wait over that. Wait a minute. you got to make a new poker account? <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. you got to be kidding. <laughs> wait a minute. Back it, back it, back it up, bro. Read that again. Read that again. Please. We both had the same reaction. It was really the funny thing is like I had read this before, but somehow I just missed that. So I'm, I'm so glad I'm seeing this for the first time, so we can have a genuine reaction. Oh my god, that's awful. Okay, here's what it says. I like I was just like thrown in there, like matter of factly. I guess that's how I missed it. The transition will require Delaware and Nevada consumers to download the new poker client and create a new account to be able to participate. (laughs) This also means the existing Delaware... You'll like this one, too. This also means the existing Delaware and Nevada poker software will cease to operate after this process takes effect. (laughs) So, wait, now, I have a great question now. I have a great question, and it's very relevant... fuck are they doing? Well, hold on. I, have, I have a very, very relevant question here, and it, in fact, it ties into a, a phone call we had earlier today where someone called in and asked you know, questions about the very early days of online poker, and I talked about how most people don't know that Planet Poker died because the new update that pushed broke everything, and not only couldn't you connect to the poker client, but you they couldn't even push a new update through because it couldn't connect anymore, so people just thought it was down for eternity. So, and the only way around it was to to uninstall it and then re-download it from their website, and like hardly anyone did that. So that's what killed Planet Poker. Didn't kill it completely, but that's what killed the activity. So the question is here, do we have a similar situation to where once this transition occurs, if people just open the old client, it won't even bring up, like, you got to download the new one. Is it just going to stop working? Bro, this is so ridiculous because... Again, we've talked about this many times. Think about the money that companies like this uh, pay to acquire customers, right? Yeah. And all the customers that they have, all the people that have a login, I mean, there's value there. 
why are you not migrating both the client and their account? Yeah, why? Why? I don't understand. Why? Why can't they? I don't. Yeah, I don't understand. Why? Why can't they? It's so weird. Maybe so few people in those states are playing it. They're like, fuck it. So, you know? so in this relation, this new relationship between New Jersey, Nevada, and Delaware, we'll we'll, we'll combine Nevada and Delaware. Uh, God to, damn it, Trump! This is so stupid. Well, hold on, I I have a good analogy here. Okay, in the new relationship, we'll, we'll combine Nevada and Delaware into one, as if they're one entity. Okay, so in this re- new relationship, for sure, New Jersey is the top, and and Nevada, Delaware is the bottom. You listen to this. New Jersey right. players with an existing account will be able to play without delay. So New Jersey just gets to continue. They they, they wow. have no effect over there. And in Nevada and Delaware, they're literally taking it up the ass and have to recreate everything. Uh, once the process is complete, New Jersey WSOP.com players will be able to compete for official WSOP gold bracelets from their home state for the very first time. The first opportunity to do so should be the Sunday, June 3rd, 365 buy-in, no limit hold'em, official gold bracelet event, event number 10, held in Las Vegas as part of the 49th World Series of Poker. So basically the online event, the first online event, now you can play in New Jersey provided this all goes through. So, yeah. I'm going to start with the supposition yeah. that they're not, they're not complete morons. Right? <laughs> That's a tough I, one. I may be wrong. I may be wrong in this supposition, but I'm going to start with the supposition that they're not complete fucking idiots, right? So the only thing I can think of that makes sense is they they ran the numbers and it was so low in terms of you know how many they've got an idea of how many of their existing customers they could convert, and they figured out that it was not worth spending the money. Uh, to do the the technical work required to migrate the accounts in the software. The I, only thing I can well, think. I can think of a second thing. That's possible. That's definitely uh, possible. What you said. I have a second thing that came to mind. That maybe they were concerned that people had accounts on both, and that it could create like duplicate account situations that they're not supposed to have. So that this is the only way to prevent it. To no, I mean, again, you can reconcile that. I, that's what I, that's what I'm not understanding. Like, why why not just compare and say, okay, sorry, you have an account already. Um, you know, use this one. If we assume that they're not morons, then the only thing that it can be is they they ran the numbers and they're like, well, this is what it's going to cost us to do the account migration and the software software migration and have some kind of algorithm as well as people that check the accounts to make sure there aren't dupes and they said it's not worth it. Yeah. You know, they ran the numbers and they said, well, you know, we're going to spend, I don't know, I'll pull it, pull it out of my ass, say we'll spend half a million dollars. And the number of accounts that were ever on there is low enough that it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> because he, otherwise, he, he, here's one of the dumbest business things that I've heard in a very long time. Yeah, well, especially if, if I want to see how the, the old client just stops working. I, I hope at least they're smart enough when it stops working to pop up a message saying, and this is for like eternity, or at least for the next few years, or something, it's like a long period of time to pop up a message and say, sorry, this is no longer available. You need to sign up for this new site. Go here to do it and be very clear about it and make a new account. Like, like, like have everybody understand What's happened, 
and, and this is how you transition over. Not, and here's another question. What about, since you're creating a whole new account, what about the money you have on the old account? Oh, I'm sure it's going to be a dumpster fire. Like, you know, I'm sure there's no way to, and here, here's the thing, like the UX for this, this is what it should be for us. I'm in Delaware and I launch, I decide it's Friday night. I had a couple of beers, decide I want to dunk off some money. I fire up my client there. They should not turn this into a, a chore or a task that needs to be done. It should be a promotion. And they should be promoting the fact that, you know, there are going to be more players and all these states are going to be combined. And then there should be a button that says, click here to join up in the fun. Right? You click the button. It updates you to the new client. It migrates your account. You're at the table. That's how it should work. And it all can be done. I mean, this is not a uncommon thing. This type of thing happens in, in many uh in many spaces across the tech industry all the time where you've yes. got to migrate account from one place to another. None of this is anything new. Right, you know? right. I know. And, and this is this is so amazingly stupid the way they're doing it. And and I really hope I, – I, I just really hope that the – like I hope there's not issues where people who aren't aware of this for a while, they just like somehow lose their money after some time because they can't access the client to download, to, to withdraw it. Or, or even if they, even if the money's not the issue, uh, it, it you know, someone's trying to call This is so weird. Um, Ritterisky. was it? Someone was trying to see, this is a group calls coming in, but it couldn't have been all the different people in the groups. Skype is such a clusterfuck. Hold on. I'm going to, how do I end this conversation? Skype is such a fail. Well, whoever's trying to call their trader risky or whoever it was, uh, just call directly back in. Uh, that is Brandon. Okay. We'll put Brandon on. Yeah, maybe Brandon's got some insight into this, but to me, it sounds like one of the dumbest things I've heard in a long time. Brand- Brandon, have you uh, heard what we've been talking about? No, I just got in the car. I'm on a long road trip. I have not heard anything. Please okay. fill me in. Uh, would you believe that? You know, have you heard about how WSOP.com is trying to combine the three states as of May first? Yes. Okay. Do you know that you, that in Nevada and Delaware, when this happens, you have to create a whole new account, and your old one won't work, and the old client won't work anymore? Say it one more time. <laughs> in, in Nevada, what now? You're going to have to create a whole new account to play again. A new name? A new everything, and you have to download a new client, and the old one will stop working. Is that a clusterfuck or what? Unbelievable. Why? Why? What is the logic behind that? We we don't know. There's no logic. There's just lots of fail. <laughs> now, who am I speaking with? Who is that? That would be Calwatt. Oh shit! What's up, buddy? Not much, man. How you doing? You're up. Are you just waking up or? Yeah, I'm just waking up because I'm I'm in New York City for a couple of days. Oh, okay. You know, I did get an obnoxious email from them again reminding me that uh, any balance that I have after whatever, what, I don't know, what, whatever it was, I don't have a balance on there now, is subject to a three ninety nine maintenance fee. I yeah. got another letter about that. Yeah, I, I get that too because I haven't logged in in like 10 months. It's warning me that once a year arrives, they're going to charge me four ninety nine a month to maintain my account. But well, I like, I like when this. Does, when does this take effect? The, 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 the changeover. 
Oh, it's they're they're trying for May first. It may or may not happen, but but whenever it is, then your old account is going to stop working. Uh, the new the old client's going to stop working. It's not clear if they're even going to notify you, if or if you just have to know about it. And uh, and you have to make an, uh, an entirely new account. And it's also not clear how to withdraw your money on the old account or if it can be transferred over. That just like none of that's made clear. And I, I don't understand. We don't understand why they can't just migrate the old account over to the new system, but they're not. I mean, I would have to assume without knowing anything about the subject, it would have to be some sort of gaming requirement because nothing else would make sense. Yeah, that's. I guess that's I mean, possible too. I mean, nothing else would make sense. Maybe that's somewhere in there. That some, you know, what I'm saying? That like it just they were. For, I can't imagine that they can't come up with a you know way to just have a seamless transition unless they're being forced to. Well, but you know what? It, 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 that, that is a. That is a good point, Brandon. I didn't think of that. It could be some kind of a, a, a gaming regulation. That would make sense too. I mean, the other thing that we that I mentioned is they might have run the numbers and looked at what it would cost to migrate the software and migrate the account, and they said it's not worth it because not that many people are on there. Yeah. And by the way, Brandon, New Jersey yeah. get New Jersey people get to continue as normal. So apparently, they're just uh, as I described it. Uh, Nevada, Delaware, are, they're the bottom in this relationship, and New Jersey's the top. So New Jersey, they just get to continue on their existing system without doing anything. And everybody in Nevada and Delaware, they have to make the new account and get the new software. For, for, from, a Nevada, from a Nevada standpoint, would either one of you care to make a guess how it's going to affect the, the, uh, the player pool? Well, uh, that, meaning like, would you say maybe it'll increase at twenty percent? You know, from my point of view, from the guy that's in Nevada that already plays, what kind of spike could I possibly see? In your opinion, yeah, we're trying to figure that out. Um, so I, I think it'll help, but I, I my guess is it's not going to be like super noticeable. It'll be some uptick, but uh, but that it'll still be like well, kind of a failsafe. You know, I mean, there'll be some attrition from people that just don't bother to migrate and create a new account yeah that, that that could be a mistake right and then and then the you know i think you'll, you'll see some additional games going but i i have a feeling that both pl- the both player pools are, are too small still that even when you combine them no. that it's not going to be that much more active than it was before i think it'll help but it won't be what they're promoting it to be now my question is this when you say there could be attrition for people that I assume you're suggesting wouldn't want to go through the you know the whole hula or the, you know the whole ropes of creating a new account, will this be right. something like will this be something like what Stars used to do, where it's like a forced update, or will you literally have to delete the software and then just install a whole new thing? That's what That's it what appears to be. Thing. That's what it appears to be. That that it's it's listen to the wording. It it's not totally clear, but listen to the wording. It's right. it's it's very much fail. It says the transition will require Delaware and Nevada consumers to download the new poker client and create a new account to be able to participate. This also means the existing Delaware and Nevada poker software will cease to operate after this process takes effect. Now, why would they write that if it's yeah. in an auto if it's in an auto update? Why would they write that? Yeah, that sounds like it's not going to be. An auto update, which means that you're going to lose people from the Delaware and Nevada markets, most likely. Well, it also seems it's going to be a whole different form. So maybe, you know, the software is different. Maybe they're adding things. I mean, you know what I mean? It could just be a totally different platform that they're running. But they could. It's too big to just auto. 
Oh, they can always they can always uh, they can, can as well. They could always uh, move it people's accounts. Like, like I can't imagine they ever had three different code bases. So probably what it is is they're uh, they're using the New Jersey client that passes the New Jersey gaming law regulations. You know what I mean? That's probably what it is. Well, I'll tell you something. They've had a ton, a ton of overlays for WSOP events. I personally have witnessed I mean, satellites that, that they're that they're running. They have, I think it's on Sunday, but I could be wrong. Maybe it's Tuesday. I don't know. But they have a weekly main event buy-in that's three hundred and something dollars. And I've looked at it, you know, at final registration, and they've had 20 people. They've had the high 20s, the mid 20s. I have not yet to see it hit a guarantee, which would be like, oh what? God. <laughs> oh, 30, it would need like 30, 30 something people. Ruff, what's the timing of this in terms of when they say this is going to happen? I miss that. The, May 1st. So they do have about four weeks after that to, before the World Series starts. That's what I was thinking. I mean, can you imagine the World Series starts and everyone gets there and none of their fucking accounts work? (laughs) What the fuck? Like one of the few times. Yes. But some people people are actually going to play on their account. They're going to log in and it's going to be like, doesn't work. Create new account. Like what a fucking joke. Yeah. Can you imagine? But but the people that are there that are at the Rio or staying in town all summer that are going to seriously play on there anyhow will certainly take the time to create new accounts. Right. Because a lot of them, well, see, that's the other thing. A lot of them will have to go and deposit at the Rio anyhow. Because that's the only way yeah, they but can the fund casual, their- Yeah, the poker pros will, but the casual people that you want in the game, they may just say, fuck it. Yeah, you can right in that the... the, the they they do a lot of marketing within the World Series to try to get people to play on there, and and the average person, not the the one who's going to grind all the time, but the average person who just wants to play some, and actually de- they don't have to do it through the cage. They can also do it you know, with their existing. First of all, doing it through the cage is not that hard if you're there at the Rio anyway. But but you can also do it through through certain like debit cards and a few credit cards that still work. So no, other- they don't, no, no, you're wrong. Absolutely wrong. There's only there's only three ways to deposit there now. Okay? Oh really? That, that will work. The three ways to deposit are going to – actually, it doesn't have to be the Rio anymore, by the way. You can go to any – any. it used to be the Rio for a while. You can go to any Caesars property and deposit, okay? You can give them your banking information. And that It should work for most Americans, and you could do an e-check, which is the only method I've ever used. Or they have this service that's called Pay Near Me, and then that's the local – in Vegas, it's the local 7-Eleven where your phone literally gets a barcode. You go to 7-Eleven and you tell the clerk you want to deposit. You don't even have to tell them what it is. The clerk scans the barcode, and then you hand them the amount you want to deposit, and it's on your account instantaneously. Okay, okay. Which is actually a good idea. But it even says on, on the WSOP website that most credit cards will not work. In fact, I tried, this was a while ago, just as an experiment to make a small deposit using my total rewards visa, and it declined it. Yeah, I remember that. That was and hilarious. I asked, I asked customer service, you know, you guys are on this visa, and they said it was a decision by Comedity Bank, who is you know, the off- authorizer of that credit card. So, I mean, 
you can't deposit. I mean, maybe there's, you know, there's some credit card out there, but I mean, it says on there. You know, it, yeah, you're, you're right about that, but but the EFT still again, most people have a checking account. Most people can do it through that. The thing is to, to, right, to but not Europeans. I, I, okay, here. I know, but it's not. It's mostly not Europeans that come. So what what I'm saying is that there definitely will be some people lost who, when they see they have to create a whole new account and download new software, yeah. are going to say, "Fuck it, I'm not going to bother." And the 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 reason that's why I think there might be some attrition is I don't maybe they've streamlined it. But I remember the process being a real pain in the ass to get verified and authorized. And I, I had a number of people that are poker pros that I know that they, they couldn't even fucking get money on it. It's ridiculous. I was, I was very lucky then, and I did it in the beginning. I had no problem. It validated my location. Now, maybe it also helped that I had my total rewards number next to me. You know, I had the card, and I put that in there as well. And, yep. you know, the funny thing is, I was on there recently, just, I don't even know, for some odd reason, they upped my e-check limit to such an insane amount. It was like, it was 10000 a week, so I guess it was like 40000 a month, which you could never go through even if you wanted to. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I don't, I don't even know if it would actually let me deposit that much, but that's what it says my limits are, which is pretty You know what I mean, bro? Like, so, someone who signed up, like a casual player that signed up three years ago, and they remember all the bullshit that they had to go through. Like, I remember signing up, and I had to go through some, like, verification process. And yes. someone was on the phone with me. I had to wait. And it was, it was a real yeah, pain my, in the ass. Mine wasn't as bad as that. They're going to remember that, and they're going to they're gonna get to the World Series. They're going to try to log in, and the client's not going to work, and it's going to tell them to create a new account. And they're going to say, fuck it. I'm going to go play craps. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly, and and uh, I, I think they will lose some that way, and people are going to be kind of annoyed by it that they have to do this. That the, it's such a bad idea, unless there is absolutely no way around it for, because of regulatory reasons. And, and this is the very this is yeah. the best way they could do. But but I have a feeling they're not doing it the very whatever whatever they have to do. I have a feeling they're not doing it optimally. I, I can't say that for sure, but here's here's a problem, and this is what I'm going to get into the next topic, which is kind of related, kind of not, but it's, it is about WSP.com. And that is that they have been very poor with listening to player feedback and, and, and management being responsive. It's, it's been, you know, it's hard to reach Bill Reaney. He doesn't pay much attention to what people say. He blocks people if they irritate him on Twitter. I, I don't mean people who are like really rude or, or I, profane. I am shocked. So, so what's, it is not, it has not been well managed. Uh, the promotions they've had were, were, were very ordinary and really not likely to work. In fact, even their whole rewards program was based upon like routine play month after month after month, which which isn't really viable for a system where people are sometimes you know your your players are ones who visit Vegas and then leave for a while. You you, you can't punish those people, but they do. They they just basically copied poker stars. So that's a mistake. Their promotions are mostly fail. They don't reward people who start games for as far as I know. Uh, there's there's a lot of things they could do to take their existing traffic problems and at least make it somewhat better, and they're not. And and also customer concerns are dismissed. Uh, it's hard to reach management. There's so many problems that they have there which are avoidable, and, and I've been very unimpressed with the way Bill Reaney has run it, both from a, a functional standpoint and from a customer service standpoint. And... Uh, and in fact, I'll tell you, I got a call, you know, when it first went up and they were having a lot of problems, 
which I won't go into again, but when they had a lot of problems and, and when uh, they, they were doing a lot of things that I thought were stupid and making a lot of mistakes, I was very vocal and critical about it. And at one point, Seth Polanski actually called me up and had a 45-minute conversation with me, basically you know, giving their side of things and, and uh, asking me in not so many words to go easier on them that uh, that that I wasn't under. He wasn't saying, "Hey, you know, I I know we suck. Just be nicer to us." He he was trying to say, "There's another point of view I'd like you to consider," and and and, and you know, went over them with me. And and so it was a cordial conversation. But I but I also you know was honest and 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 telling him all the things I thought that were being done wrong, and and also explaining the way the poker community sees things and. And, and, you know, I told him a lot of things that I felt were being done incorrectly. And one of the things I said was that uh, Bill Reaney was hypersensitive and he was also difficult to reach. He was also non-responsive and that this is not what people want. You, you want to give the impression of transparency and good customer service and, uh, you know, the, the site cares about you and will take care of your problems, not, not that they will avoid you and, 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 and get insulted if you, if you don't like the way they're handling things. So... I, the conversation, you know, I, I got it across and it was a cordial conversation, but I, I kind of ended the conversation believing that not really very much has been accomplished, that they, that, that my points of view were not going to really be taken into consideration. And, and pretty much everybody has had the same complaints, uh, who, who's played on WCB.com as I have. And for some reason, Bill Reaney still has his job. And I, I don't even know what he's doing. And they're just – they're approaching it all wrong. And I just think a lot of times how they approach things, they're just not thinking of what the average online poker player, both pro and recreational, wants and what the, what they don't want. They just kind of go their own way. It's it's So I, I, I think, once again, this is probably being mismanaged. And I think there's probably some things we don't know for sure, like the stuff about you know, why this is necessary. Maybe it's – Related to regulation, maybe it's rig- related to it being very difficult to migrate more than we think it is. Uh, but uh, I'm yeah, sure there's a better yeah, I've way. I've done these kinds of things. Whoa. I've done this kind of work. It's not that difficult, but the money has to be there to do it, and it has to make business sense for them to do it. Too much base. Yeah, yeah, Cal, you sound like you're in a in a in a toilet. It doesn't sound good anymore. It sounds like you're actually inside of a toilet, not just in a, in a bathroom. Actually, inside of a toilet sounds like. <laughs> I can confirm I'm not in a toilet. No, I got the the headphones on. I'm going for a little walk. But, yeah, it, sound, right. it sounds really uh, speakerphone-ish, actually. All right, then I'll see if I can do anything about it. But in in any event, all I'm saying is that I I have done this, and I know people that do this kind of migration stuff for a living, and it's not the end of the world. You know, I mean, this is a pretty standard thing. Yeah, that's what I would think. I, I, I can't, I can't seem to picture, especially since they're all using this base software that came from 888. I can't picture why this is so difficult to do, and I, I it just doesn't make sense to me, even with some kind of regulatory challenges, uh, why they're doing it this way. It doesn't seem optimal to me. So. Uh, by the way, uh, Calwad, I'll show you. I just recorded you speaking. I want you to hear back how it sounds, so you can understand what I mean by you need to improve your sound right now. This is what it. This is what you just said here. That that was you. 
many people don't even know where that's from? <laughs> we're, you know, we're getting old. I, I just introduced that to Benjamin the other day. I, I just introduced that to him, and he thought it was hilarious. He he, he loved that. He thought that was the funniest thing. So, so what are you saying, teacher? Are you, are you saying that my homework was late and I, I, I should have turned it in on Tuesday? I'm sorry. I, 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 I thought you said it was due Thursday. I'm sorry. No, I'm not going to pound the erasers after school. I'm not going to do that. I don't think that's an appropriate punishment. Now, don't say that about Peppermint Patty. She's, she's just a tomboy. She's not a lesbian. So, by the way, for those of you that, that think Peppermint Patty was supposed to be a lesbian, she really wasn't. I mean, I, she definitely had those characteristics, but uh, Charles Schultz, who did the Peanuts cartoons, was actually very Christian. And this was, you know, also he created this a long time ago. So, uh, believe me, he wasn't creating you know, like a secret lesbian character. This was like a, a Christian guy from a long time ago. There's no chance he was trying to sneak that in. It just it just happened to be one of the characters happened to have uh, yeah, he was trying to make a tomboy and it changed, you know, as time passed people started to equate that with uh, Peppermint Patty being a lesbian, especially because of her weird friendship with Marcy. <laughs> I, I used to really look forward to those specials. Those peanut specials that would come on, on, on CBS yeah. at uh, you know every once in a while, they they would preempt a Charlie, some... uh, a Charlie Brown Christmas, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. You know what was the best one? But I thought the re- best one was by far was a Race for Your Life, Charlie Brown, where they were at that camp and they were doing that race down the river. I thought I thought that no, was, I don't that. that was the best one. I, I love that one. Okay, so Cal Watt is back. And uh, so here's the here's the other thing going on at WSOP.com that's causing some controversy, and I and I understand, I, I I agree with the players who are angry about this. It turns out that WSOP.com and Bill Reaney are claiming that it is illegal by Nevada law to download your own hand histories. What the hell? So they're, they're claiming that, so you can't go to WCP.com apparently and say, send me my hand histories. You can't do it. There's no way to get a, a mass list of hand histories. Uh, this is, this is a thread on Twitter from Gags30. You can find at Gags30Poker. That's G-A-G-S, the number 3030Poker. Gags30Poker. Uh, so what happened was Pocket Fives, uh, did a little article about hand history. So th- this is what happened. Uh, Gags30 said, big unanswered question is what is happening with hand histories? Players need access to downloadable hand histories to ensure game integrity and security. Removing HUDs is fine. However, downloadable hand histories are vital to a safe gaming environment. So, uh, he's trying to say that, you know, they've banned usage of HUDs on these sites so people can't uh, collect stats on players they play against and have that displaying on the screen. They, they've banned that, which is fine. I think that should be done. I think those are unfair. Uh, 
But as a part of that process, uh, they've also made it where you can't download your hand histories. And, and uh, um, this guy, Gags30, is saying this is very bad because we need to be able to do that in order to analyze hand histories to see if there are people who are cheating. Uh, and that's the way the super users were caught on, on AP and UB. This is the way colluders can be caught where you, you can analyze people's play patterns against each other through programs like Poker Tracker. And uh, so, of course, WSOP.com, which is their Twitter, WSOP.com, they, they have not answered. They just ignored that. So he wrote back, uh, pretty sad WSOP. Uh-oh. Hor- Calwat, you there? I'm here. Oh, my God. We have very bad sound quality, Calwat. Very bad. Uh, keep it on mute for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> he usually sounds so, even in, in in Asia he sounds good. Right now he sounds horrible. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, so, uh, so he wrote this. Gags thirty wrote this yesterday. Pretty sad. The WSOP hasn't responded to this yet. Considering that they're the site that's currently legal, leading interstate regulated poker, I would hope the game integrity and player security would be the number one priority. So then Pocket Fives responded back saying that. Uh, we asked Bill Reaney about this. So, so first of all, we've got a problem already that Bill Reaney, is, he won't answer important questions like that. Like Gags brings this up and says, hey, what about the hand histories? I understand why you're batting HUDs, but, uh, you know, let us get our hand histories and like, like crickets, no answer. So, uh, so he's annoyed, but, uh, fortunately, they, there was already an interview being done with, uh, with Pocket Fives and they brought it up to Bill Reaney. Because they happen to be talking to him anyway. Gags, his real name, by the way, is, is Michael Gagliano. That's why he comes up Gags. So Michael Gagliano, aka Gags30. Uh, they wrote in this article, Pocket Fives. As players look forward to logging more hands with more players, the issue's access of hand histories once again has risen to the surface with New Jersey's number one ranked player. I didn't know that. Michael Gags30 Gagliano recently voicing concern over player security. And, uh, and then they just uh, quoted what he said, what I read to you at the, about downloading hand histories is vital to a safe gaming environment. So this is what uh, Bill Reaney said back in his usual out-of-touch fashion. Players can replay their hands in the hand replayer that is in the client. That covers the last 30 days of hands played. We will, on a limited basis and within certain limits, provide hand histories over 30 days old, while the hands can't be imported into tracking software. It does allow players to review gameplay, which we, of course, recognize as a valid need. We're very aware of the arguments made for unfiltered access to hand histories in order to audit game fairness, but there are other mechanisms to deal with those concerns. That's not true. Uh, this has worked for the Nevada market for close to five years now without incident, and there will be additional regulatory bodies monitoring the integrity of games with shared liquidity. If players are concerned about game integrity, they can contact us at the relevant regulator to conduct an investigation. See, players need to be able to see this for themselves. We, we've seen this over the years that uh, the players need to basically know what they're talking about first before making a complaint. Otherwise, they, they get dismissed. Uh, in addition to integrating the three-player pools, uh, oh no, that's not part of the quote. So, anyway, p- people were not happy with that answer, and oh, here's what he—he he already answered the something we were wondering about here. I didn't see this before. 
as far as uh, the new account. He says, uh, Rini anticipates a fairly smooth reintegration of anyone playing on WCP.com during the series. For the most part, it will be business as usual, except they will have to create a new account if they had one previously. Yeah, that's not business as usual. <laughs> the only thing that we want to make players aware of, and this applies to new players also, is if we have difficult verifying identity, we may need you to upload some documents like a recent utility bill or bank statement. Come on. Are you kidding me? We have always had this policy, but if someone's coming to Vegas for the WCP and done this already, we will not be migrating the data over to the new multi-state platform. So they may need... What the fuck? <laughs> they may need to do that again. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. That's what I'm talking about, this hassle and bullshit. People are going to be like, forget it. you got to be kidding me. So if you've done this before... Uh, they're not migrating that up. Why not? Why not set, tell New Jersey, yes, we verified them. Yeah, it's fine. Let, let, let this person through. Now, so people show up to Vegas from New York, and, and what, they're going to take utility bills with them? What the hell? He thinks it's going to be uh, a smooth reintegration. This is anything but smooth. Oh, he also throws in that's important. That it's especially important for anyone visiting from outside the U.S. as it's a little more difficult to access those documents after they leave. Yeah, you think? They're so clueless over there. They 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 have no idea what motivates the average poker player to want to go online and play. They they think people should be carrying utility bills with them to the World Series. That's their solution. What are they thinking? Insane. Anyway, back back to the Hannistry topic, which is also causing waves here. Uh, that's also pissing people off. This is what Gag said. He, he really researched this, by the way. He resp- responded to the Pocket 5 quote that I gave you guys from uh, Bill Reedy. Without hand histories, players would have never been able to find these cheaters. A hand replayer inside the client is completely useless and be able to provide any sort of large-scale analysis. Totally true. It's like trying to dig the Grand Canyon with a teaspoon. The most notorious cheating scandal in online poker history, when an insider at Ultimate Bet Poker was able to see the opponent's hole cards, would have never been caught if players could not have done a large-scale database analysis of his play. True. More recently, cheating rings and many bot accounts on Poker Stars, Party Poker, and America's Card Room have all been exposed by players using hand histories and database analysis. True. These are three of the largest poker sites in the world where these cheaters went undetected. Players are always the first line of defense against cheaters, and taking away hand histories is taking away the best tool players have to detect them. True. I like this guy. The fact that there have been no issues in five years in Nevada games is irrelevant. For starters, how is anyone to know if there are issues if players cannot verify the data? <laughs> That's a great point. That's like saying, uh, you know, we, we don't, uh, you know, we our company's never been embezzled from because we've we've never uh, we've never looked into we've never looked at our books, so there's been no embezzlement. Uh, second, as the player pool grows and games get larger, so does the incentive for those to cheat. Smaller Nevada games may have been okay, but the growing liquidity by more than 100% will open the door for more opportunities for players looking to gain small edges and cheat or collude, not to mention the amount of games that need to be monitored will grow exponentially. Regarding HUDs, as has already been shown in Nevada, when a player was caught using a HUD, removing hand history does not prevent HUD use. 
By the way, this player never may have never been caught if he did not stream himself on Twitch playing the World Series using a HUD. He used one for a long time without the World Series knowing. True. Remember that embarrassing story where the the guy got caught with a HUD only because he just streamed himself doing it. Uh, do, I, do I still sound like I'm in the toilet, bro? It sounds like you're in a very heavy storm. It sounds like you're you're in a hurricane. Right. It's really bad. It, it's it's fairly bad. It's it's it's, it's uh, the worst I've ever heard you, to be honest. God damn it! All right, I'll just mute. Okay. I, I'm I'm trying to I'm going on an expedition, trying to get my car out of the parking lot so I can get my coat. I understand. So I don't freeze my balls off when I go for a hike. I understand. Uh, regardless. If World Series of Poker finds a foolproof way to ban HUDs and detect those using them, great. I have no issues at all with banning HUDs. The issue is getting rid of hand histories does not completely get rid of HUDs. It only gets rid of player security and game integrity. See, this guy gets it. They should they should hire Gags to be the, the manager and fire Bill Reaney. Uh, as it stands, the World Series of Poker has incredibly deemed or sorry, incorrectly deemed that the only way to limit and no limit not get rid of HUDs is by getting rid of hand histories. Well, there's one reason. There's no reason why all hand histories cannot be provided to players 24 hours or more after the games have been played. Hand histories after a gaming session is complete will not make any existing commercial HUD software work, and poses no threat to most players using a HUD while playing. The much-needed added benefit is that players will be able to upload these hand histories to a database for statistical analysis. I disagree with that because you can cor- you can collect stats on opponents if you have their names. So that's. Uh, yeah, you know, where, where players have names, unlike a place like Bovada where they don't. Uh, yes, it's it's it it can be useful to collect data on people you've played against. Uh, so I, I can't completely agree with that, but I agree with the concept of what he's saying that you 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 just can't eliminate the hand histories. It's the cost is too high of doing so to, to security. So he goes on to say the database and statistical analysis is what is needed if a player wants to check games for integrity or investigate opponents he thinks may be colluding. One final note: it's clear WSOP has had HUD use with the hand history availability. Uh, I would like to see WSP work with Nevada regulators to help them learn what a poker HUD is and how it works. So WSP feels more comfortable providing hand histories to players. There are an incredible amount of fallacies and incorrect information floating around of exactly what a HUD is and what it does. Some very well needed clarification on this issue may open some eyes. As far as I know, World Series of Poker has in- interpreted NRS... 465.075, this is a law, to mean that HUDs are banned. HUDs are very, HUDs clearly don't fall into any of the topics listed. It's clear those regulations were not listed with online poker in mind. I myself am sure uh, that uh, a number of other poker players would be happy to meet with WSOP and Nevada regulators to discuss the issue so that World Series of Poker feels more comfortable providing hand histories to players. But the, they won't do this. See, that's, that's what they Drew, want to Drew, how in, how incredible is it? That they have to show these guys what a HUD is. Yeah, well, yeah. It's incredible that the ridiculous. It's incredible that the customers understand this so well, and the management understands it poorly. Like, like, why? Why do they not understand this? It's amazing that they don't even understand. Like, no, we we understand uh, the issue here. Just just bring it to our attention if you think someone's cheating. Well, no. The 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 way you think someone's cheating is by being able to to analyze it. That's how you do it. That's how you separate it from, wow, this guy just has good reads on me, to, no, they're cheating or colluding. That's how you do it, with, with data. Uh, he says, this also begs the question, what is preventing World Series of Poker from providing players with hand histories when they're stating that HUDs are banned? 
There's nothing I can see in Nevada gaming regulations that would, would possibly prevent sites from providing a hand history to players. WSP could still ban HUDs, still provide hand histories, and simply punish or ban those who are caught using HUDs while playing. You can keep game integrity while still banning HUDs. WSB.com is the, is the first and only site participating in an interstate regulated poker in the U.S. They are soon to be the largest regulated poker room in the U.S. It is vital for the growth of U.S. online poker that these games are, regula- are regarded as safe and secure for all playing. Without downloadable hand histories, it is absolutely impossible for online poker games to be considered safe and free of cheating, collusion, and bots. If you're a player in the U.S., I implore you to petition WSP.com to allow players to have downloadable hand histories. Very, very uh, good uh, Twitter speech. He wrote this over like 15 different tweets. But very well said by Gags here. And and once again, uh, Bill Reaney is clueless and, and doesn't know what he's doing. Which is so strange because back in the days when I used to read his blog, the guy seemed uh, very on the ball. So I, I really don't know what this guy's thinking. So I, I said back, 100% agree, not being able to download your hand histories in mass is a huge hole in security. Unfortunately, WSB.com management has been less than reachable and less than receptive to player feedback, which is a shame. That's on everything. I wasn't just talking about this particular situation. So, yeah. Hey, Jeff, what, what do you think a Department of Sports and Terminals is? Department of Sports and Terminals? Uh, I, 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 about uh, is it about horse racing, off-track betting? Uh oh. Okay, I'm gonna have to drop Cal. It's a terrible connection. I like having Cal one on here, but the connection's horrible. Hey, I'm gonna have to sign off too. It's I'm in a casino. It's gonna be very loud now. Okay, <laughs> everybody's loud. I don't tonight. Want, well, I'm sorry. I don't want to ruin. No, you no, know. I, I agree. Okay, so can thank you hear you. the background noise now? No, actually, it's pretty good right now. Okay. So, so what? anyway, this, this is a disaster, and uh, I, I just, I'm amazed. It's some of these decisions that are being made. I'm going to try Calwatt one more time. If it's super loud, I'll we'll go back. Uh-oh. Calwatt, it's very, very loud. I appreciate your contributions to the show, but it's it's been very loud and very distorted whenever you've been on here tonight. I mean, recently. Yeah, I'm just going to mute. I'm going to mute. Okay. So this is ridiculous. And I don't know why. Why can't they have put someone in charge that just really has their finger on the pulse of what online poker players want and need and someone who can understand the regulatory issues but also understand what the players want and do everything in an optimal fashion as much as they can I, I just feel it's not happening here what is this yeah. and now it's getting loud for you Brandon I think yeah I'm sorry I mean I can hang up I'm just I'm walking through a casino okay I'm in the quiet Okay. Uh, all right. Well, uh, what, what's le- just out of curiosity, what is left on your agenda tonight? What is left tonight is, uh, but the new technology involving uh, reading human emotions. There maybe the people can start detecting tells through sunglasses, some kind of machine that have that has that, and also about Phil Galfon and his site. Okay. Well, I'm going to say goodnight. Uh, I don't want to ruin the show with bells and whistles, which you're probably going to hear pretty soon. Actually, I'm walking on the strip. So I don't know if I'm, should I stay on. What do you want me to do? I got about a twenty minute walk ahead of me. Yeah, I can stay on. Just, just uh, I guess mute it when you're not talking, just so we don't hear the background. 
Okay. Okay, so not much more to say with that. Just disappointing. Just disappointing that the regulated sites are being managed poorly and you know, it's I, I've I've waited for Bill Reney to kind of turn things around. And I, I said that to Seth Polanski back then when we had our discussion. I said, you know, I, I I'm hoping he can turn it around and I don't hate the guy. I just I just don't think he's doing a good job. I I just think he needs to uh understand what the players want and need and be responsive and not have a thin skin when people criticize things. And he just isn't doing any of that. And, and Seth didn't agree. Seth thought he was doing a good job and we had to agree to disagree. So that's the way it was left. And, you know, I, I would like to see WSOP.com succeed. I I would like to see it have a nice player pool. I would love to log on there when I'm in uh, Nevada and, and have games to play. I'd love that. I, 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 I'd much rather play there than, than Bovada or America's Cargo or anything like that. Much rather play there. So, wish they got their act together. You're going to have to sign up with your new account, though, Drew. Yep, that's going to be fun. I've, I've got my utility bill ready. Now, now he, hearing all this, I mean, do we think that it could just be incompetence about the whole fooled player stuff and maybe not regulation? Yes. You know? Yes. <laughs> ah, very, very disappointing. You know, I, I get this thing about the New Jersey migration. Like, before I read this thing on on the air about how you had to make the new account, like, I was thinking, okay, this is positive. I, yeah, I, the, the hand history thing was irritating me, but I was thinking, I was kind of picturing just I'm going to show up there, be pleasantly surprised. There'll be all these people on. Limit Hold'em will go again. Maybe Omaha will go. And I was, I was getting excited. Nope. I mean, I can't say nope yet, but it's it's not looking good. You have to bring utility bills. I mean, what a joke. Can you imagine how pissed people are going to be? They're going to show up, ready to sign on to WSB.com. They had to download software. They they try to sign up again, and then, sorry, folks, you need a utility bill if you want to play on play poker here. Well, I, I'm 3,000 miles away across the country. You need the utility bill. Sorry. It'll take seven to days, ten days to approve. Like, uh. I just made up the seven to ten days, but I could totally see that. All right, uh, moving on to the the next subject here. About the reading of human emotions by a machine. And uh, technology being developed to do so. And is this the end of the poker face? And sometimes when these articles come out promoting new technology or or discussing new technology, the person writing it is clueless. So I always take these with a grain of salt. But this is what it says. This was from uh, Japan Times, of all things, at uh, japantimes.co.jp. It's actually a Japanese site. But this, this article is from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Dolby Laboratories, Chief Scientist... Chief Scientist Poppy Kroom tells of a fast-coming time when technology will see see right through people no matter how hard they try to hide their feelings. Sensors combined with artificial intelligence can reveal whether a person is lying, infatuated, or poised for violence, Kroom detailed at a Big Ideas TED conference. It's the end of the poker face, Kroom said. We broadcast our emotions. We will know more about each other than we ever have. 
Eye dilation reveals how hard a brain is working, and heat radiating from the skin signals whether we are stressed or even romantically peaked. The amount of carbon dioxide exhaled can signal how riled up someone is or how a crowd is getting. Microexpressions, not to be confused with uh, microaggressions, and chemicals in breath reveal feelings. In, in the case of poker players, there's a lot of chemicals in their breath. More ways than one. The timing of someone's speech can expose whether they are at risk of dementia. There's a lot of poker players that way, too. Diabetes. Ditto. Multiple sclerosis or bipolar disorder. Ditto. (laughs) According to the neuroscientist. Brain waves can indicate whether someone's attention is elsewhere in the room, regardless of the fact that their gaze is locked on the person in front of them. Technology exists to read such cues and combined with artificial intelligence that can analyze patterns and factor in context can magnify empathy if used for good or lead to abuses if used to oppress or manipulate. It's really scary on one level, but on another level it's really powerful, Kroom said. We can bridge the emotional divide. She gave examples of a high school counselor being able to tell whether a seemingly cheery student is having a hard time or police quickly knowing if someone acting bizarrely has a health condition or is criminally violent. How annoying would it be, though, if your high school calendar, your high school counselor calls you in and says, hey, I think you've been having a hard time. No, 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 I'm okay. No, no, no. The computer says that you're depressed. No, no, I'm not depressed. I'm fine. You, you sure? We, we're pretty sure you, you're having a lot of issues. No, I'm, I'm totally fine. Seriously. I'm sorry. I can't let you out of here until you tell us what's wrong. Like, what if it's wrong? <laughs> They're just not going to believe you. Uh, One could skip scanning profiles on dating apps and instead scan people for genuine interest. Artists would be able to see the emotional reactions people have to their creations. I don't think they want that. I think a lot of artists are probably better off not knowing. Uh, I realize a lot of people are having a hard time with people sharing our data or knowing something we we didn't want to share, Kroom said. I'm not looking to create a world where our inner lives are ripped open. I guess you won't be working for Facebook then. Uh, But I'm looking to create a world where we care about each other more effectively. With emotion-reading rooms, smart speakers, or accessories on their way, Kroom is key to see rules in place to make sure benefits are equally available to all while malicious uses are prevented. Yeah, good luck with that. It is something people need to realize is here and is going to happen, so let's make it happen the way we have control over. We will be able to know more about each other than we ever have. Let's use that for the fight for the right reasons rather than the wrong ones. So here, here's my reaction to this. First of all, it sounds like a lot of their... Early attempts to do this involve you know, hooking people up to something rather than something like sunglasses you could wear that would tell you if someone's lying. Also, some things that you'll have to sense pretty closely, like someone's breath. Like if you're at a poker table, you can't sense someone's breath from all the way across the table. Even even poker players with terrible breath from across the table, you won't be able to, to smell I'm going to argue that, Druff. I've definitely smelled poker players' breath from across <laughs> the table. Maybe, maybe if Annie Duke's at the table. So then things you know, things like the timing of speech and uh, the expressions on their face or maybe the eyes, if they can be seen, I can see how that could work. Uh, Brain waves, clearly not, unless they're hooked up to something. So there's some things that should be practical as far as just analyzing someone who doesn't necessarily want to be analyzed. Uh, other things, people would have to you know, very voluntarily connect to something. And I, I wonder how accurate they are at this point. So, and, and if someone tries to beat it, could they? 
So if you know one of these things is analyzing you, could you trick it? I, I think at this point you probably could. So now what about at the poker table? Hey, let's, let's even assume that at some point they would be able to put something like this uh, integrated with sunglasses or something else you could wear. And assuming these wouldn't be banned at the table, which they might be. Could they be used to tell when someone is bluffing? I actually think yes, from like body positions and I like think of these book of tells, books of tells you've read before, and think if all of that could be programmed into a device to where instead of having to memorize everything in the book of what constitutes a tell, that the device actually analyzes the person and uses that information and then gives you a likelihood that they're bluffing just based on that. So then you combine that between their their actions and the hand, whether they make sense. And it, it could really push you from when you would have folded to call or vice versa, and, and, and that you'd be correct. So I could actually see this working if they could get the technology to be accurate enough and portable enough. It's, it's definitely not here yet. And also a, an easy way to stop this, would be to simply ban these devices at the table, which I imagine they would be if they reach any kind of popularity. So it is interesting that this can be done. Now, it's, it's already been done through lie detector tests for decades. So this is kind of an extended form of that. But I, I can see how it would work. I can see, especially if they did a lot of research about people's patterns when they're telling the truth versus lying, when they're stressed versus relaxed. And then the device analyzes an individual for these matters and can come up with surprising accuracy on how someone's really feeling. I Now, th- though I do think that there will be a lot of false positives with this. Um, I tell a story, nothing to do with technology, but how even humans come up with false positives. When I play blackjack and I'm card counting, uh, for whatever reason, I come off kind of stressed. And not not even if I'm losing. Like, I could be winning and I'd be kind of stressed. I'm not stressed, but I kind of come off that way for whatever reason. And I once had this obnoxious dealer downtown. This is many years ago. But I once had this very obnoxious dealer downtown giving me a lecture about uh, I need to relax, I need to have fun, stop being so stressed. And I was losing when this was happening, too. It's not even like I was winning and he's... I'm losing, so the guy's rubbing it in by telling me I have to stop being so stressed and relax, dude, and stuff. I I totally didn't want to hear this from him. And that was back in the days before I was... I eventually gained the confidence to say, you know, fuck it and just talk back to the dealer, and I wasn't worried about being caught counting cards for that reason. Like, I realized that the dealer's not really what gets you caught, so if a dealer treated me like crap, then I started talking back and even threatening to get them in trouble. But this is before that. This is like in my earlier card counting days. But I remember I was finding it really annoying to have this... Uh, first of all, I'm losing. And then I'm, I, I'm finding really annoying to have this guy lecturing me about how I need to have more fun gambling or I shouldn't do it and stop being so stressed. And I wasn't stressed. I, really, I, I wasn't happy I was losing, but I was not stressed. I really wasn't. But uh, somehow I, I can come off that way. So I wonder if... if uh, a computer, like if one of these devices was 
analyzing me at that table, for example, would would it have wrongly come up with the conclusion that I was stressed and there's something very wrong with me when there wasn't? So how many times will we get false reads like that? So I think this could be useful, but not something you can totally count on. But could it definitely be useful at the poker table? Yeah, I, for sure. I think that would give you a big edge at the other, something like the World Series of Poker where you have something telling you the person, you know, by the person's body language and their voice and stuff like that. If, you know, if it's noticing a strong tell, I think I'd actually believe it in most cases. So, and, and also, you know, but the, the good question is how, how much could these devices be tricked when people know that they're being used? Could they, counter the device by making it think the wrong thing. Um, I'm sure a lot of you pulled that before too, doing the, the false tell. I remember one false tell I was proud of that worked was, was the pump fake bet where I look like I'm about to auto bet the turn after being aggressive on the flop. This isn't a limit game. And the turn hit, and it was an ace, and I started to move my hand forward and then just pulled it back and checked. Oh, no, no sorry, it wasn't that. It's like I started to move it forward, then I pulled it back for a second, then I put it back out. Like the ace, like I, I was going to bet, saw the ace, didn't like it, and then think, oh, crap, I was already on the way, I've got to put it out anyway. Did it on purpose. What did the guy do? He raised me. What did I do? I had a set, I three-bet him. What happened on the river? He hit the higher set. But uh, he told me right when that happened, he said, wow, you really tricked me on that ace there. I said, he, he, yeah, I, I really believe that, he said to me. So um, c- could you do this to one of these machines? So a lot of questions like that, which we won't have answers for until these ever become uh, useful. Now, I, I don't believe that it says one could skip scanning profiles on dating apps and instead scan people for genuine interest. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of reasons people could be looking at you. So it could be that you, you know, they're looking at you for negative reasons. You have a ugly pimple on your nose. You have a stain on your shirt. You didn't zip up your fly. Uh, you know, something else that they're kind of just staring at. and uh, Or may- maybe they think they recognize you and it turns out they really don't, but they're trying to figure out, do they know you from the past? Or are you someone who you look kind of like that they knew from before? And so then you take it as romantic interest and then you proceed from there and then get rejected. I, I wouldn't trust one of those things that there's romantic interest in me. That's where I least trust it. Now, if somebody was volunteering to be hooked up to a bunch of sensors and then I was walked into the room, like let's say you hook 100 girls up to a sensor like that and it's sensing a whole lot of different things. And then I walk into the room and, and, and then it senses of those 100 girls which ones find me attractive. That that could be useful. That That's where I could believe they would be more accurate, but not, not something someone could wear. And just like through a crowd, be able to tell uh, who has romantic interest in them.
right. Uh, moving along here. I want to give a Phil Galfond update. That's our last uh, topic here. and We've been going over six hours, so definitely the show has uh, come close to run its course anyway. Phil Galfond had claimed to be starting what was basically a perfect poker site. That he was tired of the way PokerStars was treating its players. He didn't mention them specifically, but that's what he was implying. And was basically saying poker sites are not player-friendly anymore. They're not pro-friendly anymore. Even to recreational players, they're, they're not treating them right. So he wrote this little essay called A Poker Site Should and listed a bunch of theory, uh, theoretical values that a poker site should have and the way they should treat their players. I'm not going to read it all again, but he did this on, uh, he did this in August of 2016. Getting close to two years now. So I read this and I said, well, here's someone who gets it. Here's someone who really kind of understands the, the way a poker site should really be. Here's someone, if I think he, if he was in charge of a poker site, I think they'd uh, even do better than poker site. Do better meaning a, do a better job as far as uh, treating their customers, not do better financially. But I, I thought, okay, good. I, I was actually intrigued enough by this to where I contacted Phil Galfond. I, I didn't have a relationship with him. You know, we, we, we knew each other. We were never friends. We didn't know each other well. Yet basically, to the extent we knew each other, we, we knew of each other. But uh, other than that, uh, not much. So, I, but I contacted him. I sent him. He, a, he definitely got. He, he definitely got the poker player side of things. But what sides of things did he not understand? <laughs> well, uh, apparently a lot, as we learned. But uh, <laughs> business so, and technical. Anyway, go ahead. Right. So so uh, so I. I mess, I emailed him and I already had a feeling that something was right. I, I kind of felt like that was going on there. So, so that's what I emailed him. I emailed him a, a long thing explaining what, telling him I had an interest in being part of this and explained why it would be a good idea to bring me on. And I stated a few reasons. I stated that, uh, uh, that, that I had a technical background, that I had a very long online poker background and understood it from about every standpoint you can, that, um, yeah, you know, and, and that I have the credibility from the standpoint of of someone who ad, ad, has always advocated fair treatment of people, and uh, and transparency and honesty and and, and fighting scams and and things like that, and, and also that I've noticed that all the people who are involved in this are on the younger side, around thirty, and that uh, that I I think that aside from all of this, I I think that uh, the the recreational segment that they're trying to attract. Uh, if, if there was, if, it, if they didn't get the impression it was run by a bunch of you know, younger people, they they may trust it more. That an older person being involved may actually be helpful as well. So I I, I brought up all these points to him in a very polite and, and business like way. I, I didn't criticize anything. I just uh, I just basically it was a positive letter saying describing the positives I could bring to the table. And I was being sincere. I wasn't pumping myself up with bullshit. I was I was being sincere about uh, what. I, I felt I could bring to it. So he did write me a long letter back, and I appreciated it. And 
the, the long letter back was basically saying, yes, we have some positions open here, but, uh, not what you're looking for. Uh, it looks like you want some kind of like management position with being able to have a say in the way things are run. And then we're more looking for kind of like worker types here. So, uh, so you, you probably don't want anything we have to offer all the type of positions that you would want are already filled. So thank you for your interest. We'll keep you in mind just in case, uh, you know, I, I really liked your email to me, but, uh, Sorry, nothing open for you. That's basically what he wrote, and I, I wrote him back saying thank you for being respectful. You know, and if things change, let me know. And that was that. So, okay, no hard feelings there. They they already had their team put together at that point. I wasn't uh, expecting they're going to just ramrod me in, though. I, I think they should have ramrodded me or someone like me in at that point because it. it I was already getting the suspicion that they were idealists who, who didn't quite know where they were really going. So, indeed, uh, a lot of time passed. And there were just, like, no updates. And people on 2 Plus 2 started asking, okay, when's it coming? <laughs> What's the story? Where is it? And uh, and and we were getting a lot of weird updates from him. Like, like not weird updates, a lot of weird responses, including ones that kind of seemed to be indicating that he was... Uh, moving on to other things. Moving on meaning like he, you know, he's doing, you know, he took on this project and that project and he probably shouldn't have, you know, they kind of took away his focus, like kind of weird excuses as to why this was getting delayed and people were already getting disheartened that it was, it was starting to look like even he was losing enthusiasm for his own project. Uh, but, but he was insisting it was still going on. It was still happening. And don't worry about it. It's coming. But it became a running joke on two plus two that it was absolutely never coming. People started to thread like you know things that will happen before Phil Galfon's site goes up, and and, and you know, people would post jokes about that. So it, it became a running joke that the site was basically never coming yeah, up. It's, be, it's become the the poker equivalent of Duke Nukem. Remember, there's a there's a Duke Nukem sequel that it, I think it took twelve years to come out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> For real, but no, I mean this is what I was saying at the time, Gruff, is that this. This is actually a really big project, like bigger than what I mentioned at the time. Is It's bigger than I think they were anticipating that it would be because there's a ton of work. It's not just the client, it's the servers and the back end and the scaling and all that kind of stuff. And it's all, I mean, it's all doable, but it's not a Sunday afternoon project. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, it's, it's not. And, and also they, they, yeah, there's a lot of just, planning of the entire structure of the site and everything else they have to, even from the non-technical standpoint that they have to do that they may not have done. And there's so many things that I think they just didn't consider. So, and then I think he was kind of embarrassed to tell people that it was not going anywhere. They were spinning their wheels, but people were giving a hard time. So finally, after now, what's about uh, like 20 months since he first announced it, he finally gave an update. He had little ones before, but not very often. But finally, this is the major update. Hey all, it feels like a lifetime ago that I announced the impending launch of Run at Once Poker. I said that we'd be coming soon to provide a viable alternative to the online poker market, one that cares about and believes many of the things you likely do. You rallied behind us, you pledged your support, and you were ready and willing to play, and unfortunately we missed our target. That's a shock. Uh, today, I'd like to explain why that happened, provide an update on our progress, and discuss one of our core values that I intend to do a better job delivering on. A poker site should be transparent. 
you didn't hear that many updates from me over the past year. There were good reasons for this, and if I had to do it all over again, I'm not sure what I'd change, but I'm disappointed because I told you the kind of poker site we wanted to be, and my infrequent updates gave you a reason to doubt we'd follow through. <laughs> but he's saying he doesn't know what he would have changed, though. So he's saying, yeah, we did something wrong, but I don't know what I should, what should I have done differently. I, I was wrong in some way, but I don't even know what I should have done differently. That's kind of a weird way to put it. He goes on to say, transparency is something that was and still is missing in online poker. True. It's not easy for a large company to be transparent. I'm not, but it's not a large company. That's a, that's, that's a stupid argument. Uh, I'm not criticizing or pointing fingers at other operators. I'm just stating once again that we at Run and Once believe very strongly in being as transparent as reasonably possible. I see what he's saying. He's saying that, uh, ones like poker stars, it's hard for them to be transparent, but, uh, that they should be anyway. Uh, in this update, and especially in the several that will soon follow, I'm going to do my best to show you the level of transparency we intend to deliver. What's been going on? I know how common software development delays occur. I know it. I knew it before we started, though perhaps not as much as I, I know it now. Believe it or not, I built a decent cushion into the estimate I was given for my first announcement. That's lesson number one is you, you build more than a decent cushion. <laughs> Whatever time you think it's going to take, you, you've got to add a whole lot to that. I'm sorry, Drew, but I'm going to have to call bullshit on that because I, at the time that he was uh, announcing the time frame that he was coming out with it, I, I said there's no fucking way that that's going to happen. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I just, you know, I've, I've been in the, the software dev world long enough to know that that's just not going to happen in that time frame. I mean, maybe they could have gotten an MVP but not something that's actually going to scale up. Yeah. So the fact that he's saying that he doubled the estimate that he was given, like, <laughs> I really am curious what that estimate was. Yeah. I, I can't imagine your, uh, a software development house would actually give him an, aggr- an aggressive estimate like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it just doesn't make any sense. And I agree. And here's the thing. Like, I, I'm involved in a project exactly like this right now where the biggest thing that causes delays is people managing the software project that don't know what it means to manage a software project. Um, And what I mean by that is that if you want to get something done on time, you have to have a really good spec of what it is that you're building because engineers are really good at building something to a spec. But the problem that I see, and it's a problem in a current project and it's very common is that people that don't understand software engineering are very fluid about the spec. So they keep on adding stuff, changing stuff, not realizing that it's going to cause a complete re-architect to happen, you know? Yeah. So I I bet you that that's kind of what happened here is these guys were like, oh, you know, we want a really cool site. Like, go make it for us, you know? And as they started getting deliverables, they started saying, no, it should work like this or change it like that. In other words... They didn't give them everything up front that they needed to actually build this thing in a reasonable time frame. And that is how software projects like this just go on for forever. Yeah, yeah, I can easily see that. When you have that kind of fluidity of scope, you know? Yeah, I, I can easily see that. So he, he writes, uh, um, here. Uh, our software delays weren't the typical delays that come with the territory. We made some significant missteps early in our software development. I don't just mean our tech team. I'm as much to blame as anyone. And it set us on a course that's been very difficult to navigate. Yeah, that's a bad sign here that they, uh, 
it's basically saying nobody knew what they were doing. Well, they, I I didn't see this letter at all, but he's basically saying what I just said. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I guarantee that that's what happened, you know. Uh, after a change in leadership early last year, <laughs> so much for that great team they had involved. Yeah, they had this great team in place that they, they, they couldn't insert me into in any management capacity. And then they, they had to, uh, drop some of it. He didn't mention how many got dropped or what the exact change was, but, uh, uh, apparently there was some kind of changing where they, they fired some people. Uh, our new tech team had to get acquainted with what was handed off to them, evaluated our options and develop and propose a plan. Not a quick process. And in the meantime, we continued down the path we were on. Eventually they came up with a plan they were excited about, but it wouldn't be an easy choice for us. One option was to stay the course where we made significant progress, but would be faced with slower future development. The other was to redo several things in a way that allowed for more flexibility and for us to create everything we dreamt up. But taking those steps backward meant a much later launch date. So yeah, it's basically, it sounds like the, the previous tech team, uh, made a site that was going to be very difficult to expand upon. And, uh, so it was either keep what we've done, but it's going to be hard to do much more with it. Or, uh, we, we can, we can burn everything to the ground and, and rebuild it the right way. That's what he's trying to say. Yeah. Well, did you hear what he said about, uh, do everything that we dream up? Yeah. You know, that's exactly what was going on. You know, they, they built something and then his crack team that you weren't fit to be part of came up with all these ideas that they wanted to bolt on. And the developers are like, uh, dude, you didn't tell us any of this shit. <laughs> this is going to require that we redo the whole thing. And they're like, Oh, really? I didn't know that. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, apparently it looks That's like they, exactly what happened, man. It, it exactly. also, well, it also appears like they were unhappy. He was unhappy with the past, uh, tech team where maybe they, uh, um, you know, w- what they came with, uh, it, it was going to be a big deal to add these other features by the way they had built it. And then when they handed this off to this new team, the new thing seemed, seemed to think it was crap. And that, like, like, hey, if you want to build the product you want, we're going to have to tear this whole thing down and start over because what they built was crap and too hard to, uh, too hard to change at this point. So that, that's what to me looks like he's saying. So he says, as a new plan was being developed and we, as we wrestled with our options, I didn't know what kind of update I could offer you all. So I kept quiet even once we were, we chose our path because after my experience with the first announcement, I didn't want to make any promises that I couldn't keep. I understand that, but given that it became a running joke that it was just never going to come up, why not just tell people? Why not just say we, we, we had a problem, we switched tech teams, and unfortunately we had to start over the process or start over most of the design process and you know, pretty much just say what he said here. And, and sorry about this, this is going to be a significant delay. I don't have an exact date for you, but uh, uh, that's why, why. Why not just tell us this before? Why, why drop it on us now? I mean, it's not terrible that he wouldn't tell. I'm just saying that uh, I don't see why he's acting like this couldn't have been said before. So he says, our decision. So what What do you do when you can't choose between the two options? We didn't want to push launch back even further, but it's extremely important to us that we bring all of our ideas, all of our ideas to life. So we combined our options into one that we believe gives us the best of both worlds, or also it might be the worst of both worlds. We decided to stay on course and deliver part of our offering quickly. 
Gruff, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But as a manager uh, who has managed teams of developers before, I'm hearing the way he's describing this. And all I can think of is just dumpster fire and run <laughs> as quickly as you can if I'm on that dev team. That's what it sounds you know, like to me. Yes, he's describing everything. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it sounds like to me. Like, 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 uh, like. I, I really do think that you should have gone with one or the other. Either say, okay, look, uh, now we're going to have to go with a, a failed product that we didn't really want. But, but it's either this or or take an eternity to launch, and it, it's just time we start. Got to go with it, or okay, fuck it, we're going to do it right. We're going to take even longer, but we're going to do it right this time. Like, it's got to be one of those two. To do this this middle, weird middle ground, which you're going to hear about, is, is, is very strange to me. So he says, we decided to stay on course and deliver part of our offering quickly while also working on changes that will allow much more flexibility in our development process going forward. This meant a sped, a sped up launch, but a slightly slower path to our final product. The result of this is that we'll be launching Run It Once Poker in two phases. We've come far enough on phase one that we've just begun our private beta, which means I'm finally ready to announce the launch window. Uh, by the way, this this is sounding a lot like uh, WSOP.com uh, making you do you know throw away everything you did before and start start a new client. He's not saying that, but this phase one, phase two thing is kind of scary. Uh, tournaments will be added. Oh, sorry, that was scary. Launch one. Uh, sorry, phase one. Launching summer 2018. We didn't want to la- launch a subpar version of anything. So with a long and difficult road ahead, we focus all our efforts on our cash game offering. Our phase one platform will provide cash games that we think look and feel great, including some exciting and innovative features. Tournaments will be added in phase two. More on that below. This is already a disaster. In 2001, this would be great. Start, start a good cash game site. Nobody plays tournaments online in 2001. Lovely. You've, you've, you've got a good site. Starting in, in, in late 2002, early 2003, when Poker Stars brought tournaments on and that became a big thing online, uh, you don't want to start a poker site with no tournaments. You, you don't want people to go on there who are only cash players and then bring tournaments later. Why? Because the only people who are going to go on a site like that are ones who primarily play cash and probably don't play many tournaments. I, I can tell you as, as a cash player myself who does not like Online poker tournaments. I'd be fine with a, a site like that. Sort of. I'll explain why in a second. But that um, at, at the same time, when they would launch the tournament, a player like me would not go play tournaments. The tournaments would be a failure. Because if it's, if it's all guys like me, there's going to be no one in the tournaments. Uh, and, and the tournament players are not going to come there to play cash if there's no tournaments to also play. Now, where I wouldn't like it as a cash player would be that I'm not getting tournament donks entering my cash games. I remember at the 3060 game on Poker Stars in 2003 when I was crushing it and going, wow, why are there so many bad players in 3060? Why is this? And, and this is before Moneymaker won. Not too much before. It was before he won. This is before the, po- just before the Poker Boom. So it wasn't the Poker Boom doing it. But, uh, I, I was seeing these people sit with me at 3060 who just sucked and I crushed them over and over. And I learned later that these were not fish. These were tournament players who were good no-limit tournament players but sucked at limit hold'em cash. So I love the fact that these games were fed by tournament people. And that's not going to happen over here because <laughs> there's not going to be a tournament. So it's going to be all cash players. That's not going to be a very good site. It's, it's going to mo- mostly good cash players are going to be on there with no tournaments there. Yeah, it's been a, a truism of the poker world that 
tournament poker is just a way to recycle cash back in, right? Yeah. You know? You get some tournament donk, ends up scoring it. He's got that money in his account. He thinks he's the best poker player in the history of the world. He sits down. All the cash game players are like, fucking finally, this would have been sitting here for five hours for. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. That's how it works. So how you, to launch those tournaments is, is terrible. It's a, and then only, and there, there, there were also, there were also some questions just in general on Run It Once that, you know, if you're marketing this site to people who are Run It Once subscribers or are good cash game players, like how good are the games going to be anyway? Right. You know? <laughs> And then, and then add in the fact that the tournament docs are out of the equation. I mean, yeah, right, good luck. I and, guess. And, and also, <laughs> and also the, the tournament docs, like they're gonna, they're gonna show up. There's no tournaments. They're gonna go. This thing sucks. They're gonna close it. and They're never gonna open it again, except for the like real dedicated ones who follow it. But yeah, the the, the average player is gonna go on. They go, what? No tournaments? Uh, screw this. That's why I'm here. And then they're not gonna come back. So uh, he says we decided on this for a few reasons. We didn't want to release anything we aren't proud of, so launching with an unpolished and partial version of multiple offerings was off the table. We figured that you'd rather have something from us than to wait much longer for us to offer everything. We further – let me stop there. Why? That's not true. It's We've waited this long. Uh, we've all done fine with no run-at-once poker for the almost 20 years now of online poker. We, we can wait a little longer. Like people are curious about when it's coming, and people are making jokes about it. But at this point, just get it right. So he says uh, we were furthest along on our cash games, and even if we hadn't been launching with tournaments, would only be only would be extremely challenging for a new site fi- fighting for liquidity. What to expect from Phase One? Though Phase One includes cash games only and won't have all the options and flexibility that'll be in our final product, we've built a product we're proud of that will deliver on our vision and our values. A poker site needs to believe in the dream of poker as a career. It shouldn't cater to professionals over other players, but it must make every policy change within the viability of the dream in mind. We will set sensible rake for sustainable and beatable games. It should seek to build a fun and engaging environment that all types of players enjoy playing in. We'll, we'll be offering a unique cash game experience focused on fun and pure, authentic poker. What does that even mean? I mean, that's, I'm, I'm curious to see what that is, but... Like, how do you do that online? How do you make a unique cash game experience focused on fun and pure, authentic poker? The the closest I've seen done to that was True Poker, like, back in 2001, where you sit at, like, a 3D-looking table, and the chat bubble pops right up over your head, and you can choose a certain character to play with. That, that, was, uh, that was as close as I've seen online to pure and authentic poker, but then it had issues that it was slow, and, uh, you know, as far as, like, multi-tabling or really, like, playing serious poker, it kind of sucked. I think he's saying there are going to be no spinning goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably. And so he says we will have an innovative player reward system that I believe will make pros, both pros and recreational players, happy. One which will give slightly more rewards to dedicated pros, while not leaving recreational players behind. Let me stop there. What does that How mean? How is this going to work? And what does this mean? If you're giving more rewards to the pros, you are relieving recreational players behind. That's exactly what you're doing. Maybe not as much as, as, as some other sites did in the past, but you're still doing it. Now, maybe they're doing it in a smart way. I'm guessing they're not, but maybe they're doing it in a smart way, like rewarding players who start games or who will play short for a while until someone joins. Like I, That would be the smart thing. 
But if it's just like giving more rake, like if it's these things where you, you level up to gold and, and platinum and all that and you get higher rake back for the more you play, um, that's, that's really the old model and that's actually been proven to not really be viable these days and that, uh, uh, they really. The, the truth is, they should be focusing on the recreational player more because they're they're the ones that people are right. there for. So that's I. I mean, that's what I was trying to say before is that I don't know how this is going to work because where is the money going to come from? You know, if you don't have the tournaments to attra- attract the rec players, if you're building a site that's geared towards poker pros and being friendly towards them, where is the money coming from? I mean, the most poker friendly games I've ever been in are the games where there's lots of rec players there. Yes. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Exactly. And and uh, then he says, uh, it, it'll engage recreational players and pros alike, and it'll make it impossible for players to leave their rewards unclaimed. A big savings for many poker sites at the expense of uninformed amateurs and aloof pros like me. So what he's trying to say there is that it's going to be some kind of automatic process that whatever rewards you earn just fall in your account instead of you having to go claim them. And he's saying that... Uh, Either you know high stakes pros like him that don't really pay attention to rewards and leave them on the table, and also uninformed amateurs don't realize that they have rewards and they never claim them. So then poker sites save that money. So he's saying, look, you know, look how nice we are. We're just going to hand you your rewards uh, without you even trying to to do so, which is nice. I think that's a good feature, but uh, you know that, that's that's only a small thing. He goes on to say, and, and I don't I don't want to just crap on the guy because he seems like a really nice guy and he seems uh, like a smart guy and all that kind of stuff. But the the bottom line is I think that a lot of the ideas that he has are really good and they sound fantastic. But the the bottom line for any poker player is where's the money coming from? Yes. You know, and and any poker site that you have really does have to be centered around rec players to some extent, you know? Yes. Now, now we're, we're, sites like Poker Stars made a mistake because you can't offer something to pro players and then pull the rug out under from them in the middle and say, ha we're taking right. it away now. You guys aren't worth anything. Fuck you. Right. Like, that, that's when you look like assholes and you are assholes to do that. Uh, but the, I, I don't, I've always said I don't believe that pros just automatically are entitled to rake back because they play a lot. Uh, you, you have to, right. but, but at the same time, pros do have some value in getting games started where wrecks are not going to go sit by themselves. So, you know, I, there's, there's some things that people who really, I'm talking about grinder types, not, not, not ones who just play high stakes. I mean, grinder types who spent a lot of time playing online poker and really spent a lot of time thinking about online poker. People such as myself, uh, who, who can understand what, what type of player is valuable to the business. What type of player isn't valuable to the business? How do you attract them? What makes people enjoy playing online poker? Uh, things like that. Not not just doing what you think the pros are going to like, or, or 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 somehow, you know, like like the, the thing about automatically giving people their rewards. That's very honest. I applaud that. I think that's very good right. that they're doing that. Uh, but so, so from an honesty sta- and integrity standpoint, that's great. And I'm not, I'm being serious here, not sarcastic. That's it's great. But yeah. but is it going to attract a lot of new players? No, that that's that's not going to attract a lot of new players. Go, oh, I'm going to play there because they're giving me rewards immediately. No, it's that's 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 not what's going to bring people there. And and and, and also, Druff. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I, I really would like to see him succeed at this, just because he seems like a nice guy. The poker world could use something like this, and you know, he's well intentioned and all that stuff, but. You know, he, he's coming out with this in 2018, 
And if he was doing this in, you know, 2003, 2006, yeah. I mean, I think he'd be making money hand over fist. But without the U.S. market, um, without tournaments, with there being monoliths like poker stars out there, and with their model of it being pro-friendly, like I just, I'm having a hard time seeing how this is not just lighting, you know, Guy and Gus's money on fire, you know, the money that he made at, at the tables. And I, and I really do hope, and I, I think I mentioned this before when we we're talking about it, I really do hope he was smart about it and he's building this company with other people's money, you know, with investors. Yes. And yeah, I want to I'm sure that some of it is profits from the Run at Once training site. And, yeah, okay, there's not uh, as much risk involved there if you're just going to be uh, rolling some of those profits over into it. But I don't know, man. Like, I, I think it's just going to be really tough. Your average rec player, first of all, the U.S. is just gone. Yes. Right? And then you're going to be trying to sell into these other markets where there are established players like, you know, 888. And there are a whole number of established players in the market. I just, it seems, it seems like terrible timing and it seems really, really difficult. Yes, I, I agree. You know? and, and, and so he says, uh, and that's why I think you've got to show up with something that right off the bat is, is an excellent product that people are going to really like and say, hey, we got to start playing here. Like, if you just show up with, oh, here's a solid cash game site with nothing else besides cash games. And it's not as good as we were planning to be, but that'll come in phase two. Uh, just, just trust us and come back later if, if you kind of like this. Like, it's not going to work in a, in a, in a market that has a lot of mature products. That's not going to ever work. And, and, and like you said, and, I, and they're going to get a reputation as being a place where like the average rec player is like, oh, no, I'm not going to play there they're all sharks yeah you know what i mean <laughs> like fuck god you know yeah i i mean yeah i i can I, I definitely don't consider myself to be poker pro material but i know what i'm doing i, I wouldn't play there you know like why i, I don't want to play against galfond yeah you know? yeah right that? <laughs> so so he, he writes uh uh let's see here a poker site should believe in fairness it shouldn't let honest it shouldn't let honest players, professional recreational, professional or recreational, be taken advantage of by others exploiting unenforceable rules. It should seek to put a stop to predatory behavior and to cheating of any kind. It should strive to create a playing field, a level of playing field as possible. Okay, I, I agree. Uh, he's not really stating what they're going to do there, but uh, the, the unenforceable rules. Uh, I don't know what he's trying to say there. I hope they're not saying that they're just going to things they allow because it's too hard to enforce but uh anyway I, I agree with the part about they should just separate what is predatory behavior and what is not and then just stop it and then well uh, that sounds to me like things like i mean it's impossible to enforce things like multi-accounting for instance so i mean i guess it's stuff like that i don't know yeah i don't know but I, I do i do support where they just Say, look, is this predatory? Yes. Okay, it's not allowed anymore. Like, I or or and, and already right. setting a lot of rules down from things that have been discovered over time, like no seeding scripts. But isn't poker predatory? It, it is, but I can understand like like the, I don't like I, like things like the seeding scripts that would seat people immediately when right. the table would 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 start to fill things like that. That uh, um, you know, as soon as you see things like that, go no, these are these are this is predatory behavior. It's not going to be allowed here. Or even start off with knowing these things exist. Say this won't be allowed. That won't be allowed. This won't be allowed. That won't be allowed. These are th these are predatory ways people are giving themselves an edge over those that don't have these special tools. Yeah. And and, and uh, it's well, not maybe maybe what he means about things that can't be enforced is like no huts. You know. 
Yeah, I, kid, I just God, it just sounds horrible. Like if this if this site is going to be, um, I realize they're going to market it to everyone, but the people that know about it are the hardcore people that are run at once subscribers or on two plus two or whatever. Like if you know Galfon's name, you're you're a hardcore. Yeah, that's true. Player. That's like, I'm sorry. True. Yeah, you, you just are. Like if you know who he is. You are part of that tiny, tiny percent of hardcore poker players or poker fans or whatever. And you are not the public that you actually want playing on there. If you even know who this guy is. Yeah. Right. So if this is going to be a site where those are the people that are going to know about it and they're going to be sitting there and they're going to be sitting there with HUDs and they've, you know, all of the technical advances that we know about poker, like how the fuck does anyone, I just think back to what Vanessa Selp said about how, she didn't feel that, uh, you know, the rec player had a chance anymore. Well, we, I mean, we all know that they never really had a chance anyway, but if all of this is the case in terms of the caliber of player and the, the software tools that are available, like you, you literally, you might as well just light your money on fire. You're not going to win. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's, it, it, here's, here's, here's the uh, next thing. What to expect from phase two? Uh, uh, if you like our phase one product, you'll love what's coming in phase two. Uh, and then he puts, read this in an announcer voice. My voice won't work. Uh, phase two will include general software enhancements. Uh, what's what supposed to be the announcer voice? Uh, this part or the, or the previous sentence? I don't know. I'll, I'll do both. If you like what would be our, if you like our phase one product, you'll love what's coming in phase two. Phase two will include general software enhancements, more user options, a distinct sit and go offering, an innovative tournament experience. An awesome, an awesome nosebleed stakes offering with several unique ideas from someone who's played these games for a long time and thinks he knows what they need. I just became ready to announce phase one, so I'm still a ways away from sharing estimates for phase two. You'll hear from me on that once I have something concre- concrete to tell you. Okay. So, uh. Gruff, you know what they did? You know what they did? You know how he was talking before about we had these two options. We had, um, the software that was developed by this one team that it sounds like the scope was limited, so it would be difficult for them to add stuff to it. So they found another team, and that team said that the software is crap, and we're going to have to rewrite it to add flexibility to be able to add whatever we wanted. And then he said what we ended up doing is taking the hybrid approach, right? So you know what that means? What do you think that means? I mean, we we get the the shit software first, and then they're going to rewrite it and uh, and then drop that drop that in when when it's when they. So you're getting you're getting the shit software with all of its limitations and lack of flexibility, and then in the meantime, they're developing an entirely new platform. Right. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's going to take time, man. Like phase two is not going to be, uh, you know, I, I'm going to make a bold prediction and say we're definitely not seeing Phase 2 in 2018, and I would be reasonably impressed if we saw it in summer of 2019. I think you're right, and you know what th- You know what this reminds me of? This, uh, this really sounds familiar. I was thinking, you know, Phil Goffon's site has never been up yet, but Something sounds very familiar about this plan to roll out an immature product and then plan to make it more mature with more features later on. When did this happen before? 
Hmm. Hey guys, it's Christy. It's April 30th, and I'm sure you guys know by now about all the exciting news surrounding Ultimate Poker, which is the first to get their online poker site ready for players here in Nevada. They announced it last night, and then they were like, oh yeah, 9.30 in the morning, you can play games if you live in Nevada, which I do. Yeah, it's Christy Arnett announcing on April 30th, 2013, more than five, almost five years ago, Ultimate Poker! Remember Ultimate Poker? The very first legalized online poker site in the United States. Remember that? Remember how excited everybody was in April of 2013? And where is it now? Hmm. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Mm. Because they developed proprietary software that sucked, and they rolled it out, missing a lot of features with a lot of bugs. And they said, we're going to be first to market, though. And then people were very unhappy with that software. It crashed all the time. It was missing major features. Uh, it didn't even have things like waiting lists. I mean, it was, it was a joke. And not by yeah. design. So, so, so people nicely put together a list of things that – simple things, relatively simple things that, that should be added or fixed. And they said, whoa, 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 guys, you don't understand. This is a regulated site. We can't just fix bugs. We have to – every change we make to the software has to be approved by Nevada Gaming. It's a process. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going to collect all of this, and we're going to you know, we're going to do it. And you'll, you'll see when we get it uh, you know, two months from now, we're going to have another release, and uh, a lot of this should be better. People go, okay, wait, 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 two months later. Oh, sorry, you know, we, we weren't able to squeeze this in. We're, we were working on exciting new features, and people go, what the hell? Like simple bugs were not being fixed, and and it, it was a freaking disaster. Now, to be fair, apparently, according to Terrence Chan, who uh, I, I know worked uh, with uh, Ultimate Poker, uh, this was the fault of upper management. They just didn't know what the hell they were doing, upper management, and and they were just handcuffing right. the, the competent people that worked there were being handcuffed and couldn't do what they wanted. So fine, but uh, Ultimate Poker took the same approach of we're we are going to. Throw out something first because we know everyone wants it so badly. It, it, it won't be everything we wanted it to be. Later on, we'll, we'll, we'll drop all these great features that everybody loves. Well, they never got there. And by the time they, – they, they never even got to release a product like that. And everybody hated it. People weren't going to try it anymore. Even if they did come out with a product with much better features, everyone had given up by that point because they thought it sucked. So, I mean, this is where – they need. I, I don't know who's on this team right now, but what Phil Galfon needed on this team. This is what I was proposing to him two years ago, and this is. I, I I know he understood it. I know he's a smart guy. I could tell by his response to me he understood everything I wrote to him. So it's not like he misunderstood my email or didn't have the capacity to understand. He understood it fully. But th- th- what they needed was someone there, uh, like myself, like Calwatt, someone who would have been there, who would have looked at this plan of theirs. Even at this point of the game, where, mm-hmm. where, 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 where they've got to make a tough decision, and, and, and explain why it's not going to work, explain why they're making a wrong right. decision, explain from their knowledge of the industry, from their knowledge of, of, of software and the development process, from their knowledge of, of the user experience, what you, the user behavior, uh, someone who has that type of knowledge to tell them, look, uh, yes, both situations are unpalatable, but you've, you've got to come up, with, you've got to do the better one, uh, you've got to resist making the wrong move because it could sink you forever. And if you don't believe me, look at Ultimate Poker. That, that's that's what they need to be told. Yeah. So here's the thing, and I, I know you probably know this, but maybe some people are listening don't. So software development, 
like they're all different classes of it, just like there are different classes of, uh, you know, people that do construction. Like if you're asking someone to build a skyscraper, that's a totally different thing than if you're just uh, getting, uh, you know, a builder to build a home for you, right? Just the class of engineering that has to be done is completely different, right? Yes. And it's really easy or relatively easy to make what looks like something that is well fleshed out, like a front-end client, is actually pretty easy to do. Um, the really hard part in engineering something like this is really the the server-side stuff, the DevOps stuff, and you really have to nail that. Otherwise, the site, it just isn't going to scale, and it's going to be garbage, right? And my my guess is I have no way to know this for a fact, but my guess is that what they probably initially turned to is their web developers that built their run-at-once site for them. Hmm. Um, and they they use that. They built that with a combination of, you know, HTML, CSS, and they also used a uh, front-end framework called um, Angular is what they used to develop that. And you can develop some pretty nice web apps with that. And you could make, like, a kind of nice-looking poker client with that. But the, the class of development that you need to build a worldwide scalable thing like a, a poker system is totally different than what you need to build that. Now, I may be completely wrong, um, but that is my guess about who they turned to initially and why they ended up with something that doesn't scale or isn't flexible enough and why they ended up then turning to uh, a second development company. Um, but I guess, you know, all I'm trying to say here is that it's really not that difficult to get something that that looks kind of okay um, up and running, but to build a, a truly worldwide scalable system like this, it requires a different class of development. And hopefully, they have uh, those people on board because it's the the server side stuff that they really need to nail. And all the <clears throat> all the client is is really just you know an interface to the server, and it needs nice UX. But it's really pretty simple to write that part of it. The hard part is the server-side stuff, and you need a different class of engineers to be working on that. And it sounds like that's who they have on board now. I, I don't know. Um, it's all speculation, but I'm guessing that's the way it went down. Yeah, and there, I, I just, I see, unfortunately, I see a, a lot of holes to their approach where they don't have people who are just knowledgeable at certain areas of right. uh, of the process and and I think they're a little too focused though the well meaning I think they're a little too focused on what 2 plus 2 posters have been saying for a long time or what they wish to see out of poker sites uh so uh, a little too much focused on that and and, and too little focused on what will actually make it successful and yeah so that's, it's, it's, <laughs> if uh, I was a poker pro what I would say is the main, the number one feature. I want you to bring all the fish to the table. That's right. It. Well, if you, if I think ba- <laughs> yeah, it, it, listen, back 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 in two thousand four, two thousand five, I played a lot on the CryptoLogic network, which the software was terrible. The, uh, yep. the, the there was it, I mean, it was awful, and and uh, PokerStars software blew it away by by a mile. Yep. Why did I play on CryptoLogic? Because and there why were, were you there, Drew? There were mega fish. That's why. That's why. That's why everybody was there. That's why because there the, the, the games, the, the high stakes limit hold'em games were much easier there. It was much easier to to deal with, uh, you know, some good Europeans and then some awful Europeans, and uh, then 
dealing with the Limit Hold'em All-Stars and the 100, 200, 200, 400 over there on Stars. It, it, it was a huge difference yeah. in in the quality of game. So uh, that was worth putting up with all the other fail on CryptoLogic, and that's why people yeah. would play there. Now, it w- I, I didn't spread that around. I, I didn't want more and more poker. They, they got over there eventually, but I didn't want uh, yeah. poker pros to know about this. But there's only so many fish to go around. But uh, yeah, this... That's the reason people stayed and liked it. And believe me, if a lot of these guys on Poker Stars who are grinding out those tough hundred two hundred games, if they knew about that over there, they would have ditched them too. So in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm not going to go, you know, full Nebranu on this. I don't think that you know high rake is a good thing and that kind of stuff. But I, I definitely do think that it's you can make something that is not antagonistic to the pros. Um, but still is centered around rec players. And I think that's how you build a long-term sustainable economy. And if you build something that just caters to professional poker players, I mean, I think you're building something that initially people will love, but I don't think it's going to be sustainable because there, there needs to be that influx of cash. Yes. Yes. And, and, uh, what, what they, should have focused on as far as far as like the rec versus pro thing. If if I were in charge here, and I, I'd had to put more thought into it, but this would be off the top of my head. Uh, if I were in charge, I, I would first of all find ways as many ways to attract recreational players as possible, especially uh, rewards. Uh, you know, f- f- figure out ways to give them even some rewards that wouldn't necessarily be like cash or rake back, but things that just sound good, like you buy them into World Series events and things like that, that just make them uh, uh, really, you know, feel like they're still getting something when they lose. Uh, Gives them some kind of status, you know, that are, you know, people like statuses. Find find ways to do that that's different than just the statuses for just raking a lot of hands on poker stars. Uh, Second, I would... uh, That's that's as far as like attracting wrecks, doing doing something like that. As far as the the pros were concerned, you know, just uh, treating them honestly and fairly, and 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 being transparent about things, having good good customer support, that uh, having someone that that's uh, visible that can be contacted, that's not going to hide uh, Bill Reedy style, but actually you know respond to people, get things done, actually be empowered, uh, have have all the players know about this. Uh, that, that that's that's a smart way. You know, make make sure the software is is, uh, is robust, doesn't have a lot of bugs, is is easy to use, is user friendly, has all the very ba- you have all the basic features people will want. You know, not, uh, and something else I had in mind that I'm forgetting is I'm trying to get tired. But anyway, things like simple things like that from a, from a poker standpoint. Oh, I, I know what it was. As far as the pros are concerned, to keep them happy, say. We're going to give you a bonus for starting games, such as something like a um, for the first uh, hour a game's running three-handed or less. We're going to charge no rake. So something like revolutionary like that that the other sites aren't doing. So so this way the games get going, and then but but make it where they can't play for eternity. They make like the first hour is no rake, first half hour is no rake, whatever it is, and then make some kind of you know, rule as to what constitutes a game to be willing to sit out for a minute and start again or leave and come back. But yeah, it would be easy to devise, devise rules to prevent uh, that being abused. But th- things like that that give people, or 100% rake back, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, no rake, but whatever it is. Something where you, where the pros feel like they're being taken care of for sitting there, for starting the games, for being willing to play each other to get games going. 
and, uh, and where the Rex feel like they are getting rewarded and getting something out of being there. And, and, and you have to come up with ideas like that. If, if you're just going to make some stupid rewards program that's somewhat based on what Poker Stars had, it's not going to work. And he didn't say that's what he's doing, but yeah. if you're going to do that, it's not going to work. If it's going to be, if the site's going to be mostly pros, as you were saying, it's it's not going to work. The games are going to suck. They're not going to sit there and play each other all day. Uh, yeah, and I'm I'm not going to pretend that I have a business plan in mind in terms of exactly how I would accomplish it. Um, but I I mean I just will say that it for the long term sustainability of something like that, I would care less about the pros while still not wanting to screw anyone over. Um, and I would care more about there being an influx of, of rec players, but I'm, I'm more speaking towards the, the area that I have expertise in, in terms of building the, the software, uh, systems that they needed. And I think that just the, the way that they approach the whole thing, I mean, it's unfortunately typical of, of what I've seen of, uh, you know, people that are not really familiar with doing software development projects on this scale. Yeah. You know, so I'm not, I'm not optimistic. I would love to be proven wrong, but I'm not optimistic. I think we're going to see their initial crap software. Um, and they, they will have problems, you know, right off the bat with it. When, I mean, cause here's the thing, like you can be an, a really, really good engineer, but whenever actual people start interacting with what you built, I mean, that's when everything blows up. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, that ends up working. Yes. Uh, we have a caller here, I believe. Is it Mumbles in your truck? Is that who's calling right now? Yes, sir, it is. Okay. So, so what would you like to say about this? I was going to say, um, regarding rec players, one of the things that I've seen that, appeals to rec players are things like pots being splashed, you know, small bonuses for high hands, like this kind of like typical, you know, I can play for a while and even if I'm not that good of a player, I can get lucky and you know win a hundred bucks. Yeah. Even if I lose my hand. You know? I mean those kinds of things are prolific in brick and mortar rooms just to get people to go and play in the off periods, you know? Yeah, it's a good, yeah. it's a good point. That'd, yeah, yeah, things like that, exactly. Things things like that. That'd, that'd are, be jackpots. That'd be jackpots to track all kinds of fish, you know, and people are going to play a lot more hands if they have a chance to hit a baggy jackpot, you know? Yeah. That kind of stuff is what I... I, I agree, and, and I, I think that that's... I don't know if that's what they're going to be focusing on, but just from that thing that he posted there, I, I don't know if they are. Man, it's, it's, it almost sounds like that they're... Yeah. The other thing I, I saw, and this was Caesar. I used to play a lot at Caesars Palace. I'm at Caesars AC, right? And I played the 2-5 game there for about two and a half years. And it was a great game. There was a lot of action, even though the room was pretty small. I mean, it was less than half the size of Borgata. But they just had a lot of action players. And it, one of the keys to the game was that, like Borgata, it was a time charge game. And what happened is people would, couldn't just sit there and wait for cards like they could if they played over a Harris. Right? Harris was, was, a, was a, a pot rate game. And uh, after you're sitting there for half an hour, you're not going to get cards. You start playing. 
So those are the kind of things that you, you want action and you want, and you want people to play to possibly win stuff. Uh, that's that's what I would recommend. I, I also yeah. would recommend about, that they w- they would have a, at the lower stakes games at least uh, prop players who who will interact a lot in the chat and, and get people talking. And I can tell you, I can tell you from, and I've talked about this before in this show. What I used to do on Absolute Poker, where I would have that electro character in it, and and I would just talk up a storm. I, I was even kind of brash and obnoxious on purpose uh, to get, to get because the fish kind of liked it. They kind of had like a rival there in me, and and uh, it. It, it really got games going, got games moving because they, they felt like it was a social interactive experience, not just people quietly sitting there taking their money, but, but someone who kind of came off as this brash, uh, obnoxious, but not too obnoxious, like, like fellow gambler who just liked to, uh, like throw a lot of money in the pot like they did. They just didn't understand I was throwing it yeah, in. Yeah, it's entertainment. Yeah, that, it's that, entertainment. Right. They want to be entertained. I was creating entertainment there that for the. That sounds like it would be hard to. Monitor. No, no, no. I'm just saying that they'd have yeah. to if they got if they'd have to hire props to do this at at, at three six and the, the three six limit or, or or you know one two no limit. People who are who are willing to be props, their part of the job is to be interactive and 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 to be uh, right and and just just to keep they don't have to be obnoxious. Just keep you know interactive and 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 keeping chatting and 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 just you know commenting about hands as they're going on and uh, you know things like that 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 will also appeal to the rec. Players, so they're not just feeling like they're sitting there with a bunch of people who, number one, they could feel they could fear our bots, and, and number two, even if not, they just don't talk. It's very, it's just kind of depressing to sit there with nobody talking, and they're just all you know destroying you, taking your money. You feel like you got nothing out of right. it. So, so I, I don't know if they'd be doing that. that's the type of stuff I would be doing if if I were in charge. And, and uh, what would I? There's certain things that are the right things to be focusing on. Certain things are the wrong things, and certain things are just not done when they probably should be. Just because something's not done at the moment doesn't mean it's wrong. And just because something is being you done at the you, moment, you just made me think about. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Mumbles. I was going to say, I, I'm really curious. Did Gotham start this in reaction to Poker Stars screwing over the the Red Pros? No, this is before that. I see. I, I don't understand how he thinks he's going to be competitive against all the other sites. We don't. We don't either. Uh, Cal, what were you going to say? So the the thing that you made me think of is, and and again, I, I'm not privy to their team, but something that they're going to have to deal with on a, a large scale is security. Yes. Um, and and do they have the proper people in place that really know their shit? Um, in terms of server-side security. And then also, uh, and this is what caused me to think of it, is the, the bots, right? I mean, do they do they have people that really know what they're doing um, in terms of bot detection and, and, and being able to farm that out or and whether their client is, uh, you know, hackable? And I just, if it is true, that they initially contracted out to their uh, web development team that did uh, the the run at one site for them. They, I mean, they're just not going to have that that depth of experience. And, and also, uh, also, so what about I, pre- I what about preventing the DDoS that have been such a big deal recently? That's another thing you have to yeah, be yeah that uh, too. And, and, aware and again, of. that's why you need a really good DevOps team that is going to be able to use something like Google uh, Kuber, uh, Kubernetes or um, Amazon Lambda or some 
kind of scalable service like that that can scale up or down as needed. You know? Well, uh, I don't know. I'm not uh, like Hal. What I, I I hope Phil Galfont succeeds with this, and it sounds like he has good intentions. So, uh, right. we're not approaching this from a nasty standpoint. Like you know, it's not like we're mocking right. Duke here. Uh, but but uh, we're definitely seeing holes here, and I just hope he corrects them before running into some... I would love to see this succeed, because I would love to see, um, you know, a, a decent, smart guy approaching a business with, with good principles. I would love to see it succeed. But I'm seeing issues from a business model point of view, and I'm super concerned from a technical point of view, just based on... You know, some speculation on my part, but also experience in the industry, and and then what he's saying. Like I'm, I'm worried. I am too. You know? I, I definitely am. So, uh, Mumbles, where, where are you right? What state are you driving in right now? Uh, California. Okay. Now here, here's my. I actually, next... uh, I actually was driving through a snowstorm earlier in Northern California. Huh. I didn't know there's a snowstorm there right now. Whose audio was worse, Drop Mumbles or mine? Oh, when yours, I was out walking around. Oh no, no, yours was much worse than this. Yours is good now, but when you were oh that bad. Wow. Yeah, no, it would, when wow. you listen okay. back, you'll see why I was so critical of it. So, <laughs> oh man. So, uh, mumbles. Uh, when you drive and listen to the show live, do you use the call to listen line? No, because uh, the call to listen line comes over kind of tinny. Oh, uh, come on. Through the cell phone service. <laughs> no, it's, uh, uh, you just I, and I'm on an unlimited data plan, oh. so. Sorry, uh, I, I, uh, I've got an unlimited data. Let me tell you, Mumbles, I would I would listen to it when I don't have the data plan. I mean, sometimes my coverage is bad. Okay, okay, that's good. So, but you know what? I, I, I'm telling you, though, I would sit there at night, and I would think, the call to listen line, I wonder who's using it. Then I picture you. I picture you driving just on a, a remote highway somewhere, and, and, and the cell phone reception isn't that good, and, and, and you go, you know... It's kind of in and out. You know what? I'm I'm not going to bother with with connecting and listening to the normal streaming method. I'm just going to call the call to listen line. There's no buffering. It's easy. It doesn't waste my data. And I just picture you like driving long, long stretches with a call to listen on like ten hours at a time. And 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 it makes me feel good. And I, and then you tell me you don't use it well, much. And I and well, I, start... I, I, I let me let me suggest something. There is a way. There is, there is a reason to listen to the call to listen line once I've stopped the truck, and that is if I want to uh, listen to like music in the background, you know, like say seventies porn music, and listen to the call to listen line and pleasure myself to the you know to your dulcet tones. No, 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 no. You know, maybe if a female caller calls in, you know, then it's like the music can add to the experience. But that's not what I was picturing. Normally, you know, I can't, I can't do that while driving because I don't, I don't drive it automatic. You know, this, this is so sad. That the, the only, the only usage of the call to listen line is so you can jerk off while you listen to the show. This is horrible. No, I didn't say what I didn't say. That's not how I pleasure myself. I pleasure myself by eating or meditating or come uh. on, I'm not. I'm not Tim Steeler. This is this is not what I picture. I, you know, I just I just get these ideas in my head that of what the call to listen line is used for, and who uses it, and when they use it, and it's just. I, I mean, I know it gets used. I, I see the activity on it. You know, it broke actually uh, earlier this week. It actually broke. 
it, it had a weird message on it that I'd never heard before that uh, it can't be reached at this time due to a phone company routing error or something like that. It was a very strange <laughs> thing. And, and you I, know, you One know, way I think people can use the call to listen line is if they're – now that you can use your cell phone coverage when you're flying in an airplane, uh, you don't have to buy the, 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 the Internet service through your airline. You should be able to, if your cell phone coverage is good enough, Pick up the reception when you're in the air. I've never had good coverage. When I've been in the air, I don't get service. Whatever. Yeah, I don't either. That's what I'm saying. I don't get service. Every once in a while, it pops in for a second and goes away, but it would never be good enough to to make this call. Yeah, it it doesn't work. Uh, Well, I haven't flown in an airplane since 2010, so I I guess I'm a little out. Now, when you're when you're when you're lower, you get more service. In fact, you know some of the conspiracy theorists about nine eleven were uh, saying that uh, one of the reasons the whole thing was BS it was that there were so many people who were on the flight that used their cell phones to call back home, and that that wasn't possible. But what they were overlooking was that these flights were very low. So that's that's you know yeah. were, right. <laughs> so that, that's how they were able to do it. Uh, so. Right. Uh, and that's indeed when I'm low. When, when we're like that one that crashed in Pennsylvania. Not that low, but when no, I mean there were people on that flight who were talking on the phone, telling their relatives, you know, like we're gonna we're gonna storm the cockpit now. Yeah, you, there was there was that, they, and also once there were also ones who made calls during the ones that hit the towers that that had called. Uh, so oh, okay, yeah, I guess. That would make sense because you have to be kind of loaded power. Right, and and so and I, what I notice, yeah. and I've always noticed, is as you're getting closer to landing and the plane is much lower to the ground, uh, then yeah. then I'm getting uh, I usually get some service there. So right. yeah. anyway, that 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 wouldn't work. But uh, there have been people who listen in the air, and in fact, uh, this is a good segue. There's a good uh, announcement I want to make here before we end the show. It's been a long show. I, I had a feeling it'd be a long show. Oh, but. Here, here's a, a, a it's crazy man i i came on i came on the show when i woke up this morning yeah I, you know <laughs> I, I i had a feeling this was going to be long this one but let me let, let me uh, read you something that was something was texted to me that uh may 20th c money wants us to have a show at 8 p.m eastern time which kind of sucks for me i don't like that time good for calwatt yeah. good for calwatt the east an east coast bias show uh, because he's going to be flying, uh, actually, an international flight. I won't say where. I'm not sure if he wants that known. But he's going to be flying on May 20th. I hope I'm not giving out info. He doesn't want me to give up. But on May 20th, starting at 8 p.m., he's going to be flying and actually wants to listen to live radio. So I guess he's going to buy the Internet on there and listen to live radio. And you say he wants live radio to listen to. And he, he's offering $300 to the free roll if I do a May 20th. Nice. So I, I haven't even looked up what – let's see what day May 20th is. Uh, May 20th would be Sunday. So he wants a Sunday, May 20th show at 8 Eastern, because presumably uh, for this international flight with how long these shows go, <laughs> it'll try to take up most of his flight. So uh, I'll, I'll probably take him up on it. Sunday kind of sucks because it's right in the middle be- between the Wednesdays. I would have preferred it was like Tuesday, so I could just say, oh, our show's Tuesday this week. Yeah, Sunday is like kind of funny, so I may have to start adjusting it around where the, the show before that is on a Tuesday or something where there's enough distance between shows. But 
And then the World Series is starting shortly after that. What a mess. Okay, but I'll find some way to well, do it. Well, he says he wants to show. He says he wants to show, but he's not specifying who's going to be on. Right? <laughs> so just just get a bunch of uh, get a bunch of the guys from the forums to come on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just just put someone else as a host. Okay, well, I'm going to try to accommodate yeah. that. So I'm not announcing it yet, but but that's a, a, a strong possibility. And C Money's has always he's been very good to the show, and he's even offering three hundred dollars for the free roll for that uh, for that particular show on that date. So, which speaks to speaks to what we were talking about before about Phil Golf on site. You know, all we care about is bring the money. You're willing to move the entire day that the show is on just to bring three hundred dollars into the prize pool. Yeah, right? yep, I, I am exactly. Yeah. So, okay, well, uh, hey, I have a question before you pop me off. Maybe you answered this question last week, because I'm not sure if I listened to the whole show last week. Did you decide on what you're going to do about the WSOP this year? No, I have not decided yet. I, I'm having a hard time deciding. Okay. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I keep going back and forth with what I'm going to do as far as selling pieces of myself, not selling pieces. It's uh, I, I, I keep kind of arguing both sides of my head. And sometimes my conclusion is, yep, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go post right now. I'm doing it. And then I go, no, 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 no. I'm going to go post right now. I'm not doing it this year. <laughs> I've really come close to posting either of those two things and then keeping, no, no, I actually haven't decided. That's That conversation well, goes man, on. Put a package up there on Tasty Steaks. Get it up there. Let me buy a piece. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm considering it. So I'll, I'll, I'll see here. And I'm not, I'm not just doing this to, to drum up interest or some BS like that. Like I, uh, Honestly, I, as far as it's selling, I, I'm hurting myself by by taking it this close I, I usually offered it far earlier than now I d- I'm still deciding I, I do have to come to a decision soon and uh, and then I'll do it and then uh, uh, that that will be well, why don't you just decide to sell less because it's, it's not so much how much I'm selling it's whether I am or not that, that's what it is I, I, it's a good suggestion but I, I it's not so much whether yeah, it's because some people or, you know, like instead of up to four percent some people just want to have a sweat. No, they but see, I don't even want that. Like some some people, uh, I I think four percent is still not a lot. So so that's not it's not even at the, the the amount of. I don't think anyone's like losing a lot of money here that they can't afford to lose, or even just a lot of money on an absolute basis. No, like nobody really is. But but it, it's just I I just feel like collectively, it 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 I feel like I'm letting people down, and I and I feel like. Uh, like some extra stress from that, or even during the tournament, I've, I've sometimes felt the stress of that. Just thinking, you know, what if I make this move and it fails, and then you know I've chunked off my all my chips here. You know, what would the investors have thought if I do this, or if they, they you know, like I, I, I'm not going to lie. Like if I let, let's say I, I make some move, especially like in a no limit event, that that either can work or be a big fail, and then it's a big fail, and then I, I have robbed myself a chance to have, have cashed it all, and then. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go lie to the investors and go, "Oh man, I had pocket kings pre-flop against pocket aces. What could I have done?" Like, I'm not going to go do that. Like, I, I would be honest. Like, I'm honest about all the hands I play. So, do you think you would? You're do you think you would you do some kind of? Go- do you think you would do some kind of goofy, you know, bad play in a limit game? Um, no, not, I mean not as much. Uh, I'm not even saying a bad play. I'm saying things are more risky, more higher variance, which you know, which may or may not be correct for tournament play, depending on the style you're trying to do. Like, there's a lot of different ways you can approach a tournament, and um, so 
I, I don't know. It, it's 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 just it's kind of like an extra burden on my mind that I don't love having, but at the same time, I also like having the the, the people sweating me, the people who have a you know a real incentive to watch and to follow all my updates and and know that uh, you know kind of like I I, ha- I have a almost like I have a, a cheering section, even if it's not physically they're cheering with me. That it really is invested emotionally and monetarily in in me doing well, especially knowing that a lot of these people are ones who are not. Not all of them, but a lot of them are are not just most are not just randoms who who happen to buy pieces, but are ones who actually follow this show, or or, or me on the forum and and know me that way, and that makes it even more interesting for them to watch. So, like I, I think about that. Well, and how, I, how about how about this? How about this solution? This option. Why don't you consider the possibility of if evaluate your play afterwards. And if you feel guilty about how you played, give your investors a five percent and a rebate. No, I see. I can't do that. Then I'm just going to kill. I really kill my own uh, equity and everything. No, I, I can't do that. The only time I gave the rebate was when I, I screwed up and, and was late to day two, and, and and that really killed my equity. Like that, that that I gave the rebate because that that, that was a different story. But if if you know, you have to get you get the good and the bad. If if I if I am having a good tournament and making all the right moves, then you're and, and, and I'm running okay. Then you're going to get the benefit of that. If I, if I'm having a crappy day and doing stupid things, you're going to suffer. That's just, that's just what you have to deal with when you uh, when you buy pieces of me. So uh, you know, it I, sounds like a coin flip situation. Why don't you do a poll and ask people what you should do? Uh, I think they're going to yeah, say yeah. I think they're going to say I should do it. I think people are going to just you know say I think that would be the Consensus for the most part. It's just a matter for just for myself of how I because they they want to participate. Yeah, but 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 for myself, uh, you know, I, I have to decide: is this uh, you know has this become a burden in some way? Even though I appreciate those who are willing to invest in me, is it become a kind of an emotional or psychological burden that I'm having trouble shaking off? Yeah. So I have to I have to I have to decide, or, or, or maybe without it. Maybe am I am I taking something away that I like having of of, of knowing people have uh, parts of it and and, and other, a lot of other people are uh, really invested. Like when I'm running the stack up and I see people all excited on Twitter and and, and tweeting back, like I who I know have bought pieces, that that makes me feel good. So, so here's a way to think about it, bro. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. But before it was really weird. Like it was like I was on mute. I was talking, but. I guess you guys couldn't hear me. No, we couldn't. The, the way to think about it is that if you if you list a package and you have investors, there is a chance that you will disappoint people, right? It's possible, right? Yeah. Um, but there's also a chance that you're going to make some people very happy. If you don't list a package at all, there's a guarantee that you're going to disappoint people that want to have that sweat, you know? Yeah, well, I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. Same. All right, so I'm going to shut this down. We're, right now, it is uh, this is one of the later endings we've ever had, or at least in recent memory. Of, uh, it's 4:22 right now. The show has been on for well over seven hours, like seven hours and 25 minutes. This has been on very long show. For those of you that long, like long shows, you're you're going to. You, I'm sure those listening to the archives who love the long shows will, will download it and see like, you know, seven hours, 30 minutes are going to go, wow, 30, like others are going to go, oh my God, I can't. <laughs> others are going to go, oh my God, how am I going to get through this? Like it can just be super overwhelming for certain people to see this, just to see how long it's going to be. But 
that's the way it ended up this week. And uh, thank you, Bumbles, for calling in. And uh, and, and thank you, Cal Watts. Since, since Skype has this stupid idiosyncrasy where it, it garbles me when I, I speak over the closing music, I'm just going to drop everybody and uh, finish the closing music myself. So thank you, Cal Watt, for coming on. Thank you, uh, Mumbles, for your call. Sorry for the radio. Sorry for the shitty audio. Uh, you got better at the All end. All right, so. guys, I'll let you go. Okay, th- thank you, thank you, though, Cal Watt. I always enjoy having you part of the show. And uh, good night. To, good night to both of you. So I'm going to complete this on my own. Ah. See, I, speaking of the burden, I, I hate having the burden of worrying if my co-host can hear me over this closing music because they can't. It's not their fault. It's Skype's fault. Skype has turned into a piece of crap. Microsoft ruined it. But it is nice just knowing that I don't have to worry about who can hear me over this. I know you guys can. Listeners, I know you can hear me over this music. Especially if I don't make it too loud. Lower it a little bit more here. Okay, so. We shall return one week from today. March. April 25th, 2018 will be the next show. Maybe the following show, WSOP.com will be sharing player pools. In fact, that show will be on May 2nd, so we'll know. And uh, I'll probably find some way to get in that May 20th show. I'll figure it out when the time comes. Right now, I don't have any planned uh, missed shows, though I do have a World Series schedule posted. I'll have to figure out which ones are coming on Wednesday. There will be some adjustments, I'm sure, during the World Series, but I I would try to make it once a week at least. I'll try. No guarantees. I bet you have not noticed that in 2018, I have not been sick. There's been no colds. I've just been here. You notice that? All the colds I get with a terrible cold and flu season that the United States had, especially in the West, I didn't get sick. Didn't happen. Well, I kind of feel like I'm sick because my throat hurts after seven and a half hours of talking. But I made it through. Nice and long show for those of you that like long shows, and nice and long show for those of you that hate long shows, too. I have nothing more to say. We're done here. Good night. Thank you, Eric Manzamokin, for the free roll money. Shalom. <laughs>